So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But you, but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. The problem with us is we hit a rabbit hole, we dive into it, and then we on that rabbit hole, we find another rabbit hole, and sometimes yeah, but we never you, finish. <laughs> you asked me earlier, I, what yeah, should I we know. talk about? I'm thinking, oh, I don't think we need a schedule, because we're not going to follow it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm gonna, what I am going to, all I'm saying is, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is your world, brother. I mean, you, you've had some feedback. The funny part was, is you in that uh, podcast with Pinch had mentioned you and I had talked, and... Yeah. Um, you, you brought, you, you just, you just teased a couple things that I said, you know, that we talked about it. Good Lord, man. My phone, like, dude, what was that? What did you guys talk? What was that? Well, what was that conversation? It was, I'm like, patience. We'll, we'll get to it. So I think, I mean, I, I don't mind if you want to just dive into where you've left off on some of your conversations and just kind of, and then dovetail into what we talked about before, or if you want to go back to you know, what you and I were talking about. And cause I had to laugh about, you know, especially the welfare baby, you know, the, the, the Western public land hunter welfare baby. And I mean, Ooh, that one struck a nerve. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And, 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 and good. I mean, that, I mean, that's the thing is I don't care that it did. I'm glad it did, but uh, whatever you want to talk about, man, I, I, I listened to, to the one that you had with pinch. I got halfway through the Ranella one. Um, I just, just didn't have time to finish it. Um, and then, uh, but well, I mean, that's, that's the other thing too, is we could talk about him too. It's cause I mean, golly, there's, there's things that I agree. There's things I don't agree with and, and we can, we can get into some of the, just the sportsman politics type type of stuff too. Cause I saw on your live, you know, that guy asked, you know, what, what organizations do you support? And man, that's a freaking good question. Yeah. And you it's gotta not, understand where, you know, it's not one I want to answer without a lot of data in front of me, because what happens when you, when I say, these are the three I like. There will be dirt, some form of dirt on them, oh, on right? You, you can find something someone doesn't like. And like, I don't recently were like, this is off the subject. Give me an example of like black rifle coffee. Somebody's like, Hey, um, you know, they voted for some Democrat, whatever. And it, it, it was somebody that is now Republican, right? Or I can't remember. It was like, but if you dig deep enough, you'll find something. And with, for me, it's like, okay, it's, it's kind of like an 80, 20, 90, 10. It's like, man, if I agree with 80, 90% of what they do, I'm not going to bitch. But you'll find something. Right. Right. But, uh, and and it, I guess, again, if we want to talk about it, I mean, that's the thing is you've got to find somebody that, that lines up with your value sets, your yeah. ideology. Now, granted, we, you know, we, we're going to have differences of opinion on – it's just the, the same thing with this country. You know, back in the day, you, you had the, the Republicans. Man, why, just do your introduction and let's fucking start because we're going to lose. We're going to we're going to end up losing a bunch of good comment. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I'm just saying we're already going to start already and I'll add in an intro later. So that's not a problem. Let's talk about right. the let, let's kick it off with the 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 overcrowding, the social media, the Ranella uh, thing and potential ways to fix it. Um, and, and, and I agree with you and I agree with a lot of what Matt says. And I told him that before he started the podcast, dude, this is going to be a good podcast. Cause a lot of what you say, I agree with, 
But I can agree with someone of, okay, yes, uh, you know, that there are too many hunters in this area. Well, let's kill some of them. Yeah, probably that's not a great resolution, right? I agree with the problems. The resolutions <laughs> is what I'm kind of like, man, we got to live in reality, right? And it was a good podcast I did with him. You had some very, very good comments that I agreed. I think I agreed with everything you had said when we talked before about the overcrowding. And and, and and you and I were also talking. And today on this podcast, we'll probably talk about everything from midlife crises to conservation, overcrowding, social media, and some other shit we can't think of is, can someone pass up an animal on public land for the greater good? Like we talked about that. Hit some of the high points that, that, that are on your mind. Dude, set it up, start it, and we'll just we'll just go. Cause I mean, we're starting. I started. I'm in. I'm in a better. I'm a. I'm in a better headspace about it now, and I think I'm in a better headspace about it now because it is. It is, and I just got back from the Denver uh, International Sportsman's Expo that the that they have in Denver. Uh, what everybody talks to Denver ISE show, uh, and I know they're going to have some ISE shows in other places as well, but. Um, and we can talk about that show if you want um, as well. But it, it was good to get some really it, – it's nice. See, the problem is I, I live out in the middle of freaking nowhere, really. I mean, uh, yeah, there's there's towns and stuff around, but none of the people around here uh, are interested in engaging these type of discussions that, that we're having. You know, um, it, it just – so I end up getting myself in this kind of isolated – um, situation where I see a lot of things going on and I, and I just don't see a lot of um, reciprocal intellect and dialogue where I am. And it's one thing to get feedback on social media, you know, get, you know, people send me DMS all the time or, or send me emails and they're like, do this, that, the other thing, you know, I love this and love it. And, that, and that's awesome. I priest, please, dear Lord, don't stop. Cause that's one of the things that helps keep me going is just, you know, getting that feedback from you guys saying, yes, we, we are interested in these type of discussions. We are interested in this type of, uh, thought exercise, but really it, it, it's refreshing to actually, there's only so much you can engage on a, on a DM on Instagram, you know? So it's, it's really good for me to be able to get in, you know, face to face with other people or on the phone with other people and just start talking. And I can, I, I'm never at a loss for words. I call that a, a character flaw or good. I don't know, whichever one you want to look at it. But what I enjoy is, is listening to other people dive into intellectual topics and really wrestle with ideas and then provide, you know, a good conversation like you and I have always done and, and other people and going to the show and just talking with people. They're like, Holy hell. I've been thinking about the same thing for a while. And it's bothered me or listening to you talk to other people and, and hearing them, you know, articulate the same things. It just helps to say, okay, you know what? There's a number one. There is substance, and there's there's meat on these bones that we need to chew through, right? Like it's not just Chris, you know, having a bad day and just being grumpy and wants to be an asshole. 
there's 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 things that other people are noticing. There's people, there's trends that other sportsmen are noticing that are sitting there going, man, I don't know what the hell's going on. I, I'm just not sure about this, or I'm not sure about that, or I think we need to do. There's stuff that we need to wrestle with, and and you know, for me, I will own up to the fact that you know, no, I there's been some things that I've seen lately that have just really, I think, compounded over these past two years that make me worry about the future of the sportsman community. And the only way that we're going to be able to, I hope, you know, change maybe a culture or change ideas, or at least just even plant the seed of other people. I, you know, just maybe, maybe you and I don't have the solutions, but maybe our initial conversations and venting, you know, inspire someone else to come up with solutions. Let me, let me jump in while you say that is, some people take what you and I say to a very, very dark degree of negativity or positivity. This is two long, long time friends talking about the world's problems and spitballing. People need to take that right. into consideration. Like you and I were talking about the Westies being kind of welfare kids in some ways. And, I, you know, you brought it up and right. I agreed. That, I'm not right. saying all fucking Western hunters are welfare children. It is like saying babe in the blue ox and there's a lot of lakes in Minnesota. I don't think a giant walked around the fucking blue ox to make the lakes, but it gets a point across. There's a lot of lakes in Minnesota and there's a lot of gimme, gimme, gimme. And when you bring up charging, now I will say everyone I've asked and you and I are a lot alike with that. A lot of conversation you and I had, I bounced off of people and every one of them were like, fuck yeah, I'd pay more. We need to. Some might not listening in, but that doesn't mean we need death threats towards me and Chris because I think the tag price should be raised up, right? So keep that in mind when you're listening. This is two dudes happen to have mics in front of us. If it was at a campfire, it'd be the same conversation, except we'd be drinking. It's too early right now. Uh, Me, Screwball, Chris Wine. Please keep that in mind. So with the overcrowding. Go ahead. Look, sorry, sorry. All I was going to say is to, to continue on that. I have, um, this is just from, uh, this is just from a personal standpoint. So, you know, you've got COVID hit and all the Antifa riots and all sorts of other stuff going on, 2020, 2021. I, I was, and I, and I'm in an isolated place and I felt like I just couldn't do anything. And I was just really wrestling with what the freaking hell is my fellow, what, what are my fellow Americans doing? Like, I, I still love this country. And I love the idea of this country. And I, I have an ideal standard of what people should do. That was not, I was not witnessing that on the landscape. And there's a lot of things I don't, listen to, you know, I, I see on the landscape that I, I don't agree with these days. But the one thing that helped me through it was spent, literally spending a lot of time just digesting a lot of, you know, the stuff from Jordan Peterson and other intellectuals that were wrestling with big ideas and had information to share. The one big thing that I learned, I think, from a lot of these guys was you can have an intellectual exercise and not have all the answers, but just going through the, 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 the exercise of wrestling with ideas in your own mind and expressing them verbally and then having other people chew on that same bone with you is, is huge. And so for those people listening, just from what you just said, Aaron, this is for me, I think a lot of this is going to be an intellectual exercise. I, I, I might throw, cause again, this is the funny thing is, yeah, I made the statement. I, I, I unfortunately, I think a, a, a lot of Western public land hunters these days 
have gotten themselves into a mentality or started in them. They're, they're nothing but public land. They're just welfare babies. And the, the, it, it sounds egregious. It sounds hostile. And it just, it just rubs people the wrong way. The problem is I can make the case. Well, and the you... question becomes, it, it, the, the question yeah. comes for the listener. Okay. What do you do with that? Well, like, I can make the case. Now, you may not like it. But I can. Can you wrestle with the idea? Number one. Number two. Are you intellectually and emotionally mature enough to not only wrestle with the idea, but even if you don't agree with it, can you entertain the idea? And can you engage in an intellectual, uh, a, a, a positive and constructive manner? Because the flip side is, people just get offended and get and get butt hurt. Well, okay. Why? Why are you upset? Because there were some people that, that reached out to me and they're like, what the, you know, blankety blank are you talking about? It's like, dude, like, again, you dealt with this with social media. You dealt with this on forums. You dealt with this. In a, well, hell, your deal with Matt Ranella. People hear something and they automatically assume they're talking, you know, you're talking about them. It's like, dude, I don't even know you. Like, so if I said something, and it's re- it's it's resonating. Okay, it, is it resonating because it stimulated your thought process, and you don't, and you just don't know how to grapple with it, and it makes you uncomfortable? I, I'm sorry, I will I will parrot you know Jocko Willink in this one, and I'll say, good, like that's that's good. I want you to wrestle with it. I don't need you to, to agree with me. I just want you to wrestle with it. But if you're going to wrestle with it and you're going to come back with some moves and, and, and thoughts or whatever on your own, good. Articulate them in an intelligent manner, not an emotional response. Because if all you have is, a, is you're offended and, you, and you're just triggering off of emotion, well, then quite honestly, again, just because I present you a slipper does not mean that that slipper was meant for you. But if the shoe fits... You know, it, it's up to you whether you want to slip it on or not. You, you don't have to put the shoe on. But if you're going to get offended by tough conversations, well, that 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 says to me, you need to do some more wrestling on your own behalf to really identify what you believe and more importantly, why. So this is this is the why I enjoy Aaron talk. You know that day we were talking on the phone. We, I mean, I don't know how many times we joked about the fact that son of a bitch we should be recording this damn thing because it was good. Well, I mean, it was a good conversation. I'm sure we'll we'll hit all the same high points. And I I think uh, I brought right. this up before. You know when you uh, somebody asked me like, hey man, have you gained gained weight? And I might immediately get defensive. It's probably because I gained weight, right? If if somebody right. says, "Hey, man, right. you look like you've gained weight," and I'm like, "No, nah, I'm actually down a couple pounds," but Jesus, I've been you know pounding some beers and probably gained. Like, my face looks fat, right? Yeah, you know, I get it, right? right. Okay, well, if I immediately like walk away, Chris is a fucking dick. And I'm fat, right. and he just mentioned it, right? Like maybe I need to diet, right, right? or th- or chew on it, right? Think <laughs> about it. When you when you brought up, put some context to the welfare baby. John and I talked about it a little, and I've brought this up to many people. You know, my thing, what you and I talked about. Like I think there should be a charge for use for shed hunting, right? The the state needs the money. There needs to be more game wardens, more oversight. There n- needs to get more land management. All of that, and. Don't get me wrong. Right. Like, I don't want game wardens to come see me. You know, that's not saying I'm right. breaking the law. But also when OSHA comes right. to the job site, 
it does slow down work productivity, right? Like I'm not saying like, oh, they, people always say, what are you, a poacher? No, no, I'm not. But I really don't want to see them. Right? I, I'm just saying like I, I could, there could be something I'm doing wrong. I don't even know. I'm, I'm being honest, right? I'm being very realistic to this. But there needs to well, be more it, it of them. Well, it could be it, – it, yeah, and, and to you, to that discussion, I listen to that, and, and what I will add is this. No, I follow the letter of the law to the T, but game wardens are just like they're, – they're people as well, and you can have some good ones, and you can have, you can have some pieces of shit ones. I have dealt with, and I've got uh, – one of my, my neighbor is the local game warden. We get along great, and that guy is squared away. Like he is – he is squared away. He's, he's the type of guy that, that if you come across him in the field – he will check you, and as long as everything looks above board and everything's good to go, he will send you on your way and, and wish you luck, and he'll probably give you some good information and, and help you out. But I will also admit that I have been across the you know United States hunting, and I have run into game wardens, and I know for a fact, because I've heard them in private meetings, in agency meetings, their philosophy is everyone is guilty of someone, uh, everyone is guilty of something, and I'll I'll. All I need to do is just dig deep enough to find it. Oh, sure. And and you can get those game wardens that are just fucking pricks. I'm sorry, they're just well, pricks. And and it, you've oh, done sure. nothing wrong, but you're going to be there for for 45 minutes just having them rake you over the coals. You're like, dude, fucking move the goddamn fuck on, man. Yeah. Well, you know I, mean? I, so I, I keep saying OSHA. When you OSHA comes to the job site, they will find something if they want to. And I, right. I was just watching, now don't laugh, everyone, I don't have TV, I was watching Lone Star Law, which was equivalent of Caveman and Fire for me. I watched that shit on a rainy day <laughs> for like six hours. It was awesome, right? I, I loved it. And those game wardens were cool, but my, my, the thing is, is, is when, you, when, you look at, when you look at this, I guarantee watching Lone Star Law, I have broken a law in Texas I didn't even know I broke. And watching that, and now it wasn't a big, I wasn't like, oh, I didn't know I can't shoot shit in the middle of the night, right? But I, I, when you fill a tag out, the little rectangle tag, you have to fill out the identical information on the back of the tag you keep. They are all filled out now for who's listening, okay? And, and it's hypothetical, maybe I did, maybe I didn't, but probably I didn't fill that fucker out correctly until now. I filled them all out now. Watching that on TV, I'm like, oh, Jesus, I didn't even know you had to do that. I should have known, right? I didn't commit any, I didn't kill anything out of season or anything like that, but it was just proper, you know, filling out of the, the tech, right? I, I, I've done it now after I watched that. I know now from a TV show, which I'm glad I watched that, but it's like, man, I would hate to go down for something as simple and stupid as that, right? You know what I'm going to say, go down, like, I didn't mean to. Well, with right. that, there needs to be more game wardens. There is not enough. And there, right. there is right. very little amount of money from the tags. Actually, well, you can talk about that. The, the dollar, where's the, where do the dollars go, right, when you buy a tag? Yeah. So, all right, if, if, let's, let's, let's address the welfare babies, okay? Because I know for me uh, in, in my podcast, I'm going I'm to dive into some concepts around this a lot deeper. Uh, it, it just only in the reason why we, you you and I may not do that now is because I don't have some of the stuff fleshed out the way I want to have it fleshed out. Because like you said uh, a little bit earlier ago, if we're gonna if we're gonna be critical on certain things and other people are involved in those critical uh, uh, investigations and discussions, 
I, I want to make sure I've got my ducks in a row and I want to make sure I have evidence. Like I, if I'm going to, I know what I can, I can criticize individuals on, but if I just say it and they come back and you're like, no, you're full of shit. Well, now it's a he said, she said type of deal. I want to make sure that if I'm going to be critical, I'm going to be like, nope, here you go. Here's your public comment. Boom. Here's this is what you did here. Boom. I want to, I want to have some, I want to have some ammunition. You know what I mean? So some of this stuff um, I'm going to dive into really a lot deeper here in the future on mine. But if you, if let me, uh, I know I might ramble here and not ramble, but I, I might talk for a little bit. Um, let me set this up the way you and I were talking about it. Uh, and what my thought process was and, and why it really just started, A, why it grated on me hard, and then really why it opened my eyes. And I'm like, holy shit, what the freaking hell are we doing? Like, what, you know, something's got to change. Um, obviously, Aaron, jump in there if you hear something that you want to dive into. But so this came up, um, obviously, I'm in Northwest Kansas, all right? I've, everything I do out here is on private land. I manage, you know, it's probably pushing 7,000 acres of private land out here. A bunch of different landowners uh, or several different landowners. And some of those landowners are uh, absentee landowners, meaning they, they live in a different state. They own property here and their property is, is for their recreation and wildlife habitat purposes only. Like it's, there's no, they don't need to have ag on it. They don't need to graze cattle on it. They want that entire property to be, so it's about 600 acres on this one particular landowner. Uh, they want the entire thing for wildlife. All right. So the wildlife focus is primary. Then I have, um, landowners that are primarily ag related. They, they just focus on agriculture production. Wildlife is a secondary thought, uh, but they want to get a benefit of some sort of economic, uh, economic benefit from wildlife if they can't. More importantly, they want to just, you know, limit how much, you know, shenanigans are on their property from people poaching, trespassing, causing problems. And, and that is a different discussion, but and then I've got another landowner who does some agriculture, but he also does a, a real heavy focus on cattle grazing. So I've got three different landowners, primary landowners that I work with, I have three fundamental different value sets on the landscape. Each one of them has a different value for wildlife and wildlife habitat and what, what, can, what can go on. And so we are in probably pushing on a hundred year drought, like severity of the drought. Um, it's been about two and a half going on three years now. And I'm praying to dear Lord that we get this break in the, in the, the drought cycle. But what that means for us is what I've been doing out here. So this is going to be year 10 that I've lived in this, this spring. It'll be 10 years that I've lived in Kansas. Um, I've been a resident for nine, but this will be 10 years. We bought the place in 2013. Uh, I think it was March, April, 2013. So we're going on 10 years being here. And instantaneously when I moved here, that's when one of the landowners approached me and, and we started this whole ball rolling immediately. So the first number of years we've been building up and, and improving the habitat, improving the game management, improving the hunting quality, improving the opportunity for high quality. But not only are we, are we improving things for the landowners, we're improving things for hunting, uh, for our own hunts. And then because of by default, it helps people around us as well. Well, you come in and have a drought, come in and just sweep your feet out from underneath you and just completely dismantle everything that you've been working on from a habitat standpoint and a wildlife population standpoint and a quality standpoint, it is heartbreaking. 
But what was more important to me, I think, what really hit me hard was to see the people coming out and engaging on the landscape and seeing the, the, the fundamental different value set and, and literally engagement um, in uh, – sorry, somebody's trying to call me in. I forgot that I didn't put that on. Anyway, um, the, the different mindset, the, the different mindset of hunters uh, in, that, that come out in this region in wanting to engage and the people that are that are trying to in, 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 uh, that I'm engaging with either either through uh, videos, through uh, direct messages, emails, etc. And I really saw this dichotomy between Midwest and Eastern, or maybe Southeastern, or even Southern deer hunters, and people coming from Western states that want to come out and here and hunt. And what I started realizing is that, man, from a whitetail standpoint and from a wildlife um, wildlife management standpoint, that, and this goes back to my dislike of the hashtag hunting is conservation type deal. Um, give me a second. Just grabbing, grabbing a piece of paper that has got some notes on. So I, I'm not a big fan of that hashtag hunting is conservation because – not only does it simplify, oversimplify some of these things, people latch onto it and, and then tie themselves in some sort of moralistic and, righteousness. And market it. And market it, okay? And I, I sit there and I'm like, okay, but exactly what is, con- like, hunting is conservation. Like, how? Like, I articulate that to me. It sounds awesome. And we can talk about organizations later. I'm going to talk about specific organizations and their marketing schemes and how, and how they interact with, with sportsmen groups in the future. But you know, how, how exactly, when you say hunting is conservation, articulate that to me in detail. Now, here's the thing. I think a lot of Eastern and Midwest and Eastern and Southeastern hunters, deer, especially deer hunters and turkey hunters can articulate that because most of those people are hunting private land and they're hunting private land. They're, they're small acres. Most likely they don't have a lot of opportunity. They're either getting permission on neighbors. They're getting, you know, they have family property maybe, or more important, they're maybe leasing ground or they bought ground. So they've had to, you can spend, you can buy your hunting license. Who get okay? Fine. That you buy your hunting license. The, the state allows you to go shoot a deer, let's say, but you can buy your hunting license. But the but the what I see from let's just say that the Midwest and East and South, you're dealing with a lot of people that are hunting private land, and not only is that private land, it's it's a it's a um either you bought your land or you're leasing the ground. And so you're spending a gob of money to have the place to hunt. And so there's a, there's a massive value there. Like you, you're putting money on the ground. So you've got some buy and you've got some skin in the game and, and it, that you're, I guess, or, or you're getting permission to hunt on somebody's farm or land, or, you know, you've got family land you know that any moment that that could go away. 
And so there is a deeper level of value. I'm going to make the argument there's a deeper level of value that, that hunters in the Midwest, East, and South place on their hunting opportunities. And, but it's not even that they're, they're spending money. They bought their hunting license. Good for them. But now they're spending money to secure the habitat in the place that they want to hunt. Not only, and, and if they're, if they're, if they're leasing or if they are buying the land, okay, they're, they're putting a whole bunch of money on the ground, but even beyond that, if you look at the new, I guess the, 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 and it's, and I think it's increasing year to year. If you look at the, the paradigm shift and the, in the value shift and the, and the, um, the culture shift that Midwest, Eastern, and Southern deer hunters have had over these 10 to 15 years. There is now a growing value for those people to put more money on the ground to develop the habitat, food plots, timber stand improvements, prescribed burns. They're, they're, they're putting pollinator stuff. I mean, it is a massive bill, you know, billion plus industry now within the sportsman community that are the Midwest, Eastern and Southern deer hunt, deer hunters, turkey hunters, pheasant, hunt, you know, upland bird hunters, that they're buying their hunting license. Great. Then they're actually going out there and securing in some way, shape or form the habitat in which they get to play and they get to go hunt. But they're not stopping there. They're going beyond that, and they're putting thousands, if not tens of thousands, of their own dollars into actual development of the habitat so that they can grow. Of course, they want to do a food plot so they can kill a big deer. That's great. But all the other critters in the region around that food plot in the home range that that food plot overlaps or that timber stand improvement or that prescribed burn or that, you know, that pollinator plot or that the, the turkey, you know, brood, you know, pulse, you know, brood habitat and pulse survival have all that benefits all of the wildlife species that are going to use those developments. And I'm not talking, you know, obviously, you know, bait piles don't do shit other than subsidized raccoon populations and then that type of stuff. But, there, the amount of money that the Midwest, Eastern, and Southern hunter has or, or, or is putting into actual habitat and actual habitat productivity to perpetuate the wildlife that they want to go after is insane. It's insane. And then... I juxtapose. So when I have conversations about what's going on out here on the landscape, the number of people that actually quote unquote get it and they're like, dude, that sucks. You know, yeah, the, we, we don't have the growth in the CRP and we don't have this and, you know, the deer populations and the predators are concentrated. But I mean, there is a higher level of knowledge. There's a higher level of engagement. There's a higher level of investment, you know, individual uh, investment by those individuals by the East, Midwest, Eastern, and Southern hunters. Not all, not, not all, not all. But by and large, the community is growing. It, the, the culture is changing drastically to where more people are focusing on long-term habitat conservation, long-term wildlife management, all right? And so 
But then contrast that with what I see with a lot of Western hunters that are used to hunting only on public ground. They come out here and I mean, they show up on the landscape and it's get out, get the hell out of my way. It's time for me to rape and just, just come in and just kill some shit. And it's like, hold the fuck. Like what, what the, what, what you, it, and this ties, Aaron, this ties into what we talked about with social media as well. And, and this, I think exacerbates it well, let me, because let, I think social media exacerbates it. Uh, but you, I watch Western hunters show up out here and there is very little knowledge from a Western hunter about habitat processes. There's very little knowledge by the average Western hunter, public land hunter on, okay, what, is going on out here on the landscape and from a hunting standpoint, yes, you can just kill whatever you want. Obviously the, the, the state gave you a license to kill a deer or go kill turkeys or go kill pheasants or whatever. But when you show up on the landscape, do is that person showing up on the landscape and going, Holy shit, wait a minute. Um, this does not look as productive as what I thought it was going to. I'm not encountering as many pheasants as I thought I was going to. The deer hunting seems to be extremely, I'm not seeing nearly the same number of deer and I'm not finding mature, but like there, they it's, I don't see the average Western public land hunter show up on the landscape and look at the landscape, look at the habitat, understand what they're seeing and then go wow, maybe, maybe I really shouldn't be shooting every pheasant I see. Well, maybe, let me, maybe, maybe, let me rewind. Go ahead. Go ahead. Where some of this came from and Chris and I are both at an age, we're fairly close to each other in age. We've both hunted out West and we both have shifted uh, to hunt multiple other States and areas and different outlooks on life. Like Chris has been talking about one of the things that I had said well, on this phone call, I was on the way back from Arizona. I said, my fucking God, Chris, this is the first time in my life I have felt bad for a deer. And he's laughing. And I'm like, seriously, mm, right. there's ninjas on every mountaintop looking for, I mean, I said, this would have been, the, if I was a deer in Arizona, I would pray to God for a small dick and a small rack and it'd be a bitch, right? I would and, hope. And I, and I, and and I laughed, and just to clarify, the reason why I laughed is it took me by surprise that you organically were looking at what was going on on the landscape and, for yourself, and you saw things, the same things, similar things that I saw. I'm like, holy hell, how how did you and I both just arrive at the – it's like seeing uh, – it would be like you and I not seeing each other for a long time, and then I had some random business trip in – Ohio and I go to the grocery store to get something to eat and I turn I come around the first standing in, in the in the grocery store and I'm like what like how are you here at the same time I'm here you know what I mean well and with this so and there's a lot of different you know parts and pieces uh to to this so when when we talked when we talked about that obviously I was um you know being realistic. And I have been for a while telling Chris other things like this that I've started to look at differently than I had when I was younger. And Chris has known me for a very long time. 
And so we started to talk about, like, to me, I'm like, man, I, these poor deer, right? And I'm talking about that. And when I say that, there are big deer in Arizona. It's an amazing state. I'm not down, I'm not talking, I love Arizona. But the amount of ninjas on the mountainside, the amount of guides and outfitters, the amount of, amount of clients, right? The amount of everything. So then we, t- I started talking about pressure in other states and areas. And me, I had brought up like, you know, increasing tag prices uh, over the counter with caps or draw and things that would people will be yelling at me f- right now. Chris brought up a very, very good point. We remember the good old days. And the good old days were really good. Somebody who's got into hunting recently, maybe because of a pint night and some other shit, they don't know good old days. They know what they have in their hand right now, which in most cases isn't really worth a shit compared to the good old days out west. Unless you draw a tag that is a coveted tag or hunt private land or whatever. And when people look at that and they're, hmm. I want to go hunting every year. You're a fucking asshole, which I have gotten that message many times when I've said, Hey, I would rather prefer personally to go on one good hunt every three years in Arizona than three shitty hunts. Personally, I would rather pay $250 for my tag that one year as an in-state or more for out of state. If it lessens the other, the amount of pressure and doesn't take away from the monetary needs of the Forest Service Fish and Wildlife, things like that. And so think about what I'm saying before you start fucking yelling at the TV or the or the computer. What I am saying is I am used to harvesting something every year on public land and being into wildlife or at least having the chance from the good old days. I remember that. I remember being in that circle of life, elk screaming, coming in, having a realistic opportunity every time I went out to kill an elk. And those times have, have gone, right? And so I that's what that's what all this was coming from. Chris brought up a good point. I have had a chance in the last few years to see true management, what Chris was talking about, and change my perspectives greatly of when someone owns their land, they're fixing their fence, they're cleaning up their garbage, they're managing the, their, their biologists come in, take this many does, you know, don't shoot anything under four or five years old, parameters. Your experience is better. Now, I'm not saying, and everyone should know, I am not a trophy hunter. But by default, if you manage it better, your opportunity at a three-year-old bull, a cow, a five-year-old bull, all of those increase by default, and with Western hunters, when they come out, this is a blanket statement, and I am one of them, right? And I had been for many, many years. I got my tag. I park at the trailhead. I could give a fuck nor Wagnall. I head in. I'm killing an elk. I'm not thinking of the population. I'm not thinking of really anything other than than killing. Chris, go ahead and add to that. Yeah, no. So, I mean, that, again, I, I appreciate it. So if I, Jen Saki and, and kind of circle back to where, so that's where you came into this thing. And, and I, we were kind of just kind of, you know, knifing in our ideologies together. So I started really looking at what, what I saw from hunters coming out here on the landscape that are, that are generally Western public land hunters. And it, and what I see is not all, but what I see strongly is an, a mentality of, I bought the license, so that gives me license to do whatever the fuck I want. Mm. 
Like I, I, I bought a license. The state says I can shoot uh, a buck and they give me a doe tag and I can buy up to five other doe tags. So I'm going to come out because the state said, so I'm going to go out and shoot a shit ton of animals. Now, some areas of the state, that's fine. But in our area, that is disastrous. And more importantly, the people that show up on the landscape out here and say, I'm going to shoot the shit out of deer. They, they don't understand. There's no level of deer biology, uh, behavior, uh, habitat engagement, like, like you see with other people that are, that are invested, if you will. It seems like the Western public land hunter is invested in access. I want to access, I have, I have public land. I have, I can go anywhere, anytime I want to go on national forest or BLM in any state. And I just buy a hunting license and I can go. And it seems to me that that has really, especially organizations these days, certain sportsmen's organizations have really fostered this this welfare mentality of I'm entitled to it. Like it's public land that everybody else pays for. I not only am I entitled to it, it's my right. And how dare you even suggest I do anything different. I have a right to be there. I have a right to go everywhere I want to. And hashtag I'm a, I'm a public land owner, hashtag public land owner. It's like you ain't, you're not, so you got two, this is where my brain split. You've got the habitat management portion of it, the, the landscape portion of it. Then you got the wildlife management portion of it. We go, and this is where you and I started snowballing. Well, if, if I'm gonna, wanted, let me interrupt real quick because but, I know there's going to be but, people thinking about the Matt Ranella podcast where I had stated, he's like, you you killed, like, let, I'm contradicting myself right now, but there's got to be more context to that. When he asked something about... It looks like last year you killed 20 animals. And I, I think I giggled and was like, no, no, no. I, I killed way more than that. People have to understand that is not Western hunting that I'm talking about. That is highly managed properties from landowners, ran ranchers of my friends that a biologist states you need to kill 50 does on this land, right? Somebody like Chris comes out and says, you got too many does. I go on those hunts because I eat a shit ton of wild game. I like hunting and I certainly like shooting shit. Don't, don't mix what's going on here. What we're talking about, what we're talking about is out West, right? With the taking of too much game. When you go to a heavily managed and Chris, you, you had the glory days and they, and they used to have them in certain parts of Kansas, Nebraska, whatever. When you go to a place like Alabama, they beg you to shoot does. You can drive 50 yards and see right. a dead doe. Right. It is different, right. right? You cannot fucking blanket the entire lower 48 under one set of optics. And you have to remember right. that because you get stuck in your own optics. When I never hunted out there, hunting over bait, pussy, that's that's stupid. I hunt over bait all the time right. in Texas and Oklahoma. That's the only way to get the deer to come. And we can talk about that later. But you have to look at it with a very, 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 and even me, I'm growing and growing as a person. It is a very broad picture of everything. Can someone pass up an animal coming from back east or a local? Could someone actually pass up an animal for the greater good of general numbers of the ha or, or of the animals they're hunting? You asked that question to me. I said, there's no fucking way. 
Well, and and so that touches on two things. And and um, one um, to what you're just to go back to what you were just saying here with with some of the private land stuff. This is the thing that kind of frustrated me too. Is and and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna cast frustration at the sportsman. I'm gonna and I'm also gonna cast frustration at the at the organizational level, conservation organization level as well. You look at a lot of whitetail hunters um, back this way. They're either a member of the National Deer Association or what used to be the Quality Deer Management Association, or they follow a lot of that information. And if you look at social media, not social, YouTube and, you know, um, well, social media and type that stuff, there's all sorts of deer hunting celebrities out there that are, uh, they, they provide great content, fun deer hunts and that type of stuff. But man, the focus these days on habitat type stuff to where even if a person is not involved with you say national deer association wild turkey federation pheasants forever uh actual people you know under you know listening to what bio what the latest science is you know you know follow you know there's all sorts of i mean there's there's habit the not the amount of habitat podcasts and man deer management podcasts and deer biology and turkey biology podcasts i mean the amount of information that is out there for the Midwest, Eastern, and Southern hunter is insane. And, and the hunting community out here consumes it. And it has changed the entire, you know, there, there's something called the Overton window, if you will. It, it basically, a, 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 there's, a, there's a box around individual ideology and cultural and community ideology, and there's a left and a right and a center on it, and, and the boundaries are where the boundaries are. But the, the, that, that window can shift over time. And, and so over time, a lot of whitetail guys have, have you know, back when I grew up, you did, you never shot a doe. You you never shoot a doe because that's your, that's your your future factory right there. And then finally, science and, and the community finally realized, oh no, no no no, we do need to do better with shooting does. So that's where doe management started coming in. And then, you know, habitat stuff. It, it's it's changed the entire culture. But when I look at the Western hunter, I, I don't see any of that. I, I literally see nothing more. The vast majority of what I see is how to go to another more states and kill more animals, how to access more animals. All the here's 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 these little hidden opportunities where you can go kill more and go kill more and go kill more, go kill more and go kill more. Now, granted, I will qualify. Yes, private land you can do all sorts of shit on the habitat. So anybody's screaming in their phone right now. Yes, on private land, I can do whatever the hell I want with habitat. So it makes it easy. In the Western United States, it's public land. It's federal land. No, you can't go out and do habitat type stuff. That's fine. I understand that. But culturally, it seems that the Western public land, and I'm guilty of it too. Like what you said, you I, I get. I grew up on private land in the Northeast, family farm, dairy farm. I moved to Wisconsin for college and hunted public land, and that was my avenue to get out and, and hunt. When I got out of the military, or what, what, when military got stationed in Washington State in Tacoma, I was able to use the Olympic Peninsula and all all public land in Washington State to get back into my hunting endeavors. And then when I moved to Colorado, I just absolutely exploited the shit out of public land that I could because it gave me an opportunity to get on the landscape. I, I understand all that. 
But what I see is a culture that is moving more and more to how can I kill more while at the same time bitching and complaining that there's not enough animals on the landscape and while they're bitching and complaining that there's too many hunters on the landscape versus the culture that is shifted over here on the, on the, on the other deer hunting side of how can I better take care of my critters? How can I, Oh, that is a two year old deer. That's a year and a half old deer. That's a two year old deer. I'm going to let him walk. That's a three year old deer. I'm going to let him walk. I'm, uh, that's a four year old deer. I'm going to let him walk. Now, some people know, like, this is their first whitetail. For me and my hunts out here, I t- to this day, we sit there and say, no, we've got 7,000 acres, roughly 7,000 acres that, that you can hunt across a, a very broad area, and it's all linear corridors, and it's all, fr- the, the deer are moving in, out, past it. That we cannot manage our deer herd like maybe some large contiguous blocks in other places of the United States could be. So, no, come and shoot, and, and we have a very minimal footprint on the number of hunters that we run so i want anybody that shows up out here i want you to shoot whatever deer makes you happy i will shake your hand just as hard as if you shoot a two by two a year and a half old two by two as if you shoot a six-year-old 202 okay so i understand being able to, to put meat in the freezer and having a fun hunt the flip side is when it becomes this thing and this is where steve where uh not steve uh, with where matt I understand where Matt's coming from on the, holy shit, we're, we're just going from state to state to state and we're killing, you know, it's, it's about kill, 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 take, 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 take. And it's, it's take, 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 kill, 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 but I have a right to be here. You're not going to, you're, you're not going to do anything to erode my right to be here. I deserve this land because it's my land. I pay for this land and I have a right to be on this land and the state, says that I can go on and do these things. So I'm just going to maximize my footprint and my impact on the landscape. Whereas the Western public land hunter is hardly doing jack shit to actually do something for the habitat, actually do something to help the critter population grow, flourish, mature. You know, it's a completely different mindset. And it, and it, I mean, I can go down so many different detailed rabbit holes, but what, what I was talking, you know, you and I, and I heard you talk about this on the podcast with John Pinch. So I ran the numbers. And so, and maybe someone can correct me, but when we run the numbers and what you and I talked about is when you put the numbers together about the U S forest service and BLM budget, like the entire budget for the Western public lands. All right. Just let's just say BLM and forest service. Yes. I know there's forest service in the East and, and there's stuff, but if we look at the overall U S forest service and BLM land and what their budget is, it's about 438 million. If I, if I remember, if I, if my math is correct, um, no, sorry, 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 sorry. I'm looking at it here. Hold on. I gotta, I gotta, the 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 so four okay four hundred thirty eight million acres I think is what it is that, that four hundred yeah there's four hundred and thirty eight million acres of public land and their budget combined budget is roughly ten point four billion with a B now I know Forest Service you know makes money off of some timber stand timber stuff and they make money off of grazing and they make money off of some oil and gas leases and that type of stuff that amount of money that they make 
Okay, we, we can set that aside a minute. It's not, it's, it's not a gigantic chunk of their budget, okay? The bulk of their budget comes from tax dollars, right? The, the taxpayers of the United States. So if we, if we set that aside a minute and say, okay, let's, let's not worry about the money they're bringing in from grazing allotments and, and oil and gas leases. We just look at their budget and look at how much that budget gets. If we look at the population, and as of January 1st, 2023, the population in the United States is 330, a little over 334,000, sorry, 334,233,000 people, okay? So if you take a look, at what the contribution is for each individual person in the United States. It comes out to be like, what, $31 a person? Like, like my buy-in on Western public land is $31. Like, that's, that's all I am contributing, $31. That's it. Now, again, what I just say about the, the – Midwest, Eastern, and Southern hunter. They're, they're, they bought their hunting license. I'm not talking about a hunting license because, again, and this is where I, I have to start being critical on, on the, 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 the dialogue these days uh, in the sportsman community. You've got the, the state agencies that manage the wildlife. And what are they doing? In most cases, the vast majority of the budget goes to managing take managing hunters, managing the logistics around letting people go on the landscape and hunt, the game wardens, the, 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 the biologists looking at game populations and figure out what's there. The vast, and trucks and computers and administrators and all sorts of, the vast majority of money that is paid by a hunter to a state agency goes to administrative costs and it goes to management of that hunter opportunity, the, the consumptive use opportunity in that state. But hunter dollars go from a, from a sportsman standpoint. When you buy a hunting license, not a dime of that goes to the, especially the West, anywhere. Not a dime of that. Well, no, 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 I can't say that. <laughs> in the in the Midwest, East, and South, some of it does. The, in the West, little to no money when you buy a, a hunting license goes to on the ground habitat anything. That's a completely different pot of money, completely different agency. So you're telling me that I'm a hashtag public landowner and my, my, my financial burden to be a responsible public land, uh, landowner is I have an annual expenditure of 31 fucking dollars. Fuck off. Because I know what it takes out here to just maintain what you have. And then I work with landowners, non, you know, absentee landowners or people that want to manage their property for wildlife and eat. I give them the basics of here's what we want to do to develop. A, uh, you, you, in this area, you could use a food plot or you could use some cover or you need just the, you're spending thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars, even on a 160 acre chunk of land, you're spending thousands of dollars. For the habitat on that, unless so, you just want to shift, unless you just bought that piece, but skip buying it, you get permission to go hunt on it, and you just go and, and you show up and you hunt on that landscape. That's fine, 
But I can also look at, okay, the reason why the deer are in that spot or the turkeys are in that spot or the pheasant and quail are in that spot is because this ag, this, this ag producer or this cattle rancher is managing his, his or her property in such a manner that they are providing habitat, they're providing food, they're providing the, the resources for that wildlife. So someone's paying for it. There is no free lunch. Someone is paying for it. And when we look at the, the eastern, the, the Midwest, eastern, and southern habitat component, the people that are paying for it are all private landowners. They're private individuals putting their money and time and sweat, blood, and tears on that ground, and it's making wildlife that's, that it's, it's helping to perpetuate, and now the culture has shifted, healthy, uh, functioning ecosystems, not just I want to I want to shoot a deer. Now again, keep don't don't I know that it's not everyone. I, I've got my criticisms of the outfitters that hunt my fence lines that just put a bait, a bait pile over my fence next to our bedding area and and they just want to rape and pillage every deer that jumps over that fence. That I'm not those people are there. But I'm saying bridge across the, the eastern part of the United States, there's significant buy-in. There's significant financial investment and again there's no free lunch and out here there's a lot of people putting a hell of a lot of money on the ground to make sure they have a, they've got game to go hunt and if not just have game to hunt they're are, they're doing things to move the needle in a direction that makes it better so let, then let, we contrast what the western public land guy is doing and we're going to be we're, we're supposed to stand on this moral this north american model of wildlife conservation i'm going to stand on this moral this moral pedestal and i'm going to i'm going to pound my chest and raise my fist in the air you know sportsmen of the world unite right i'm going to i'm going to raise my fist in in this this solidarity of you know i'm a i'm a hashtag public landowner and and i have a right to be here and honey's conservation blah, 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 and my financial buy-in on the actual critter and the habitat is 31 fucking dollars a year no so let me rewind no. a little bit so nothing is taken out of context i've done these podcasts enough to know what some people are thinking chris and i are not against right. public land hunting we are very pro no, 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 no. public I land don't. hunting wait 100 percent. We, we are not trying to make this a rich man's sport at all what we are trying to do, obviously everything, especially right now, the cost of everything is going up. Uh, I need to become an egg farmer, right? Uh, like eggs are more expensive. Fuel is more expensive. It's more expensive to live in general. What Chris and I are talking about, and I agree with everything Chris has said right now, and I'm keep in mind, if anybody thinks I have a shit ton of money, not many years ago, I was living in a one-bedroom apartment, barely making it check to check but I could afford to go hunting. And the thing is, is you need to look at what Chris is talking about is if we do more, meaning potentially pay more for some tags, potentially a pay a bigger buy-in, limit some of the tags, or at least when I say limit, it may be for a three-year period, a five-year period. But right now it's in Colorado specifically. I'm just going to pick that one out. Unlimited over-the-counter tax. Unlimited for $31 buy-in, roughly. Unlimited, right? Now, you can unlimit. You can go hunting or you can go hiking whenever you want, which is what most people are doing when they come out west anyway in a lot of units because the numbers are down. They run to where they're safer. The You know, there's people everywhere. And putting more buy-in into it, weeding out some of the people that may not be that serious about it or whatever – 
you're, you are not contributing it to big, bad government, right? A lot of people are like, I'm not putting any more money into this. You are putting more money with what Chris and I are talking about for a better experience when you go out West, right? And, and when you have that buy-in on private land and I'll, I hunt private land for in, you know, not in Colorado, but I mean, or, or Western States, but when I go to the Midwest or Texas or Oklahoma, I'm hunting private land. That's what most of the states are. You can still whack a giant in Kansas on on walk-in and everything. But, I mean, you because of that buy-in, and one of the things Matt brought up is about I should tell my cattle rancher friends to let three people go hunting on their pro- – I was fucking crazy. That part, I, that one blew me through out the water. There is no fucking money in ranching or farming, right? That's why there's so many subsistence checks. You cannot make it. They have to guide that area, right? They have to charge trespass fees to maintain the fucking land. They have to, to have a living, to survive. They have to have. Or, 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 or just to, just to make dealing with the bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That too. I mean, I mean, you you drive anywhere and see how many bullet holes are in stop signs and, and, and road signs. You you go down. I mean, talk to how many landowners, especially out here, like I've got a whole, I, my all of a sudden my my cattle stock tank is not holding water. Why? Because someone decided to, to to cite their you know just to verify their rifle and they were just going to shoot at the stock tank. Like, what the fuck are you like? What? Or are, are, I'm going to drive through this pasture real quick because I want to drive down through there. I'm just going to leave the gate open and now all the cattle are out on the freaking county road or on the highway or they're scattered across the neighbors and they're like, what the goddamn? What the fuck? Like. You're gonna you're gonna come and, and absolutely screw with my livelihood and and you're gonna screw with my entire existence simply because you want to go shoot a deer, like fuck you, man. Like seriously, and and it this is a re- it, it is a reality on the landscape. People don't want to. I don't know, uh, Aaron, if you get Western Hunter Magazine, if you saw that article. Um, oh crap! Ah uh, shit. I forgot to. Br- I was going to bring the magazine in with me because it was a good. Uh, it was a good article. Uh, uh, it's in the house. Damn it! I don't remember what it. it it's one of the previous. Anyway, I, I'm trying. I'm blanking on the the author, and I saw. I'm sorry, man. I I'm, I blanking on the author. Anyway, the author was talking about public land access and some of the things that are going on in Montana, and um, it was a great article that I think he did a very good job of balancing both sides of it. And, uh, but that's the thing is, is some of these people, you know, that whether you're letting people hunt on your land or whether you're talking about people trespassing across your land to access their areas, it's amazing. Um, the bullshit that you end up having to deal with it. it, it uh, it's the entire reason why I exist out here in Northwest Kansas, because that's why I was approached to work with these landowners because it got to be egregious to where they could not, either enjoy the land that they owned or it was causing problems with agriculture and cattle management on their property simply because the number of people that wanted to come out here and, and utilize their property for hunting was, was just too problematic. So, so with what we're talking about, um, I, uh, if there are cases where I believe, um, Randy Newberg and, Others, I think maybe Gritty, Hushin, Hunt the Public, whatever, got paid. And if I misspoke on any of those names and you didn't get paid, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying what I think I know, but it's not a fact. I think Randy Newberg is a fact and Hunt, Hunt the Public is. 
got paid by the state of Arizona, maybe other states to promote public land hunting. Now there, you know, I was just in Arizona, limited quota on tags, things like that. So the, uh, the, 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 uh, one of the reasons Matt didn't like me, right. Or this other dude that lives in Jackson, I think that I, I think I was like 13th or 18th, maybe worst worst person for hunting or whatever for because of the the platform right which you cannot argue that if you look at it on a negative side of things i am promoting hunting right like i 100% am promoting hunting i'm promoting how to hunt gear my gear others gear what gear to use what gear sucks how to go about doing it where you promote calling Corey jacobson co- promotes calling phelps Meat eater, gritty bowman, stealthy hunter. Fuck, we're all assholes, I guess, right? Because we promote hunting. And that ain't fucking stopping. It is not. Cameron promote Haynes, kill. Joe Rogan. Pro, pro, promote killing. Killing. Promote, promote killing. Promote, yeah. Well, if I promote basketball, I'm not promoting fucking dribbling, right? I am promoting right. putting the ball in the hole. Death. 100%. Promoting killing. Great. Great, great analogy. Yes. And so when, 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 but I also promote photography, I promote other things, but does that give me a pass? Fuck no, it doesn't give me a pass. I am part of the problem. I am not going to deny that. I make fun of myself of, well, because of me and Cam and whoever else, well, I'm pretty filled up seven miles in people are everywhere. But that's not going away. So this is where, like with everything we're talking, the the Westies are are, uh, raping and pillaging the land, on and on and on. How do you fix that? You're not taking away social media. It's just not going away. And quite honestly, some of the different hate pages that are out there, uh, you know, a couple of them, like I get where they come from, right? I get what they're talking about. But let's be realistic. Are they fixing anything? Maybe their heart's in the right place. How much money would be lost if social media and hunting was gone tomorrow? Fucking catastrophic. Echoing to so far, we don't even, we, you couldn't even fucking comprehend the loss in dollars of sales, jobs lost, fucking families like starving because <clears throat> I'm not trying to make this over dramatic, but you can't tell me bow sales, arrow sales, broadhead sales, clothing sales, boot sales, headlamps, backpacks, sleeping bags. All of those sales go down because of the marketing from social media. Are you agreeing with me so far? Yes, I am. Okay. So when Chris asked one of the questions to me, he said, Jesus, for the greater fucking good, can we be good humans and not shoot an animal when numbers are down? I'm like, no, I don't think that'll happen. I used me and Cam as an example. If I don't, and 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 now keep in mind as I say this, we're talking about Western hunting right now, not private land, Western right. hunting. And I was like, well, Chris, I don't even shoot that much Western hunting. You can't. You know, I shoot an elk in Colorado, maybe an antelope and a mule deer or something. Nothing nothing outrageous. Two or three hunts. Um, and like this year, I think, I don't know, I shot uh, that elk and an antelope on, uh, on public. And uh, the rest of the stuff I did was either um, like private land and ranchers, buddies of mine and stuff. So I did an elk and an antelope. Okay. Could I pass up in an over-the-counter unit if that's what I was hunting and you are an influencer or someone, a spear of influence? If you don't kill something, you become pretty much obsolete. If you pay you this is, and this, this is yes, and this is where this is where my my angst started coming so, in. Go so, on, keep no, going. Give me another sixty to ninety to, to lay the ground. I'm about to tee up a softball. Oh, go for it. No, keep I, going. I, I will agree that yes. This, it was what was chapping my ass. Yeah. Is can someone pass up an animal 
not just because it's small and you'll get made fun of, because I passed up some animals in Arizona. I, I would have also got made fun of them, but I just, it wasn't an animal I wanted to shoot. I got plenty of meat in the freezer. They weren't very old, that kind of shit, right? So could you pass up an animal if you are at the 12,000 followers mark, right? And you're trying to hack it out on social media and make a name for yourself. Like all of us were back in the day with forums and magazines, now it's social. Can you pass up a three-year-old mule deer? I'm like, fuck no, no one's, no, 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 mo, 99.9% .9 of people aren't going to pass it up. Now, are the reasons because they just want to eat it? They want their own experience. Even if those were the reasons, and I agree with a lot of people that are maybe hating on me or, 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 or agreeing with Matt, some of the, if you post it on social media, it looks like even if it's not the reason, it looks like you're doing it for the greater glory of yourself or whoever your sponsors are. So then, and it's, well, you're fucked no matter what, then if I pay for no public land hunting, I pay for private land hunting, like the uh, San Carlos, the Hill Ranch, whatever the fuck I can afford, right? Then you're selling yourself out. You're a sellout. You brought your grassroots up on public land. You're a piece of shit. You're going, you're a high dollar hunter now. But if I stay on public and actually have a three-year-old deer and a three-year-old bull in front of me. Now, for me personally, the three-year-old deer I could pass, the bull, it's not getting passed up. Because even a three-year-old bull is a big fucking bull. And I like eating the fuckers, right? But because of my social media presence, it is for the greater glory of me, 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 or companies or whatever. That is a very, very big bag of wadded up, tied up, knotted up fucking snakes to unravel. And go ahead. Take, you take it now. Well, uh, part of it is is it's not even what you see. Uh, it, what you see on social media. And, and I've been having some good conversations with uh, Guy DePlancha of um, Western Contours podcast and Jim Huntsman of uh, the Western Huntsman podcast of late. They are two other guys that, that don't mind diving into the intellectual weeds and, and, and wrestling with, with ideas. And so um, we've been having some good conversations over there on this as, as well. And it's not just – and so I've been – Say, you know, things will come across my Instagram feed and, and I'll save some of them and I'll send it over to them because it's like, gee, it's not even what you see necessarily on, on social media. It's, it's what you see. And then you look at the comments, you, you look at the, you look at the statement from the hunter about what's going on and what they were doing on the landscape. And it, it, it and it goes even beyond that. It's where I, this picture, this, this animal, I took this animal and I posted this picture in so many way, in so many times, it's, it's, I know that's the problem. And this is the problem when you, the, the longer you spend time in this industry and you get involved with folks, you know, other folks in the industry, like me to you and you know, me being with Primos in the past. And the longer you spend in there, the longer, the more time you, the curtain, you know, that whole Wizard of Oz thing, you know, it, you know, pay no attention to the, you know, the, the man behind the curtain, the, the more time you're in this industry and the longer you're in it um, and the, the deep, the deeper you go behind that curtain, the more people that, you know, the more people you could have conversations with and the, the more truth that you're exposed to. And so I know some of the people and, and here, let me, let me take a, let me pause real quick and say this. Some of you younger generation hunters 
that are upset with me being critical of hunters these days are getting all offended and getting all, you know, you know, huff and puff and huff. And it's like, okay, hold on a minute. Maybe I'm not talking about you. Maybe I'm talking about other people that are 50 some years old. Maybe they're tough. Maybe they're 60 years old. Maybe they're 40 year old. I've been out here in a, for a long time. And I've seen a lot of these people that have been on the landscape for a long time. Maybe my criticism is for them, not you per se. Again, we go back to if the shoe fits, then maybe okay. But just understand, folks like Aaron, myself, and, and many, many, many others have a lot of connections, have a lot of private conversations, a lot of information, a lot of non-public information gets shared between individuals. And so I get, I am privy to certain private conversations and private information. And then I see what ends up being posted forth on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or whatever. And I, and I can sit there and be like, what you just portrayed yourself to be and why you're saying you did X, Y, Z is not, is not the truth. That is completely fabrication. And, and so there's a hypocrisy level there. And I, again, I, I'm sure I'm guilty of hypocrisy in my own life as well. I try not to be, but the, the, the point being is, is what we're getting at here is there are many times, and this is what Matt goes to social media and the need, especially this, these days, especially with, with the younger generation trying to carve their place in society. And, and to become someone relevant, become someone important, become someone that, that has this, this, this greater purpose or greater influence. I think oftentimes that desire through social media, which is manifested through social media, causes people to do things that they normally would not, we, we would normally not maybe necessarily do. Like, for instance, killing things for the sake of killing them because we need to have something on social media. I'm guilty of it. By the way, I, and, and I really learned my lesson. This is probably ugh, 20 years ago now. I remember vividly Eastern Colorado pronghorn hunt when I was just getting going with row hunting resources. And I thought that I really wanted to do the whole, you know, YouTube stuff and videos everywhere and blah, 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 blah. I was managing a pronghorn hunting cooperative out in Eastern Colorado, about 50,000 acres. I was on my personal hunt after having some other hunts, uh, uh, you know, relatives and, and friends out there with their, their hunts. And I remember calling this, this pronghorn buck in, using my voice, calling him in and shooting him frontal, like at 80 yards, uh, laying in the middle of the grassland prairie. And I called him in and, and I called him in at, with the, with the video running. And I, and I remember vividly, I pulled the trigger because I thought, man, this will make great footage. And then, the, yeah, of course, I dump him. I walk up to that, that buck, and, and he's literally, you know, a two-year-old pronghorn. Now, a pronghorn at three years old is, is a mature pronghorn, and from there on out, his horns may or may not be any bigger or whatever. But, I mean, it, it, but it was, he was a two-year-old pronghorn. And I literally sat there. I looked at, the, I looked at that pronghorn. And I broke down and cried because I just sat there and I'm like, Chris, Night you've, G8 to you've been involved with killing how many pronghorn you did not need to kill this. The only reason I killed this animal is because of the approval or the content for someone else to consume 
so that those now, people out there that I don't even know send me accolades. Now, I say I, Chris Rowe is the shit, and he has he has the the skills, and and this guy can kill kill. I, I sat there and I'm like, oh my gosh, what what am I doing? And and I see so many of my fellow sportsmen, especially the younger generation these days. It seems that there's more and more of that. Of I'm going to go out hunt. I'm going to kill something because I need to have content. I need to show that I'm 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 functional or, or that I'm I'm proficient. I need to show that I'm a killer. I need to show. Or, or more importantly, I need to show people, I, I need to have something in front of someone else so that way I can constantly get accolades. So I, I want to add a couple things to this because, again, when I talked about that crazy knotted up bag of shit we're dealing with here is I am, I am not a trophy hunter. I've mentioned that already. And I love when I meet a guy that has shot his first spike, his first cow, his first, whatever, right? Like that feeling he had, like, I remember that feeling. I still get excited over does. I, you know, that that what Chris is talking about isn't that everyone should be a trophy hunter. It's that the, the spiral of potential, anyway, the potential spiral downhill from social media of killing it. And you don't eat it, or let's say you, you don't even like mule deer. You killed it just to show it off, right? Um, and and this is where it gets very convoluted and, and everything else because you people go back, everybody, even though Fred Bear was winging arrows at 70 yards with a stick and had poison on his tip sometimes, right? Well, Fred Bear said uh, it, whatever the hell he said, right? And I'm a big fan of Fred Bear. Something about whatever trophy is it, I don't know. Whatever, anyway, shoot a spike is what he said. What I am getting at is much more is more so than anything is I would like people to have like as people are yelling, what's wrong with shooting a cow? What I'm asking you back is, did you fucking see one on your Western hunt? Probably not. Yeah, well, OK, let's, <laughs> okay. let's uh, hold, hold on to that a minute, because that's another that's another avenue. And that's a that's a longer road. And I want to explore that one a minute. But let's just just to, to kind of settle this one. Part of what Matt and other people have been critical of is the optic. All right. And you and I had a conversation on one, on your podcast. This was a while back. I don't know if it was the the seven hour marathon one or whatever, but you know, I I said, you know, you go through your, let's just take Aaron Snyder and you go through your social media and you pick the latest 100 posts. What does, what, what does the latest 100 posts of Aaron Snyder's uh, Instagram account look like? and, And what can you glean from it? There, you know, you've got a lot of photography on there, but you've got a lot of your hunts and you're, you're showing other people hunting and that type of stuff. But the, it, everybody's social media, which can be, unless you make it private, you, you, there's so many people that can access it that they're going to be able to tell exactly what your motives are for hunting. Uh, because it, because everybody can, and I've said this before, everybody can act or pretend to be anybody they want to be. You can act like anybody you want to act like, but you only react like your true self when, when you are operating on the uh, in your subconscious and whether you're when you feel uh safe when you feel like you're in the comfort of friends uh and you feel as though you are not going to be criticized you, you have a low level of potential criticism or blowback for your actions behavior your whatever you're going to act like your true self and oftentimes when we see social media um, you, you are, you're posting something oftentimes subconsciously in the, in the fact that you, I don't want to put this, you're posting things that, that have value to you. 
that, that you're proud of, that, that you want, you know, that type of stuff that resonates with you. And when you see the picture and when you see the, the comments being posted, you can very quickly pick up on the, if, you, if you're paying attention, you can pick up on the underlying motivations of that individual. Like this, this is the thing. It, and, and again, it, it, people are a hell of a lot more observant than I think we give them credit for. Now, some people aren't, but a lot of them are. To, to your point, to, well, to my point of what part of what Matt was getting at, what you have discussed and what in this little thread is in the fact that, you know, it seems, we have there there's a th- there's a thread in our community and i'm not even going to quantify the numbers or that i perceive but there is a vein of motivation in our community to kill stuff simply because we think it's cool and we we need to do we need to find some way to validate the fact that we just like killing or whatever it's like, you know how many times have you seen somebody shoot a 3 year old deer and then say oh you know you know he's got a squirrely rack and then you know the, the comment is, oh, you know, I, I took this. He was an old buck going downhill. The bullshit he was, like he, he no, he wasn't. He, he was out there in the landscape. Maybe it was a tough hunt. Maybe it was whatever. And you saw the deer, and whether you wanted the meat for your freezer, whether you needed the the the, the picture for the gram or what, you decided to shoot him. Like who? This, I don't know. I, this is a this is a side rabbit hole. I wasn't planning on going well, down, but we'll anyway, go down that. Just, that's a good one to go down in a few. Okay. So let me, let me, then let's, let's circle back to what you were saying. Okay. I don't know if I want to let you, I don't know if we let you go down. Okay. Here's, here's what, here, okay. I'm going to let you choose the direction we go to. We either continue down the, the path that you were just talking about, or you brought up, you know, um, shit. I, I, that's the problem. God damn it. I've got like five, no, I've got five notes in five directions. Like, fuck that. Anyway, he, my point with the public land owner or hashtag public land owner hashtag hunting is conservation for the Western public land hunter. I don't see it. Well, and, every, and everything we just talked about, I don't think you can argue it. Maybe with some people you could, but for the most part some, right now, some people don't like it. Yeah. Some people don't like it. And, and one criticism that I have been thrown, that's been thrown at me is the, okay, well, Chris, you know, like, well, then, then what's the solution? Like, like how, how, like, how, okay, we can, yeah, talk about that. Because what you brought up, Aaron, is, and this is, this is where you and I, and I, I, I think if I articulate myself, I don't think we will disagree, but I think initially we might disagree you've talked about like the, the public land I, I i mentioned the fact that you know on the on the eastern half of the united states in south there has become this culture of a a growing culture of conservation habitat improvement and larger scale ecological conservation ecological processes where i don't see that in the western public land hunting culture now there's going to be criticisms to say, okay, Chris, we can't do that because it's on federal public land. Now, this, uh, this is where I disagree, but I will have to agree on, on some points, but I will challenge and disagree on others. And this is where when we, you and I started talking about this and saying, okay, if we're going to have a conservation ethic on, like, I don't even know how many, seriously, I don't even know how many Western public land folks even know who Aldo Leopold is. Like if you talk about Aldo Leopold for for Eastern deer in Turkey and that type of stuff, there's a lot of people that actually know who Aldo Leopold is. There's there's Western public land owners that have no concept. Why? Because they've never been exposed to 
habitat conservation. It's all been just accessing, going out, and here's how you kill. Here's how you find them, number one, and here's how you go kill them. All right, not not how, here's how we conserve them. Here's how we look at age structure. Here's look at how we assess population dynamics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of times it seems like the Western public land hunter has abdicated their responsibility for any of that to the state wildlife agencies. And this is a different discussion at some point later on too, but do we have an individual ethic? Do we have an individual responsibility for habitat conservation or wildlife conservation and, and a conservation ethic? Or have we ju- do we just turn that over to the state and we say, whatever the state says I can do, I'm going to do, and I'm not going to question it. Okay, that's a different discussion. But my point was from a Western public land ethic, if you're going to sit there and say hashtag public landowner, if I'm going to say hashtag hunting is conservation, how much money and time and effort are you actually putting into the system for conservation? And I'm not talking about from the wildlife agency because the wildlife agencies do not grow critters. The habitat and the landscape from which those critters grow are what grows the critters. So in the Western public lands landscape, it's private land, small, forest service and BLM. So what are we as sportsmen doing to put into the system to increase, either increase game populations, be more sensitive to game populations, or express a, a better land, a better hunting ethic on the landscape in those habitats. Now, what you brought up was, you know, if we, if in many states, we know that the populations of, of critters are not as robust as they once were. Okay. Colorado no longer has 350, so on that, whatever, how many, you know, back in the heyday of the high 470 uh, of at the, the high. Of, uh, oh, yeah, it was, it was stupid. Okay. We brought that number down and now there's places in Colorado where the elk population is actually struggling. And we can have a discussion why, but it's struggling. Across the West, we have situations where the game populations are not what they used to be. Again, we can talk about the, the what you talk, what we talk about value sets. You know, you and I saw what what our benchmark was uh, as far as the good old days. New uh, incoming hunters nowadays might have a completely different perception and a completely different men- benchmark, and they are living in their their respective good old days. That's fine. But if we look at across it, and again, we're talking about that, and I'm, I, I, Chris Rowe, am talking about this from a landscape perspective simply because there are more and more organizations, podcasts, discussions around bringing more hunters to the table, bringing non-consumptive users, the non-hunter, not the anti-hunter, the non-hunter to our side of way of thinking, whether bringing them into the fold, in, into our uh, lifestyle in our activities of hunting or at least providing them the information of why we do what we do. And, and again, there are organizations, individuals, podcasts, et cetera, that are out there just trying, just ringing the bell and, and, and uh, banging the symbols of, you know, look how great hunters are. Okay. That's fine. But at the same token, we, we need to have a, a secondary discussion on that of, okay, but really what are we doing? And so your one of the things that you had mentioned, and I've, I've heard you mentioned it to me, and then you've mentioned it a couple other places, where should we have should should it be un, like, like the mule deer you saw that you guys encountered down in Arizona that was just getting absolutely blasted by hunter pressure? We look at over the counter units in Colorado or over the counter units in Oregon or some of these other places. You look at Idaho, the fact that they rain in the 
non-resident uh, influx. Yeah, there's so many places where the the consumptive use pressure on the resource is becoming egregious. So one option that you have presented was to limit the number of people on the landscape impacting that resource. Now, limiting impact can be one of two ways. And this was touched on both in our conversation previous, and then you just briefly hit it here. If we're talking about limiting the impact, if our, if our resources are being diminished or our wildlife resources are being overtaxed by excessive consumptive use, then you can say, well, the agency, the wildlife agency needs to limit tags or, or make, you know, over, take away over-the-counter hunting and make it all limited draw or whatever. And then you hunt every other year or every three years and then to what you were getting at. And I'll let you articulate here in a second. You, you know, it would be a better quality of hunt. You, you have, you, you have more experience on the landscape. You could spend those off years learning things to be a better woodsman, learning your, blah, 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 blah. That's a regulatory top-down approach on how the hunters can be constrained so that the resource can at least breathe a little bit better. I would say there's two other options there to the point where we were talking about, can a hunter go out in the landscape, see a two-year-old bull elk, a four-by-four raghorn, and say, and say what a lot of Eastern whitetail hunters are doing now without any regulatory oversight, without any regulatory restrictions whatsoever. They're going out there because the culture has shifted. Let him go so he can grow. And so I'm going to call in a two-year-old bull elk and I'm going to be like, nope, he's too young. Let him go. Now, maybe somebody who's never killed an elk before, put him on the ground. I will shake your hand. Absolutely. But if, and Aaron, I'm not kicking you in the nuts. No, I, you should bring this up because my answer will be the same. I don't know about a two-year-old bull. I'm killing a three-year-old bull. I do that today. Okay, but my, but in, but back in the day when you were that person where you just couldn't let, I mean, it, it, the arrow's flying. If you've killed a shit ton of elk or, 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 or you've not killed a shit ton of elk, but you've killed a good number of elk and you have the experience to do do you self-regulate and say, you know what, I, I've done, I, I've had the experience. I know how to kill an elk. I just called in this two-year-old. I'm especially if again we could. I don't want to. I don't want to go down the side rabbit hole, Aaron, that you did with with Renella on numbers of animals and what you do with them. Okay, so pause that a minute. But but if you are the type of person that has a full freezer. Well, you're not feeding a shit ton of people with, with ex- excessive animals or whatever. Do you, can we, as a, as a hunting community, shift our culture to where we develop a similar hunting ethic like there is increasing in the eastern whitetail population of hunters, where we will allow, we will self-regulate and allow younger animals to go ahead and mature on the landscape. Now that might mean that I don't get to kill something this year, but I'm going to allow that younger animal. I'm going to pass on that younger animal because either my freezer is full or 
I know that I've got another tag in another state or I'm going to do the, I, I've got these other hunts that I can go on here, whatever. There's there. I think there's an opportunity for a lot of sportsmen to self-regulate and separate themselves from the social pressure so, to kill and perform. Here's the difference. I am not killing them from social pressure. I'll kill it mm. whether there's Instagram or not. Say, I didn't say you. No, no. Yeah, I didn't say I'm you. Using, there's some people that do. No, I'm using me for an example because I have a big platform and everything else. As you know, right. far before social media and far after, I'm using a three-year-old bull, not a two. And I'm being as honest as I can with somebody to get fucked with about this. I'm not letting right, them walk. No, my, it, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm the same way. I will. I prefer to go after a four-year-old bull or better. However, if my freezer is getting empty and I don't have the prospect of filling it with whitetails, uh, I, I will absolutely – at the end of my hunt, my next layer is a three-year-old, and I don't have a problem shooting that at all. I, I, I will – and I did last year uh, on my limited hunt. I will routinely pass on a two-year-old. So, uh, well, th- even early in my, th- you know, this is it, a good. It's my, it's my value. It's my no, value. Hold on, wait, no, no, no. I, I am agreeing with you on this. On some units, on public land OTC, fuck no, I will never let a three and a half-year-old bull walk ever. Right now. What I am talking about is getting the population, the the general animal behavior back to. I'll let a three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old bull walk. I have hunted some limited entry tags that I have not shot multiple three-and-a-half or younger bulls coming in because I know I get another chance highly likely later on in the hunt, right? And whether it be a three, five, seven, you know, obviously longer it is, the more chances you have. Well, this is where it gets sticky because I'm agreeing with most of what you say on areas that have a good amount of elk. Yeah, I'm going to pass up a three and a half. On public land, there is no fucking way on an OTC tag I'm letting a three and a half year old bull walk, nor do I think I'm capable, or you could sell that. I don't think we can do it. No, I, uh, and that's the thing is I don't know if we can, I don't know if we can, se- I don't know if we can sell it right now. But the thing is, is if you let that, if you let a younger bull walk, Number number one, there's going to be more bulls on the landscape that people are going to be able to enjoy and experience. Because I'll I'll know I know darn well that if I'm in an area and the elk are just bugling, they're screaming, and they're running all over the place, but it's just 90% young bulls, it can still be a freaking hellaciously fun hunt. Yes. But I, I don't. I didn't need to kill something. But if you let those younger age class go, then that means there's going to be more bulls on the landscape. There's going to be more engagement on the landscape. Hunters are going to experience. The, they're going to have the experience of those bugling bulls, and, and they're going to. If you just let the population have a little bit of a rest, again, I know. I don't, I don't think know. you can. I, you I, can. I agree. If you could do it, what I'm saying is I don't think we can. And the way that I had, I don't think yeah. with the way that I had proposed yeah, I, it, I don't, I don't think ever, I don't think the average public land hunter at this moment is going to do that. I, I wish we could have. Well, they can't back east or anywhere else on whitetails either. Like on private land, they do. I don't know many on public land. There's, there's some that are passing. Oh up. yeah, there. Oh, there's oh, some. Yes, there are. Yes, there is. 
It's, it's because because the culture is shifting. It, because now the culture is no longer... Now, Chris, I, I just, keep in yeah, mind, oh, yeah, I get ahead. these, I get a lot of photos on my social. I am just saying I, that, I, that I don't think there is as many saying, let them grow on public land as maybe you're perceiving, because I see a lot of spikes in does and two-year-olds and killing tomorrow's trophies today on public land, but, Michigan, but wherever. Are, but are they new hunters? Oh, yeah, some of them definitely are, 100%. Oh, well, okay, again, I'm not talking about the new hunter. I'm talking about, like, if you if you looked at somebody that was like a Bill Winky, or you're looking at, you know, people like, I don't care. If, you, if you're somebody who's been out there in the landscape and you have a, a, a body of freaking experience on the landscape and you've killed a shit ton of animals, what I'm talking about is the is the people that are still out there killing. That yeah, that, feel the need to kill anything simply to be able to post a picture on Instagram, so that they did you you know I, I was told this when I was becoming you know someone in the social sphere that you need to have consistent performance. Like literally, well, it ended. Up, I'm not going to name names, but it ended up being some people that that were involved with videography and and developing hunting videos. They said you need to kill something every year, otherwise the public will will think that you you don't have what it takes. That and is that true. That was what influenced me to, to that. That's what influenced me to shoot that young pronghorn. That it just devastated me because I violated my own ethic. I violated my own conscience on why I'm out there on the landscape hunting. What I'm getting at is. There is a, I'm sorry, there is a strong segment of the, the current generation that is in the social media sphere that are trying to make a name for themselves and trying to be somebody on the landscape, and they are killing because they need, they think they need to put something on Instagram. And I, 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 my point being is, I agree with that if, totally. If, if we change, if we could change the cultural mindset of it's not about killing. It's about conservation and what you're doing on the landscape. I think we could address a significant portion of what uh, myself and others and Matt Ranella had argued that the, the evils, quote unquote, of social media. And and I think okay. let's, if we let's put this different. Western public land hunter. What's that? No, no, go ahead. As a, as a Western public land hunter, we don't see the typical, my opinion. We do not see the typical Western public land hunter expressing a landscape level conservation ethos in the in the bulk of the 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 social expression on social media. And I I, I think if we could change that mindset and self regulate a little better, I think we not only could. In, like not only self-regulate what we post on social media, but self-regulate exactly what we're doing on the landscape. I think we could see a net benefit from the game populations on the landscape and the overall hunt experience without having to trigger any regulatory, any restrictions or anything whatsoever. I know that sounds Pollyanna. I know that mm. it's up high in the sky. I, I, but I'm just saying, it's I gonna, think if we could, the white tail, the white tail community did it. The, the white tail community did it. 
They, they, it, they moved. There were some machinations. There were people who were pissed off when people started talking about antler porting restrictions and slot limits. You know, you're the, the you're leaving out property, the know, majority of whitetail property is, is fucking private. No, I, I understand that, but the culture shifted. Yeah, it shifted because it's so private. It's even, it's even more. I think, I think, Aaron, it's even more important on private property because who gives a shit? It's, it's private property. I do whatever the fuck I want. So, so what I'm what I am saying though is when you have private property, and you are managing that for the most part, for whether that be it's not for public consumption, right? That is for some of it's going to be for guiding and outfitting, correct? A lot of it. I I don't know, some of it is, but there's a lot of people who have a, a ten acre parcel of their own that maybe maybe that's all they hunt is a ten acre, thirty acre, you know. <laughs> An 80 acre chunk of, of land and that's what they have for their family so, even those people are self-regulating let, let's say i'm going to pass on that spike let's just map that map this down a highway um and i'm going to give a couple parallels here in a second if you do the one way when i say i'm not saying restricting i'm saying you know maybe charge more and over the counter with caps that kind of stuff your way will take well over a decade my way will take one season that's true Mine will take a season. 100% I agree. And if you do my way for a season or two, by fucking default, your way way may happen anyway because you've proved it. And that is a tough fucking pill to swallow. But look at me. Everything we're talking about has mapped me out from the core. I was the guy killing everything, fucking everything that walked in front of me. I was that guy now because I saw the light, so to speak. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll still shoot a, you know, whatever young deer or elk or like we talked about, right? Like within reason. But I have seen what good conservation happens. I've seen what limited draw elk tags show. I know the glory days back in the heyday. You limit that for two or three years. You let the population go back up. People by default may do what you're talking about because they've seen what happens. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. I'm just saying the validity of it actually happening is difficult. I and I agree with I agree with your premise. But my value set, I'm going to disagree. Let me allow me to disagree for just a minute. No, no, okay? go ahead. Shit. This is a good conversation, man. And the good thing about you and I, you can have these conversations and Matt and I did. You're not an idiot for what you're thinking, and I'm not an idiot for what I'm thinking. I think people should have more of these type of debates and get along letting each person speak their mind because, you know, there are things that I, because of the lens I look through, I am going to miss out on things that is human fucking nature, right? Like I'm going to look at things if I'm from a place that doesn't bait. Baiting is stupid, until you go actually go down and hunt where the place where bait may be, right? You might look at it differently. Private land sucks. You're a piece of shit hunter if you hunt private land, but you've never done it. Right. Having these type of debates, right. you are giving me a different optic to look through. So I think these are great, but go ahead. So I've heard you talk, and you and I have talked about it. I heard you on the recent podcast with uh, Pinch. John Pinch um, talking about, you know, and, 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 I talked about it and we talked about that. And I brought up, I mean, I literally did a podcast talking about is the future, is, is there, is the future of over the counter hunting units gone? Like is over the counter hunting doomed to end? I, I, I truly believe it is. Yeah, I because agree. The demand, yeah. 
the demand for high quality hunts. Now, let me allow me to, I want to, I want to peek into a little rabbit hole here a minute so that it, it provides some context. We as a hunting community are being told all the time that hunter numbers are down, hunter numbers are down, hunter numbers are down, hunter numbers are down, right? That we, we don't have as many hunters as what we used to blah, 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 back in the day. As a percentage of the overall United States population. With that being said, there's a lot of people that are saying, I'm seeing more people in the field every, every year. This is getting stupid. This is bullshit. And there's no more room. Like, we don't need more hunters because I'm getting – the hunter my, – my, the conflict on the lands, landscape with other hunters is already uh, untenable. So we, we can't have more people coming in the room. Okay, number one, we, to, to those people who are like, oh, well, there's no – there, you know, we can't have fewer hunters. Uh, I, some of the landowners I work with now, and I've seen it in the past, where back in the day, the baby boomer years – People just buy a hunting license just because. I mean, like, it was like, oh, yeah, I'll grab one because I might go. Like, well, yeah, sure, I'll buy one. And they would just buy one, and they would never step foot in the field. Or they would buy a, a, a tag, and they would they'd have the rifle in the truck or the shotgun or whatever, and they drive, you know, maybe they drive a road or two, and they didn't see, ah, eh, whatever. And so there may have been more licenses per capita of people at the back in the day, but the the level of passion and what you call those diehard hunters, the, you know, fanatical, if you will, hunters, it, it wasn't, this, it wasn't the same way. I remember my grandfather growing up, my grandfather every year would buy a hunting license. I don't, I think I, I, every year growing up, I think I've seen him, I saw him in the field like once, maybe twice. Same thing with all my uncles. They would, they would buy a hunting license. And the only time we would go hunt was on Thanksgiving Day. We'd do a, a family drive through the uh, you know family woodlot. That's it. Like that. That's it. So there were a lot of people back in the day that would just buy a license. Okay. Now, but some of the landowners I work with now, they, they haven't bought a license in two years. They own the land. They could go hunt at any time. They could buy their. They, they just. Eh, it, it, it just. It's no longer because it's not something that they're passionate about. It's, it's just something that they don't need to spend money on and they don't even think about it. So there might be lower numbers of those type of people buying a license. But if you look at the, the type of hunter that we have today, if you say you're a hunter, like 90, I, I don't know the statistic. I'm going to make up, I'm going to pull a, a number out of my ass, but I'll bet you 90 plus percent of the people that call themselves a hunter these days are people that consider themselves a freaking hunter. And they are, they are going to buy a license at least one, if not multiple, and especially when we're talking about the Western public land hunter, they're going to buy a license. And when they buy a freaking license, they are freaking going hunting. And we've talked about back in the, you know, before clothing makes things a hell of a lot easier to get up in the mountains. The backpacks make it easier. Everything's lighter. Your backpacks are, are lighter, better, comfortable, more comfortable. Your, your sleeping systems are lighter. I mean, everything now makes it easier for people to go back into places that they never used to go in before. You and I are old enough to know back in the, you know, back in the day, the number one recommendation on how to kill an elk or public land elk was get more than a mile off the road. That like that was that was right there off the top. That's get more than a mile off the road, and and you'll get into animals. Nowadays, dude, I'll see more people eight miles in than I will see eight hundred yards in. You know what I mean? So 
we're dealing with a different type of hunter and we're dealing with a different level of engagement from consumptive users on the landscape. Yes, I can understand that there is a sentiment that says, okay, let's, from a regulatory standpoint, let's physically limit the number of people that are going up into the field to go pursue game. Because then we could give the game some semblance of relaxation. Maybe we can, we can have lower harvest in that population to allow other animals to grow a little bit older, blah, 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 blah. We can, we can limit the, the take in a population and we can limit the number of hunters in an area, which then could translate into a higher quality hunt experience for those people that get that, that draw that tag or whatever. And maybe it's only every other year or every two years that you get to go hunt. I understand that sentiment and it's a legitimate sentiment. However, there are those people that number one, want to hunt every year. Number two, there are people that rely on wild game as their primary source of red meat in the freezer. I'm one of them. Okay. I I'm, I'm fortunate to, to have the opportunities that I have now managing ground to where pretty much if I need to fill my freezer, I can go out and I can put whitetail in the freezer. Right. But there are people that are going to need that the, the primary red meat that goes in their freezer is game meat. All right. So there's going to be those people that need or want strongly to be able to hunt every year. And then when we look at recruitment and we, if we want to have more hunters on the landscape, again, we can talk about the controversial nature of increasing the number of hunters on the landscape. But if you want to increase the number of hunters on the landscape, everybody's going to be that new hunter. Everybody's going to want to taste that level of success that's going to hook them, that's going to want them to come back over and over and over and over again to where there is this – Again, it's the adage of, you know, if you want to take a new fisherman, get, get somebody introduced into fishing, you take them to a bluegill pond and just let them catch the shit out of bluegills and have a blast, and then they can progress from there. So there's a variety of reasons. Some of us might have a value set for increased hunter, the quality hunt experience, and that might come from regulatory restriction on access in certain areas, like getting rid of over-the-counter units. But my point was the self-limiting thing that might go to that as well, but we can dive, that we can, I agree with you that that is, that that's going to take a, it's a slow play. Here's the thing that I disagree with the restriction of access. Not access. Back to what. Same amount of access, same amount of land access. No, no. Okay. Oh, that's a, that's a valid. Okay. Valid correction. I'm not talking about limiting access, public land access. I'm talking about limiting your, it's not over the counter anymore. You, it's limited gain. It's limited tags that are available for certain areas. I hope everybody, I hope everybody can make that distinction. Okay. Here's the thing. And this goes back to what my original angst was when you and I spoke and what we talked about in the beginning and then what I've seen for decades now that chaps my ass on the Western landscape. Why can't we do a better job of advocating for, pressuring, encouraging better habitat management on public lands so our habitats are more productive 
and we are growing more critters. We have more deer on the landscape. We have more elk on the landscape. So when you, if we can increase, because many across the Western United States, many of our timber habitats, even grasslands, are becoming closer and closer and closer to those climax communities, which are, again, some of you are not even going to understand what I'm talking about, and that saddens me because it's never been it's never been hammered into the the culture of western public lands hunting of the wildlife conservation and the habitat conservation model some of you are not some of you will so for those that are that are picking up on at least a thread of this if our forest habitats our rangeland habitats are growing older more decadent uh, growing, uh, uh, they're becoming less productive for the game species, and quite honestly, a lot of other non-game species as well. They're becoming less productive, so it means we're not producing as many animals. Then our because, and I've talked about this before, just a little bit. We talk about game populations. We talk about um, wildlife in relation to habitat, and that habitat is the limiting factor on uh, overall game numbers. So if, if the animals grow out of house and home, they did negatively impact the habitat. There's not enough food and resources to go around. So then the population can't grow as, as much and, and they can't flourish, blah, blah, blah. We always talk about that the, the game population cycling with regard to habitat. But no one ever talks about for hunters. Our habitat, our ability to cycle, on the landscape, our population level of hunters on the landscape, our habitat is the critters. Our carrying capacity on the landscape is directly related to the number of critters that are on the landscape. If we go into a unit and there's only 100 elk in the unit, you're not going to put 10,000 people in there to hunt that unit. It, because you're either going to drive the population of elk to zero or the hunter satisfaction is going to be so low that everybody's going to be pissed off and no one's going to want to do it again. So our habitat, the sportsman's habitat, especially on the Western public land hunter standpoint, our carrying capacity on the landscape for our success and the carrying capacity for our tolerance of other hunters on the landscape is, I believe, is directly tied to the population of animals. Our carrying capacity is tied to the population of animals on the landscape. We are often taught, we, we are quick to go to, because the population of animals is decreasing, we need to decrease the number of animal or number of hunters that are going in and engaging them. Why can we not flip that conversation and say, why the fuck is our population decreasing? What can we do to get our population of critters back into a very flourishing model to where we push the envelope of what the productivity of our habitat is to where we get to the point where we were in Colorado probably 15, 20 years ago, where the Division of Wildlife was saying in the Vale Valley, holy shit, we need to give not only can you buy any bull tag over the counter that you want, but we're going to allow you to get a list B license and you can shoot an additional cow elk. 
And then there are some habitats in Colorado that used to be a list C elk, where you could literally shoot as many cow elk that you wanted. If we had more of our elk hunting units and deer hunting, if we had more of our Western public lands, sorry, Western public lands landscapes being treated in more of the same philosophy, conservation, habitat philosophy that the Eastern and Midwestern and Southern whitetail habitat hunters are, are dealing with. Or, or the culture has shifted there. I think we would see more critters on the landscape and which then if we increase the critters on the landscape, we could increase the carrying capacity of our hunters on the landscape, not necessarily maybe the take on the landscape, but we could increase the carrying capacity of the tolerance that we have as hunters on the landscape. Because I'll tell you right now, I have hunted in places in Southern Colorado where when the elk are piled into certain valleys and certain ridgelines, there might be 30 different hunters in this tight little freaking pocket. And you're coming across five, you know, four, five, seven different hunters a day. But there's elk on the landscape. They're bugling. You got, you got on elk that morning and you're going over there and you're going to get on elk here. And you're going to get up. When you get in a situation like that and you know darn well, Aaron, that from your perspective, you've seen those days. When you had ample animals on the landscape, it didn't matter as much if you ran into other hunters because you still had critters that you were engaging that satisfied, checked all the boxes of why you hunt and, and what you look for in a, in a hunt each fall. This is where I went to. This is where my mind was going. I've always, always maintained that hunting, Western public land hunting, our hunter carrying capacity is tied to the critters. And I've always been discouraged by what I see with forest management and BLM management. And we can get to that in a second. But what really started chapping my ass from this re- these past couple of years is watching the engagement. I'm, I'm on that, I'm on that threshold uh, on, on the, on the Midwest where I see a lot of Midwest Eastern habitat values and I engage and I see a lot of Western public lands values. And I'm sorry, there's, 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 there's a night and day difference. I, I believe there's a night and day difference. And so I'm, my discouragement in the hunting pub, population is current organizations that are on the landscape are not advocating and pushing for a land ethic like what has happened in the eastern whitetail, turkey, pheasant, upland bird landscape. What I see being driven and pushed and what is being more and more adopted with the public land hunter is not an overall landscape conservation and enhancement and health of ecosystems focus. It's a focus of, I have a right to exploit this land. I have a right to go out there and do whatever the hell I want. And if the state is going to allow me to, to kill, I'm going to go out there and kill. And more importantly, I'm going to go out there and kill, and I'm going to make a name for myself by my killing on social media. And I'm not going to do a damn, I'm, not only am I not going to do a damn thing for the habitat, I'm not even going to think about it. And so it's the current situation. And I, and I blame a lot of current organizations 
sportsmen's organizations. It's exploiting the, the hunter public for political gains, and it's, it's directing – it's moving the hunting public into more and more of a welfare mentality where the, – the, you know, the, the, the old joke where there was, a, there was a little lady that she was on welfare, and, and people wanted her to get involved with the community. She was like, nope. I don't need nobody. You just give me my Medicaid, Medicare, and Social Security, and I don't need nobody. Like, <laughs> really. You're going to shun everybody as long as everyone else subsidizes you. You don't want to engage anyone. You don't want to be a, a constructive member on the landscape. You just, as long as everyone provides a subsidy to you, which, by the way, you now believe is your right to have their subsidy it's your moral it's it's your moral pedestal that you stand upon that 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 gives you the the moral uh uh, righteousness to be a hunter on the landscape is because i have a right to these public lands these are my public lands and and you can't do it i I don't know i I'm, i'm i don't want to go off the rails but we're we are not fostering a conservation long-term sustainable model, I don't believe. And I think the, the, the community is going to, we might see some short-term um, enjoyment. And some of these organizations are going to promise and push short-term um, advocacy. But I think the future of hunting, in especially Western public land, is doomed to fail if we do not change the culture of not only why we're out there on the landscape, but more importantly, what we are doing out there on the landscape. And so to tie into what you and I spoke about, uh, I just want, are you still there? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm taking notes because I got a few things to add. So go ahead. All right. So what we talked about with the money, like, Again, I, 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 I am serious about my, my concern about the welfare state of Western public land hunting. And I, and I mean that wholeheartedly. It's a welfare state because $31 per person is not sufficient. You can't, I don't give a shit what property you own. You're paying more than $31 a year to take care of that freaking property. I'm sorry. $31 a year is your buy-in as you're the public landowner? Give me a freaking no! You're a public land. You're a public land welfare recipient. And the little old lady in Connecticut, Connecticut, that's never been in the Zirkle Wilderness area, she's paying exactly the same fucking money you are. I don't care that you're buying a hunting license because the hunting license dollars isn't going to the habitat. In most cases, it's going to a completely different agency. So the little old lady in Connecticut that you hate because she's an anti-hunter that, 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 that chimes in on public land policy in Wyoming about the grizzly bear issue or a forest service doing X, Y, Z or what, she's got just as much, she has as much buy-in as you do. So we, we, if we're going to be, if we are going to be consumptive users from the landscape, it's, 
If we want to see the long-term success of our way of life, we are going to have to do better. If we're going to sit in, we're going to, we're going to stand on the pedestal of the North American model of wildlife conservation, and we are going to beat our chest and raise our fists united in the air. And, you know, workers of the world, oh, I'm sorry, sportsmen of the world unite, right? If we're going to stand on that pedestal of righteousness because sportsmen, quote unquote, advocated for the Pittman-Robertson Act and the Dingle-Johnson Act, and we wanted to put our money where our, quote unquote, mouth was, and we can get to that freaking whole debacle here in a minute. If we want to do that, then why do we not have the same sort of motivation, uh, drive, uh, foresight, value set to do something to, to do more for the habitat in the West that we, that we so work with. Now, again, Chris, criticism, this it's federal land. We can't, there's all these restrictions and blah, blah, blah. You're absolutely right. But the problem I see is that just, again, the welfare mentality of, I don't have to, I shouldn't have to pay. I won't pay. I don't need, I will not pay because it's my right. It's my public land. It's I, it's, I have a righteous morality because it's public land and I'm a citizen of the United States. That's my okay. land to do whatever though. I'm not going to pay. How many people that are listening to this right now pull into a forest service ca- uh, a campground and bitch and complain about the, the, they raised the fees on the, the per night basis to, to, to camp there. Or how many people, this is, this is big, and I'm guilty. I'm, I will raise both hands and say, I'm fucking guilty. I pull into a trailhead. I want to park at a trailhead and hike in, and I find out there's a $5 or $10 or $15 per, u, per day use fee to park at that trailhead. I will, I will absolutely own the fact that I will go, fuck a bunch of that, and I drive down the road and figure out a different way to, to, to enter the landscape because I didn't want to pay. We, we, here we are, Aaron, you and I, okay, so this, I hope you have a lot of notes, man. I'm sorry about taking over this conversation. It's not my goal, but let me finish this one thought. We sit here and we talk about how many states, whether it's you or other people, you're going to hunt four different states. You know, people are going to hunt two states, three states, four states for elk. You're going to buy an elk tag or a mule deer or whatever. You're going to buy an elk tag and you're going to spend a minimum of six, if, if it's a bull tag. You've got people that are going to go out there and spend a minimum of $600 for an elk tag as a non-resident now because you're going to go to another state that you don't live in. You're, going to, you're willing to go and spend $600 on this state and then six or $700 on this state and then another $800 on this state or whatever. You're willing to spend, let's just say one state like me. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm owning it. I'm guilty of this. This is just me wrestling with my own thought. I'm willing to spend now, what's it, what's an elk tag in Colorado for non-resident? What, 700, almost 700 bucks? Yeah, I think it's more I'm than willing, that now, but yeah. I'm willing to spend seven, let's just say $700 for an elk tag that gives me the opportunity to go, to, it gives me an opportunity to pursue the possibility of taking an animal. And I know for a damn well fact that that season, even if I hunt the entire season for an archery hunter, that gives me roughly plus or minus 30 days. If, if, I'm, a, if I'm a muzzleloader hunter, 
I'm buying the same damn tag for 700, 700 bucks, knowing full well that my season, the finite restrictions about when I can go out on the landscape is what, nine days? Yep. There's some rifle hunts. That Back in the day with Colorado, I think the, the what's that? There's some that are five now. That's what I that's where I was going. Yep. So you're willing to pay seven hundred dollars for the possibility to go and maybe encounter an elk, and you are only allowed five days to do so. And that money goes to the state. And that money goes to the state, and the bulk of that money, especially in the Western public lands, the bulk of that money is going to go to pay for the administrative management of your privilege to go out in that landscape. It's not going into habitat at all. Meanwhile, the Forest Service, you, your buy-in, your total nut that you put on the landscape for the habitat that grows the critter that you want to go kill is $31. Right. And oh, by the way, that thirty-one that thirty-one dollars lets you go three hundred and sixty-five days a year. Number one, number two, every single national forest in the United States—not even just a unit, not even just a state—every state, every unit, every forest service—and you go to you get to go enjoy that unfettered, unlimited, and guess what? It's not about the fact that you're going after the possibility of killing an elk. Not that we're not talking about that on the landscape of an elk uh, on a forest service. We're talking you're parking in a forest service parking lot, trailhead. You are actually functionally putting boots on the ground, putting wear and tear on the trail that you're walking on. You're engaging the landscape. There's someone going up there clearing out the trail so that you have the right to go, the opportunity to go hike that trail. Someone is out there maintaining the landscape because you are putting foot to it and you are getting a benefit from that landscape. And you're gonna sit there and tell me, I don't pay for shit. $31 is all I need to do to pay for the habitat side of the critter I wanna kill, but I'm gonna pay the state how many hundreds, if not thousands of dollars annually? This is where my disconnect comes from, from a habitat guy. When I look at growing critters, I've I've spent the better part of 10 years. Now, I've I've spent a lot of time previous to these past 10 years working with elk properties in the mountains or elk management and land management in the the West, in Colorado and Northern New Mexico. So this this past 10 years here in, in, in Northwest Kansas doing it for whitetails, but knowing what goes on with habitat, knowing how fragile habitat is, and then seeing what is going on in our federal public lands in the West and seeing like very little movement in the way of moving the needle on habitat quality. Now, there are some new things coming down the pipe that might translate that, but most of the organizations, and this is where I have a problem, most of the organizations that are pushing the sportsman community these days are left-leaning, pro- very progressive ideology, ends justify the mean type of people and organizations that believe in heavy-handed, federal, top-down, regulatory forcing of things. And, the, and even though they talk about flowery, wonderful, you know, bullshit, that, attra- that is attractive to the average non-thinking sportsman. I don't mean that. Well, no, they, 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 
many of these organizations are directly playing to exactly what they think you are and what many, and I'm sorry, I'm going to piss some people off, what many Western public land hunters these days are, and that is you're nothing more than a useful idiot. They they talk, they talk these big flowery things. They hold on. They, they have these great and glorious these events and get-togethers and all sorts of things. And you look at their marketing strategy and what they're saying, what they're saying to the sportsmen, what they want from the sportsmen. And then you look at the policies that they're putting on the federal landscape. It's in your name. And it sounds awesome until you start diving into exactly what it is they want to do and put on the ground. And, it, and the devil just leaps out of those details. But no one wants to see it. Here's my point. Here, I'm going to make one last point, Aaron. I'm going to turn it back over to you. I apologize. No, I'm good. I want to see, I want to see most sportsmen these days say they embrace the original principles that started back in the day of expanding westward and and utilizing the the North American model of wildlife conservation where the user pays, the user pay model, where we hunters pay for conservation. I ask you, do you really? And number two, if you truly embrace the spirit of rugged individualism. You truly embrace a capitalist model, a self-reliant model for your life and, and your value sets. Why are we collectively in that value set, that mindset, not doing more for the thing that we say we love? We see Eastern Midwest, Southern, whitetail, turkey, upland bird hunters, even waterfowl hunters, spending thousands of dollars on their habits. They don't have to. They don't have to spend the money. They've chosen to spend the money. Why do we not have a similar growing cultural movement where we as sportsmen start saying, I want to pitch in more for habitat stuff? Why in the world? Are we willing to spend seven hundred plus dollars on a on a on a state wildlife tag, but we are not willing to spend at least the same amount of money to those federal agencies to at least fucking grow the damn critters that we want to go after? I'm going to stop. Let you dive, dive in. We, you know, I, I don't want to. I, that was. I, I yield back my time. You're good. Um, so the the first thing, and I'll just, I was uh, actually going to touch on something else. With what you were just saying on the why can't we do, um, you gave me a lot to unravel here. So one of the things with what you talked about is money and the, what, when you talk about m- with money with the, with the tags, There are many people that I have seen talk about, Matt was one of them, about one guy hunting four states and killing four elk. Does he need that many elk? You know, is he killing and he taking away, is he, is he taking away from the average hunter because he's, you know, traveling out of state and hunting multiple states and he shouldn't do that because no, nobody can eat four elk. I'm going to ask you, 
How do you feel about that? Is someone going to four states, a Dan Evans, a Tony Treich, uh, I don't know, mule deer, guys that hunt multiple states for mule deer, are they taking away, coming from out of state, meaning they're paying more, more is going to the state. That's that's a fucking fact, right? You're hunting the same animal, the same area, and you're paying $750 instead of 50 Is it wrong of them to do that because they can't eat four elk a year? What are your thoughts on that? Quickly. Well, first and foremost, yeah, first and foremost, I, I disagreed with his premise that you can't eat that. Um, I think you yeah, made I a do. great point. In, <laughs> right, right. And, and, and to sum up, um, not, I, I don't, I think everybody should go over to his podcast, Matt Ronella's um, Hunt Quietly podcast, and listen to what Aaron says. I, I, I'm not going to try to steal his thunder, but part of what he said was, um, like no way can you eat that or you know he was he was dumbfounded by the fact that you could eat that much meat but then if you really think about it if if an individual decides to eat 12 or 16 ounces of red of game meat each day okay at one pound well at minimum that's 365 pounds of meat for one person you add two people to that equation that each one whether it's lunch and dinner are are consuming red meat, you know, game meat each day, you're, you're easily right there over 700 pounds annually. So in your case, Aaron, when you go and you, you know, the, all the animals that you kill, the amount of month, the, uh, the amount of red meat, game meat that you're used, you're consuming and that you are providing for your employees and everything else at, at your, your company bar, you know, each day at lunch or whatever, absolutely. You're, you're consuming well over a thousand pounds a year uh, uh, of game meat a year. That's just a minimum. And, and to, for anybody that wants to say, oh, oh that, that there's no way or that's not right or what, that's a, I, I can't argue, I, I'm not going to argue that value set because you're, you are using it, you are consuming it, and actually makes sense, especially if, for those people who want a, a higher protein diet or blah, 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 blah. The, 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 so I, dismi- I did not agree with, with where his mind was going with that. However, he makes a point, and, and I, and I'll, I'll be the first one to answer you. I don't have an answer for it. I don't know because I'm conflicted. If, if someone goes to four different states and elk hunts four different states and goes out there and kills four different elk, number one, by default, that person is. He's a badass. <laughs> number one. Number two. Okay. Cause again, 10% of the hunters killed 90% of the animals. That's the old adage, right? So, just because someone is on the landscape doesn't necessarily mean. Say you're the you're the ten percent you're the ten percent badass that could kill everywhere he goes. I'm the Joe Schmedley guy that that struggles. Okay, if you are not on the landscape, does that mean I'm going to kill an elk? No. However, I cannot discount the fact that when you kill your elk, that is one more animal off of the landscape that is no longer there for me to be able to possibly run into, especially if in, and, and I, I, I'm not, especially if it's one of those animals that's just an easy elk, quote unquote, just bugling its head off that everything is right. It's a younger animal that's searching and cruising the landscape and it doesn't matter what you throw at him. He's going to come in. If, if you are there before me or beat me there or whatever, and you kill that animal, well, that's an animal I can't kill. You just took it off the landscape, and quite honestly, it was probably an animal that I could have killed. So you did, by your presence there, remove an opportunity from me or, or someone else. 
number one. Num- just a physical numbers game. Number two, you are also someone on the landscape that is parked at the trailhead, walking up that trail, hiking across the mountain, calling, doing whatever, especially if you're the type of person that has a very aggressive style, bugling his head off, just running all over the landscape. You are creating, you are another person on the landscape creating a negative, possibly, possibly a negative experience for me on that mountain. Now, again, what we're getting at here is, this is Aaron and Chris. So Aaron is the badass 10% hunter that can kill anywhere. I'm the Joe Schmedley that's struggling. Okay. You've already, the premise here is you've already hunted, say, Wyoming, and you killed an elk up there. So you have an elk in the freezer, number one. Number two, you've killed a shit pile of elk in, in, in your lifetime. I'm still struggling to try to get my one. Or maybe I've killed one before it was a cow, and I'd really like to try to bull, try to get a bull. So now here I am in Colorado. It comes down to my area, and now I've got to compete with that jackass. So this is where I do, and this is where I struggle, man, because that sentiment of if you're going out there on the landscape hunting four different units and four different, you know, or not, not, not yet, four different states, and or sorry, the physical reality of the situation is yes you are contributing to increased hunter pressure in the unit you are contributing possibly to the degrade the the the, uh lessening of a positive hunt experience for other people depending depending on how you engage the landscape Okay, like Corey Jacobson was criticized. Somebody left a, a message on his door, like, shut the fuck. Can you just, like, put the bugle down? Like, okay, so if you're the type of guy that's just going and just freaking burning landscape and just bugle, 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 or whatever, bump, you know, you're going to push into every budding area. You're going to, you know, charge in on every. If you're an aggressive style hunter or just a dumbass hunter, you are negatively impacting the other hunters on this landscape and you are reducing the game population in that area and increasing the harvest success, which means if that continues excessively, the state is going to be forced to restrict the overall number of people that get to go in there because harvest is too high, which then means it becomes harder for everybody to be able to go and enjoy that landscape. So there can be a point to be made of no, Fuckers, one state. You get you get to pick one state and go hunt one elk. That that that's it. Now, this is where again I'm conflicted because I'm sorry. It's the state the the game animals of one state are managed for what the people of that state. Now, part of that managing for the people of the state might be that that state wants additional money. And so they're going to open up some of their li- their licenses and opportunities to people that are out of state. Whatever that state wants to do is the, progr- the prerogative of that state and of the people in that state. So if a state says, no, I don't, we don't give a shit how many people, you know, whether you kill, you know, an elk in every, you know, other state, you're welcome to come in and, and shoot an elk here. Or like in, in Idaho for residents, you know, if you, you can shoot an elk and then if you want to go ahead and buy a non-resident tag, you, you're allowed to go and shoot a second bull or whatever. It, it's up to the individual state in, in their population. But the point is, man, it's a, it's a legitimate consideration when we're talking about hunter crowding and overall game population. So so here's here's so, kind of the, the stick for me. Um, I am a very large proponent, before I say this, because it's going to contradict everything I'm saying. 
big proponent of uh, in-state seniority, right? The 90-10 rule, right? I think I think if you live in the state, you should 100% have uh, privileges that out-of-state hunters don't. Having said that, with what you're talking about and everything we've talked about, the out-of-state hunter does pay more. That $31 buy-in for the welfare hunter that we talked about, doesn't it seem by default with this conversation that $31 buy-in should be more with what I talked about increasing if you're going to bitch about a, an out-of-state hunter going to four states and fucking up my land and he took an elk and he did this and he did that, he also paid a fucking substantial amount more than the in-state hunter. Can't to, argue that. To the, he, paid, he, he made more, he, he spent more money to the state. To the state. Not to the habitat. Not to the habitat, but to the state, which is all we can do right now, right? That's, all, that's what we're dealing with, what's in our hand. He paid more money to the state. Now, what the state did with that money, who knows, right? I'm sure somebody can uh, dive into that deeper or you could or whatever, but he did pay more. Now, my feeling with this is two, I guess it's two different aspects of this because it's difficult. One is he paid the fucking tag. Go kill it. He paid his dues, right? He he paid the tollman. Outlaw it then. If it's that big, if people are up in fucking arms that much, it's fucking legal, Right. You can do it. So people are like, hey, you're taking that away from, a, you know, uh, whatever, an in-state hunter. You're obtrusive. You're like you talk walking on the land. Well, OK, make it fucking illegal. Right. Because no one's I'm not stopping doing it. Then are you using all the game meat? Well, I can prove easily that I know exactly what I need, which is three and a half deep freezers stuffed full every year. And I use all of it. Now, when I say I. I'm pushing 500 pounds myself and I'm pushing seven to eight with, with Amy and when friends come over and then obviously the crew here, I explained that before roughly. So is that meat going to waste? In that case, he's illegal, right? So by, by we're saying we're, we're going to, I'm going to consider, I'm going to use Tony Trites because that guy treats, that dude's a killer, right? Hunts multiple states. He's got to be using the meat or he's breaking the law. And I'm not going to – Tony is a good man. I'd never say that Tony is not eating the meat because then he would be breaking the law. So if he is abiding by the law, he's eating the meat or or giving it to friends and family and what, what I would consider fine, right? Okay, so his neighbor doesn't hunt wild game, but he loves it. The neighbor's going to eat a fucking cow or an elk. I'd rather eat, him, eat an elk because at least he understands hunting. That's a good thing. But how would we fix that, right? So you're saying the state, it needs to go to the habitat. Okay, so do we make it to where, okay, if there's an increased price in in-state licenses, is that increased price, do we divvy that out accordingly to where it goes? You know, you, you see what I'm saying, where, okay, this goes to the state or whatever. The argument can be made the out-of-state hunter is doing more. Not because he wants to, because he fucking has to, because he's paying more money. It's confusing. It's a lot to wrap up. And no, unwrap. No, no, no. For for, for me, it's it's not so much as confusing. I in that in the in the regard for what I think I'm talking about, it's apples and oranges because again, you're, you're spending. Yes, the the hunter, the non-resident hunter, is putting more money on the on the land uh, into the hands of the agency. The question I would ask is, what is the agency then doing? Whether it's from, now, whether it's from a game management standpoint, 
or whether it's from a habitat standpoint, because you have those two. You can so that so the state there's going to be some some limitations on what the state can do with habitat. However, the state has a much better opportunity for a regulatory and a a agency relationship with the Fed than maybe private uh, public partnerships might be able to do. However, so if, if the state is doing things for critters, that's one thing. But if the state is simply using more money to manage hunters better, then it, I, I don't care. Like, I don't care that a non-resident is paying more because it's not translating into more critters that we get to hunt on the landscape. Again, if we talked about the situation where the state was going in and saying, okay, listen, uh, and, and these are controversial, okay? I know these are controversial, and there's not the devil's in the details, so any of my biologist, biologist friends or anybody else, sh- shut the hell up. We can have a conversation. Call me, and we can have a conversation. But you look at what maybe the Dakotas did where they put a bounty on um, raccoons or maybe the state encourages more predator hunting like mountain, you know, bears, especially like if, if, for instance, if Colorado said we are going to take as many non-residents as we can, but 10% of the money that we pull in from non-residents is going to be going to on the ground um, work to incentivize a better level of bear harvest. Oh, okay. Let's have that conversation. Or if we had a conversation where we said, okay, non-residents are going to pay this much money and we're going to uh, take as many non-residents as we want, but you know, 10, 20% of the non-resident fee is going to go into a pot like the, like the auction raffle tags are. And that money is going to be earmarked for partnerships with the forest service to do prescribed burns or timber stand improvements or rangeland improvements, that type of stuff. If, if, if we were talking about the, the state collecting money and putting it on the ground for the betterment of game populations, yes, but I don't see that. And, and quite honestly, in the West and, and across the United States, and this is a, this is a secondary discussion about some of, of you know, hunt, is hunting conservation, hunting is conservation. There are many places, and the agencies that are selling, not agencies, sorry, the organizations that sportsmen are being bombarded with, action alerts and everything else, many of the organizations that they claim that they claim to be on the, the side of the sportsmen will absolutely acknowledge that hunting is not adequate conservation, and in fact are working diligently to minimize the impact of sportsmen and the dollars that are on the landscape. They, we, it's not a criticism of wildlife. We, we need more money for wildlife conservation. And the states, it is from, a, from just a species conservation standpoint, the, the states are not, they don't have enough budget for it. And now, we can argue that, again, the North American model of wildlife conservation is that hunters pay, they buy in, buy the licenses, and that provides the conservation efforts for all wildlife species. I agree with that. Um, it's, it's grotesquely underfunded right now. However, I will always 
say that if the hunters are the ones buying into it, then hunters ought to enjoy the first line of consideration on management of wildlife to being, I think, game population focus needs to be first, then non-consumptive, non-game wildlife conservation goes second. Now, there's a lot of people that are saying right now that that's the case. But again, what I've been saying is I'm not seeing a lot of money hit the ground for actual habitat management and improvement. So uh, this is where I separate state agencies from federal agencies. And so non-resident fees don't do jack shit in the most part for habitat shit. Right. So I get what you're like, what you're saying, but it's, it's a little, what I, what I'm trying to, it's a little off the subject of what you were initially talking about, what I just brought up, right? It's not, it's not compare in comparison, but with people listening in as we're covering all of this and you and I are having this discussion, like you get people, you know, all, everybody sees things from their different optics. Does, you know, we talked about over harvesting of animals, meaning you're shooting for elk in four different states or four mule deer. You know, you and I talked about. Go ahead. Yeah, it's not necessarily it's not necessarily that it's over harvest from the population level in that area. It's it's what we're the the subjective idea is you're taking more animals. You individually are taking more animals than you need or you're taking more animals than you should. should. And that's where it's tri- that's where it gets tricky. And there's also the aspect of what Matt had talked about is you are doing it for glory. Right? Now yeah. I can say yeah. Yeah. if you are capable of killing four elk in four different states, you started and you are very good at this far before social media because that shit is not easy, right? It it's not a gimme, right? So right. would right. you do it after social media? And the people that I know that are capable of killing four elk in four states, they could give to a fuck nor Wagnall about social media, right? They may post it. They're still still getting after it, right? Doesn't matter if social media or not. So some of this is, sure. is literally like f- fucking fairy dust land, right? Like we are talking about shit that doesn't even matter because when I say that, meaning they're doing it for the gram. I People that are capable of doing that may use the gram to promote it, but I guarantee they were doing it far before Instagram and they were doing it far long after Instagram because that's true timeline, right? You didn't fucking pop out of your mom's womb being able to do that. That takes a a high degree of skill. Go ahead. Okay. This let let me, let me push back. Just, I agree with you a hundred percent, but let me, for, for, let me give devil where, let me give the devil his due. And this is what I've been focusing on, the discussions I've had recently, and we're going to continue those discussions with um, the other guys that I mentioned earlier. Um, Just because – okay, how do I want to put this? Uh, And and I'm not going to put – I do not want to put words in in Matt's mouth. He's, he's spoken at length about this numerous times and he's got his own platforms. I, I, I absolutely, the, the blood origins podcast where this all re, a lot of this started was awesome. It pissed a lot of people off, but get, here we are years later. We're still talking about, it. um, the, the reality is there are some people that all they see is what's going on in social media and it, 
a large percentage of their criticism of the of the community revolves around what they see on social media. I might be leaning in that direction. Now, the reality is, are all hunters like that? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But here's the here's the issue that I have. There are some that hear Matt Ranella's criticism and they just say, fuck him, screw the fuck, blah, 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 or hear me and my talking and my criticisms of the sports community, fuck that, just bunch, bunch, blah. They want to abject, re- reject that any of that is even a possibility or is, or is even real or is, well, if it, if it's just minimal. Okay. Meanwhile, there are other people who are like, no, it never, our great, our, our, our community is great. No, this is, that's not it. And they want to completely minimize the fact that those people actually do exist. The, the reality is you can have two things. You can have two realities at the same time and they don't, but the reality is there are hunters out there that do not focus, that do not go out and kill for the gram. You're right. And I don't know what percentage of the population is, but the reality is, is the fact that there are people that are going out there and building their social image, their social credit score. If you want, if you want to go down that freaking road, their, their entire persona, their entire brand is based on what they do as far as killing is concerned. And so, there are people that go out in the sportsman community and represent the sportsman community in a way that might be pretty damn damaging or damning to the sportsman community in the world of social, in the social media sphere and in the world of non-hunters and non-consumptive users. I agree with all of to be able to we have to be able to have a conversation and even though it might be a minor portion of our community we ought to address it i agree with that yes no i agree with everything you said everything how do you stop it you fucking don't you can't Ah, I don't know that, man. I don't. Okay. I, okay. I think we well, start let's look. Conversations and then we call people out. Okay. Well, who, who, who? Here's where it gets sticky. I got fucking listed as one of those people, and I don't think right. I am. I know that. Okay. So who writes the fucking book, right? Who writes the law book of who's breaking it? The law. Right. So who is going to sit there? And, and, and I don't like I, I, I don't have an issue with Matt. Obviously, obviously, we had a good conversation. I agree with some of the things he says, some of the resolutions, maybe not. Uh, but I agree with what he says. So when somebody like me, who I don't I don't think I'm the bad guy, I'm not saying I'm perfect and I do shit wrong or whatever, but I, I don't think I'm the root of all evil. I certainly don't think I deserve to be on the top 20 worst people for hunting. I did make that list. If I am on that list, who writes the rule book for who goes on that list? And so when we start to do what you what what you think might be possible or whatever is to, you know, weed these people out. How do we go about doing that? What do we what parameters do we follow, right, to do that? And if we get it fucking wrong, what is the potential long-term outcome of that? What negative side happens? Meaning, okay, are there people, everything you listed, I'm not going to go back. Yes, there are people that kill for the greater good of social media, 100%. Okay, how do we, how do we, how do we uh, regulate that, right? I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's possible, right? 
we can regulate amongst our own. We can. But I got regulated, which was weird. So meaning, does the dude that regulated me that lives not too far away in Jackson Hole, he's the one that made the list. If he's the one writing the book, I think it's flawed to a certain degree. Do you think Stephen Rinella is bad for hunting? Rhetorical or you want me to answer? I want you to answer. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I, I actually, even though I disagree with him vehemently on a lot of political stuff, I, I think he's very good. Agree. Okay. Joe Rogan. Is Joe Rogan bad for hunting? Nope. I think he's very good. Cameron Haynes. Same. Okay. I'm going to keep listening. You're going to keep saying the same thing. Same views I have. Are they bad for okay. overcrowding? I think we'd all agree yes. I'm included in the problem. But fuck, that is a fucking very weird optic to look at. But it talks, then we go to strength in numbers. You can't deny their strength in numbers, especially when the numbers are a higher skill set, meaning very articulated, right? Rogan, you, uh, Cam. Well, Cam's not as articulated as someone like, he's more of a get her done, show it guy. Uh, Rennell is very articulate, very good. At, you know, he's he's very, he, you want him in your quarter in a debate, right? Okay. But they yeah. all increase numbers, right, in the field, including myself. Okay, is that what made the list? It's a let's do it for the gram. We're promoting our products. We're doing this. We're doing that. We are also gathering troops, right? We are showing people how to hunt. We are showing hunters not aren't bad. All good things. So do we – who's making that fucking rule book? Because we're all out according to some people's rule book. Uh, I'm out. Cam's out. Rogan's out. Whoever's out. They're all out, right? We don't get right. to hunt anymore. Our fucking peepees are smacked. My phone burns up fucking alive. My computer's gone. I don't get to use any type of digital platform. What is a long-term outcome of that? I think it could be bad. Okay, so, so here's here's where I disagree with what, and I did not read that, read that article. Uh, I, I know of the individual you're speaking to that lives in Wyoming near you. I have not followed any of this stuff. I did not read the article. Um, but I have listened to some of Matt Rinella's stuff, and I have listened to other people that are generally of the left-leaning, impossible, progressive ideology. Some of what – so, again, this is where – this is where my critical thinking kicks in. Is I Not only do I – not only am I going to respond to what they say when they – when someone poses a problem – I want to know what they're thinking as far as where, where are you going? Okay, so, so Matt Rinella may not like All right, everybody, sorry about that. I guess if you talk too much, you can fry a roadcaster. So something happened to where we just lost audio totally, but uh, I think we're good, and uh, we'll try to kick it back off where we we had left off. Chris made a note, so we'll be close, but uh, there may be a little chink in the chain there. So uh, go ahead, Chris. All right, so so part of it was you know the, the criticism of what, what I was getting at is there there are those critics because you made the list of those the whatever bad hunters, and what I wanted to say on that is when I hear someone talking, I want to not only do I want to hear what they have to say, but I really want to see if I can't pick up if, if for instance I, I'm sitting we're, we're sitting here talking about things and we're, we're bitching and complaining or if you know people or we're, we're causing we're we're calling out criticism 
but if we were to if we were to continue the conversation, then then like what the hell is our what what the hell is our solution? Like what what solutions do we offer? That that's a part of that d- dialogue. However, the other part, and this is where when I listen to a Matt Ranella, when I listen to in, in whatever the other guy that shall remain nameless, when I listen to him, and especially with with uh, hunting organizations these days. I want to hear what they have to say, and I'm going to critically look at what they have to say. But in in that dialogue, I want to see if I can pick up and 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 key in on what it is their underlying value set that is directing the shape of their conversation. So, for instance, um, let's take Stephen Ranella for a minute. You asked about media, whether I thought that was good or bad or indifferent. I think it's good. Why? When you look at Stephen Ronella, and, and I don't care about his political ideology right now. When you look at Stephen Ronella, what do you come when when you watch him and anybody on the landscape watches him? You're going to come up with two things for his underlying value set. One, he loves the intellectual, spiritual connection of hunting, like. His engagement on the landscape, whether it's trapping, whether it's fishing, whether it's crabbing, whether it's you know squirrel hunting, whether it's going up to you know moose hunting, whatever, doesn't matter. He enjoys that that pursuit and and everything that the the just the entire experience around the physical taking of the animal, but also the experience of pursuing the animal. And then even for him, even the cultural aspects around the pursuit and taking of that critter. And that comes, that value set comes across very, very clearly. But more importantly than that, you also come away with another understanding that while the killing and taking for Steven is very ingrained in who he is, what is also highly valuable to him, what he finds a strong, significant connection is then what can he do with that critter? What 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 can he do with the hide? What can he do with the meat? How can he prepare that meat? How can he explore everything around? He just went out and squirrel hunted, and that was awesome. But now let's see exactly what we can do with that. And his passion for sharing the process of preparing that animal and then being able to consume it, eat it, share it, whatever on landscape. Those things come out, so you get to see him very clearly on the landscape and what his value sets are. Now, if we compare, we contrast you, and I don't mean contrast in a bad way, but I'm just saying, then we look at you. Your critics are going to point to you and say, well, I see on your social media, all I see is a bunch of dead animals, okay? Because you don't have a cooking show. And and quite honestly, sorry, quite honestly, you're not out there, um, showing all the times that you cook dinner or lunch for your employees. You're not out there. You're not in your kitchen showing the preparation of all the meat that you're doing and all that. You're not showing that aspect of, of your life. So people see the optic. Some of these critics will see the optic of what your social media shows, and they will make the assumption that because you don't show it, it doesn't exist. Now, you and I have had a previous conversation before where I, again, where we talk about, let's pull up Aaron Snyder's last 100 posts. What does the average person come away with when they see the last 100 posts of Aaron? What does it, what does it look like? 
there's that uh, optic. Well, here, hold on. I looked as because you talked for like an hour straight, so I had plenty of time. I have twenty <laughs> out of the last hundred, right? Twenty-two dead animal photos. 38 photography photos and some miscellaneous. So I, I don't disagree with you. Okay. All right. Well, so continue and then I'll do my people, thing. Okay. So some people can, can pick the optic and they say, well, Aaron's just out there killing or he's taking pretty pictures and he's killing. And, and, and that's excessive. When I hear the critic, and this is my criticism of the critics, some of these, some of these critics, I hear the critic and I'm going to listen to the critic and I'm going to try to figure out what their value set is. And sometimes, and I'm not going to say this is with the Matt or other people. <clears throat> Some of it is just pure jealousy. Number one. Number two. Some of it does have root in this. And I'm not going to call them this. I'm just going to say there are there are very strong threads, veins of overlap of more of a socialist mindset in the fact that, well, you're taking more than your fair share, and we need to we need to we need to make sure that quite honestly. It turns into you're taking more than your fair share. It's not equitable. It's not. So, I mean, we start getting into these, this ideological mindset, and you can see this pervade in many of these discussions where they have a fundamental different value set on the landscape. And so it starts to translate into I'm critical of what you're doing, but then when you get to well, what do we do about it? Well, what we do about it is we restrict. And again, this is where I, 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 I know that we might have to restrict tags in other places just by sheer default. I know that we can have a discussion about should other hunters be in other states. And I know, but again, this is where I go back to, I'd really like to try to do something else other than restrict in the first, in the, in the short term. Some people just go straight to top down regulatory oversight and a certain number of people that are smarter than everyone else will make the rules so it's equitable for everyone. That certain people will go top-down, uh, a heavy-handed federal agency, a heavy-handed state government will make a top-down rule where it's fair for everyone else because everyone needs to be equal. This is where I, die. This is where I deviate. I might agree with what they're saying, and I might agree with their criticism, but this is where I deviate from their value set. And this is where I deviate, especially when they start talking about solutions. So with that, and I'm not worried about the critic portion of this, cause it's, you're always going to have critics. It doesn't really matter. Um, but what, what, what maybe I say my concern, but like, okay, you, you, you're, you're blasting all of these people. I'm, I'm one of them. I got it right. I get blasted all the time. I can read about myself on any forum. Um, why are you blasting? Okay, Chris brought that up. The optics, right? My last however many posts, there's dead shit and photo. Okay. I, and I don't post, maybe once every two weeks, I'll post a steak or something. That's generally because I'm out fucking with my dogs cooking and I'm like, oh, I should post this moose or whatever. But yeah, I don't have, I, you know, I just did a podcast with a chef stating this is not my thing. I don't talk about it. I cook steak. I eat burgers. 
I'm not making fucking bone broth and shit, right? My wife does that. That's her thing. Right. But that doesn't, right. that doesn't, right. it, to me, it was always implied. Of course I eat it, but I get it, right? You got to show it because it's social. Doesn't change anything, their views towards me. Because look at Ranella. He shows it and he was fucking number one, right? He, he was crushing it, right? He is the worst motherfucker in their mind on the planet. He cooks every day. So the optics, for what you just mentioned, is fucking negligible. Doesn't matter. Because he's on the list too. And he and he's number one, right? Or two, or whatever he was. I'm on the list and I don't show cooking. I'm still on the list too, amongst many others. And this is a list from some people really don't even know who the fuck this guy is. I I, I, I know his name and I'm sure I'll run into him. We right. can chit chat. Hopefully we can have like an adult conversation. I'm sure he's a nice enough guy. But what is the problem? Overcrowding. Is it, okay, well, like Matt, okay, it's social media. Motherfucker, you use Onyx. So do I. Okay, that's worse than social media or just as bad, right? That that makes someone right. not skilled in the wild at all. So, again, what I go back to, limiting the amount of tags, right? Limit You, get, you have to, right? I mean, that's my solution, and I hate to say that because I love public land and for the people to come out. Social media is not going away, I don't think, or at least not for a while. Okay, the ability to come hunt out west, right? That's not going away unless we hit poverty and it's not going to matter anyway, right? I mean, you know what I mean? Like tile, the entire collapse of our no, normal social lifestyle. Next year, okay, 2024. What is going to change 2024? What What do you think would change 2024, the greatest amount fairly quickly? Is it shutting off social media? Is it limiting tags? right? Is it making it to where you can only hunt one state? All of the possibilities other than increasing the price of tags and limiting them, limiting them, I feel have a greater negative impact, meaning I can only hunt one state. Think about how much, dude, I eat like a fucking horse. All the local restaurants love when I come, right? I stay at a hotel. I'm eating food like crazy. I'm helping the local town. Okay. The, the I, I'm not buying a tag, right? So then there's less money going to the state, right? There's uh, many, many things. Increasing the price, not an incredible amount for locals, but increasing that. Lowering the amount of people that can go each unit. That can help. And I again, I hate to say it, bringing up my roots from, from, from birth, basically, of a public land over the counter, all of the other optics I look through, all of the other avenues, I mean, I look through have a larger negative impact than they do a positive. Tomorrow, we we, we, we killed Joe Rogan on social media for hunting. Can't talk about it. Cam is gone. Uh, you know what? We can list all the people. Does that really help? I don't think so. To me. No, I, and, it, and, I, and I agree with you. And this goes back to. The two things that I, I'm going to, again, I'm going to pull a Jen Saki and I'm going to circle back <laughs> here that, that, <laughs> that a lot of, so a lot of what is driven, I, I, this is my opinion, a lot of what's driven some of the critical, <clears throat> the critical evaluations of sportsmen and why I think it, it didn't, it, some of it gets no traction is some of the criticism stems from that, um, that the equity, the, well, quite honestly, it's, it's selfishness. And, you know, if you listen to some of the criticism that Matt had articulated was, you know, there's too many people in the landscape, it's eroding my hunt. It's not, there's not enough games. It, it all stems to 
I'm not having, I'm not enjoying myself as much as I want to. Therefore, other people need to to be restricted so that way I can have a better hunt. Yeah, I now, call, I'm, I'm not saying I called it a socialist that, mentality on the podcast. 100%. It's, yeah. one, it's, it's 100%. I agree with you because many of the, again, this is where we go. We continue down the list of, or, or the, the progression of, okay, what's your angst? What are you upset about? Well, I'm not having X, Y, Z. Okay, so what's your solution? Then everyone else is made equal. And everyone is made equal by suppressing everyone. We can't build everyone up. We can't make give everyone a tag in every Western state. And we can't provide, at the moment, an elk for everybody to, to, to take home. So rather than to build people up and build the, the, the productivity of our habitat up, we are going to go top down and we are going to suppress all those with ability, all those with means, all those with skill sets that are made, we're going to suppress everyone and everyone is going to be reduced down to the lowest common denominator. That is what I fucking hate. So my criticism, and again, okay, so this is why, and I know you're not going this route, but some people want to go that route. And the root of their criticism is, in my opinion, that jealousy, okay? My criticism of it is not so much from the jealousy. My criticism is what's the long term and how do we bring more people into this fold in a functioning manner? And how do we keep our lifestyle on the, long, on the landscape in the long run? And when I look at, and I'm not, I'm not punching you in the nuts again, I'm just saying when we look at, uh, we need to limit licenses. To me, I, okay, that might be what needs to, if you have a wound on your arm, you need to bandage it. Okay, you got to stop the bleeding and you got to bandage it. But then you're gonna do, you're gonna do things to hopefully let your body heal. Unfortunately, I look at limiting licenses simply as a band aid on a on a deeper problem. No, I and, now and I, I want to make sure I'm and, and I don't clear on this. I agree with you. I just don't think it can be done. I agree well, with what you're saying. Thing. So, okay, well, here's the thing. So then. Let's take Colorado Unit 45 for a minute, or whatever that assemblage of units is around the Vale Valley and, and 45, 4, 4, whatever, 444. I don't know. Anyway, 45, 30. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. We used to fucking hunt it, and it sucks now. But go ahead. Okay, exactly, exactly. That okay. That's where I worked on the Upper Eagle River elk study. That's where I cut my teeth on my passion for elk. Okay. I've hunted, I hunted it for years and there was places in there. I, well, hell I'm looking at one right on the, I'm looking at a bull right above me right now, 341. That was from that area. There's just, it was freaking epic. It used to be an epic place to hunt. Now it's shit. Okay. And it's, it's the, it's the, the, the focus of uh, study, blah, 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 blah. But more importantly, it's been made a limited draw unit. They cut the tags out of that unit. All right. But the unit is not any better than it used to be. So that's my problem. We can limit the number of hunters in a certain area. Well, how, how long ago, though, in some, how long ago did they lim- did they do that? Uh, it's got to be now, what, three, four years? Uh, was, well, when, uh, it, was pr- it was prior to the last five-year beginning season structure, wasn't it? No, it was after, or was it part of the five-year big game so, structure? So, so, well, and this, you know what? Let's let's uh, we'll touch on what I'm years. about to say in a minute because the amount they limited it might be part of the problem. But go ahead. 
Well, uh, maybe, but I have a friend right now that comes out and hunts with me in Kansas. He still hunts over there. There is no change. Like, and quite honestly, he, he is the, he's like you, he can go wherever the hell he wants. He's got the fitness to do it. And literally he can go anywhere in there. And he normally goes in places where other people are not. And he's not finding shit. He, every year he says it sucks, but he, but it's the area he knows it, it's, it's got some very strong sentimental value to him. So he's going to go back to it. But the fact that he can draw a tag every year tells you what, what you need to know. But the, but the thing yeah, is, it's just say you said they limited it. He can hunt it every year. That's not limiting. <laughs> if right, I put, right. if I go so, from 15 pounds of shit in a 10 pound bucket, and then I go down to 13, there's still a couple of pounds falling out. I didn't really limit a damn thing, you know? So anyway, go ahead. Right. True. But my point is, you see, and this is my criticism on some of the, the topics <clears throat> that some of these organizations and advocates talk about is it's a, it's a, it's a Band-Aid, it's a short-term Band-Aid on a, long ter- uh, on a longer, deeper issue, and no one wants to, to tackle the issue. And so just because you put a political boundary around something or you put a, a regulatory um, uh, mechanism over top of something, it doesn't mean that they have it. Let, okay, let's take, okay, let's take 45 for a minute, and then let's take, you know the unit I was hunting in this past year, okay? You hunted the unit that I was in this year extensively. So let's take both of those units. One is over, what used to be over the counter, and the other one is has always been limited draw. All right. So in forty five, one of the content, one of the things that that Brian and other people have brought up to me repeatedly, and the last time I was in there, I saw the same thing, was the fact that there are more moose in some of the places where there used to be elk than there are elk nowadays. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Where I okay. So where I was this year, and I guarantee you know some of these areas, there, so I met a gentleman, Rick was his first name. He lives in Bailey. He has been, he's hunted this particular limited draw unit uh, for just stupid amounts of years. And he came to my camp and was like, dude, are you seeing anything? And I'm like, this is my, I've never been here in my life. I've, and he's like, I've hunted here for the past 25 years. And this is the worst year I've seen, number one. Number two, we started talking. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The elk population seems to be decreasing every year. And he goes, I think it's because of moose. There's more and more moose on the landscape. It's more and more moose. There's more and more competition. It's pushing the elk out. and It's causing problems, blah, 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 blah. And I, raised, I said, okay, is it, is it the fact that there's mo- more moose in here? And the moose are moving in, pushing the elk out. I said, or, for instance, there's a big park area that we, we were talking about. You know where it is. He, he and I were talking about it. He's like, yeah, I used to be go, able to go up there to that large park, just this big hanging bench, big park area. He goes, man, you'd go up there in the morning, and there'd be 300 elk out there and just screaming their heads, a couple different herds, and all those screaming their heads, and just, it used to be epic. He used to be able to glass across that, and, he, and I'm like, hold on a minute. I just came from that meadow or that big park area. There were elk in there, but I couldn't glass across it. We could barely see through the willows. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, those willows were ankle high, knee high, and it was mostly grass. And I said, okay, and now what is it? He goes, shit, there's willows there. I said, the willows are 10 feet tall. I said, so is it, and I, and I ran into moose in there. I said, is it, the, is it because, is it 
are elk leaving this area because moose are coming in and pushing the elk out? Or is the habitat maturing and the willows grew to the point where they were over the top of the elk's head? So the elk no longer had the amount of forage and quality of forage as they used to. So the, the elk moved to an area where they had better forage. And guess what? A moose can utilize a six-foot willow, eight-foot willow. So did the, did the moose push the elk out or did the habitat push the elk out and moose backfilled the void? And I see that in, you can look at the in places in 45 and other places where you're getting more and more moose, but you look at where there's more and more moose, it's because the habitat is changing. And so this is why I said, okay, because 45 is just a shit show or whatever, what that assemblage of units where the elk population is crashing, there's no freaking calf recruitment on the elk population, which again, secondary discussion on predators there, just because we're going to make it limited. Or let's even say we reduce the hunter numbers by half. Who gives a shit? The habitat is not producing the animals that they were. So even if Matt or or anybody else is critical of the of the the non-resident hunter jumping around, again, I uh, this is where I don't have my own head wrapped around it. Yes, I think non-resident hunters jumping from state to state to state and buying multiple tags, I think it does contribute to harvest, and I do I do think it does contribute to hunter crowding. But the issue that I have is, I, is it because there's no room for the hunter or is it because there's not enough critters on the landscape to sustain the, 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 the carrying capacity of the hunter? Well, here, here's where sense? it gets difficult. Yeah, it, no, it makes sense. Here's where it's difficult is why is unit 201 coveted? No, just number of elk and the size and the age class. Okay. That takes a lot of twenty some points. Okay, go to a lower one. Why right. does unit I don't I don't know uh, uh, sixty one and seventy six? Unbelievable amount of elk. Very hard to draw. Right. If you go off of that, you can't argue with the fact if you limit numbers, it's going to get better eventually because all high point units <clears throat> can generally be an amazing hunt because of the amount of elk. Now. With what you're talking about, I get the predators, moose. There's a shit ton of moose in both the units you've listed. I, I would say a multiplier of 10 where it was six, ten, six to 10 years ago, right? Like right. one of the units right. you discussed, I guarantee I saw far more Pope and Young moose than I did uh, Pope and Young elk uh, at one time, which I can say that unit 45 because yeah. I didn't see any elk yeah. and I saw a shitload of moose. Some of them were... Colorado's producing some big moose. We don't need to talk about moose. But right. none of that shit has to do with some of the most well-known people in the outdoor industry hurting that those areas. I, I do know in the unit you were talking about this year, there was four very well-known people, three of them fucked up your hunt and my other buddies, running through the oh, book, yeah. running, screaming on fucking bugles, not knowing how to hunt it, running through like what, I mean, the honey hole, my honey hole had three very fucking well-known social media people on it. One of them is a world champion type caller. I don't know if right. they killed an elk or not, but I knew the unit well enough. I gave you your info. I gave my other buddy. I'm like, hey, go over here. You could have killed an elk. He did kill, I don't know, 340 bull, 350 bull. Was that social media that did that? I'd be interested to ask those guys. Like, did you figure that out from my page? Or did you come hunting because I do? I know they don't come hunting because I was hunting. But they figured it out somehow. I would say that uh, 
digital uh, mapping software had more to do with it than social media because those guys are all pipe hitter hunters anyway. They're smart. They figured it out off Onyx and hard work. Okay. 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 Hold on a minute though. Can I, can I challenge, can I challenge you here? And this is all right. This is, um, um, give me a second. Um, cause I'm trying to, I, I don't like talking about people. Okay, I'm going to talk about a certain individual. I'm not going to name his names, and I'm and I'm not going to. I'm just going to use him as an example. Okay, it's a it's a person that you're talking about. All right, that is that. So, the, uh, one of the one of the individuals you're talking about in that unit is a very accomplished elk hunter, very uh, an accomplished elk caller, and has killed some really good bulls in that unit. Right. Yes, yeah. no? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't okay. mind mentioning. I mean, I'm not going to mention his name, but I'm not, I, neither you or I are saying anything right. negative about no, it. No, but, but this I, is fact. What I'm getting is, but I'm going to be critical of this individual and, and, and honestly understanding that he doesn't have this individual is not going to have an opportunity to rebut back. And, and I, that's what sucks about it. So, but the, the thing that I'm saying is this so I know this individual. I know what this in- individual has done and performed on the landscape in the past. I know what this individual's standard is for his own personal hunts that I've literally witnessed in the past. However, this year, it was a difficult fuck. It was just a freaking brutal year. Okay. Number one. Number two, this year, this person was tied into uh, making videos, making a film. Okay, so he had a he had cameraman with him, to where all of a sudden that's a change in the the standard operating procedure on his normal hunts. What I, what I've witnessed, the first bull they killed was what I would argue substandard for what he normally takes and what he normally values. Okay. Um, I'm texting. I'm I'm responding to something here in a minute. Sorry. So I've seen what the, I've seen what this hunter does individually on his own by himself across years, and it his his standards seem to be a certain level. And then I watched what happened this year, and I couldn't help but wonder. I'm like, would that he they they killed an elk? And I can't help but wonder whether or not this would go back to the social media, whether or not they would have, he would have actually sent that arrow had there not been a camera crew with him. Now, again, this is where we, we tie, we tie back into social media. The guy's good. I, I know he has the skill set, and he and he he was he was hunting with other people that he was sharing the hunt experience with. He was going to pro, quote unquote guide. I'm not saying from a paid guide. I'm just saying he's taking them with him on a community hunt, and and he's going to do the calling, and he's going to so he's sharing the experience with him. And the guy's good, but I watched what kind of unfolded, and and I I was left with the impression I'm like, damn it, man, I don't think you would have gone and killed that animal had it not been you felt the pressure to perform in front of a camera. Now, I might be wrong, but 
again, I don't know why, I, I, I can't remember why I segued to that. It, it goes back to what we were talking about, just people just burning across the landscape. It, th- again, this is, I don't know, man. I, I, I lost my train of thought there. I apologize. No, no, but I'll anyway, bring you back on your train of thought. I brought up that that area, was it overcrowded this year from social media or mapping software? Because these guys know what they're doing. You brought back the point media. of, oh, uh, yes, you're, they, they may have made that, uh, yeah. they may have killed that animal because they needed to post it. Yes. I, I, I feel I, if, if I, if, if I was ever to have a conversation and, and I, here's the problem, there's going to be pride. There's going to be egos. There's going to be posturing. There's going to be status. There's going to be all sorts of things that, but if, if I, if I was really truly rooted in friendship with this individual and I could actually have an honest conversation, I, based on what I saw unfold, man, it just, I, 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 and I'm not being, uh, okay. I'm being critical from a standpoint of me. I just shared the situation of me and the pronghorn. I looked at the situation and I watched it. I'm like, fuck me, man. He's going down the same damn road that I started down. And I know it doesn't end well. And, and the the problem is, is I don't know. I I don't know. I, 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 I I don't know. I, it just, I, social media puts such a pressure on people to perform not only for themselves and their own brand, but it also puts us uh, uh, there. There's such a tribe mentality these days and a, and a, a cult following of a, 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 whether it's, whether it's a company, whether it's an individual, you know, people, let, let's just say, I mean, you've got a massive following and there are people that want to, they, they like you, they look up to you. They, they want to be a part of your quote unquote tribe. And, and they're going to try to aspire to be like you, and they're going to act on the landscape in a manner that they hope that can emulate you and, and, and re- reflect that. So in that tribe, there are going to be people that are going to try to aspire and do things. The, the problem is, is social media exacerbates that. And so I watch people on the landscape. And this go again. This goes back to what what Ronella was talking about is, you know, people going to multiple different states, going to different place, different areas. <sighs> Talk to me, man. I I I I know. I I, I anyway. I got. I, uh, I I I lost my. I I kind of lost my. Well. I'll, anyway. Let me let me add a few things here because like when we're the the individual we're talking about, a good dude, good hunter. Bringing it kind of back to where we've talked about a ton of different stuff before we move on to the next subject with this is mapping software bad for hunting. It's good and bad, but it's bad for crowding because you can, you don't have to do very much work. Okay. So then you look at social media, the urge to post killing that, you know, whatever. Yes, that can be bad. Emulate. Emulate. Right. Yep. With, with all of this, though, like in many other things that we've talked about, with all of this, the the bottom line, which what Matt is talking about, is overcrowding. And you brought up the fact limiting the amount of people may not increase the amount of elk, or not for quite some time, because of other reasons that we'll discuss those later. So if if uh, that's not the case you know or 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 if limiting the tags isn't the case because you can't you know the elk aren't there then there is no option to do your theory of pass them up because there's nothing there to pass correct well, uh, it ish like for well ish ish 
Okay, well, if there there is elk there, you cannot deny that if you kill less of them, more will grow up. Okay, okay, okay. Then 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 let me flip it back on you. Then then let's do this. Why don't we do what what we saw Eastern United States do for a period of time? Colorado, in my opinion, has been the, the number one bullshit rule of all time. It needs to be a four point or better. But oh, by the way, it's not a four point as long as it has what a five inch eye guard. It's a yeah. legal. It's a legal bull. Dude, it might be three about, inches. It's not much. I think it's five inches, but it doesn't matter. It's it it it. it, it if it has a, a, a freaking small eye guard, it's now a legal bull. So you can have a two by two that has an eye guard and you're, you're fine. So here's the question. Then what if we say, okay, it has to be a legitimate five by five or better it, or, or more importantly, this we didn't have, we, and, and I, and I already know the criticisms in my head. I'm just going to pitch this out there. And we, and if people want to have this criticism later, we can discuss it, but how about we make it at each it's now over the counter but the only legal bull on the landscape is a five by five or better. Now you just bumped up an age class. What about that? You can still, it's over the counter. You can still go out and hunt, but now we, now we allow the, the youngest of the year to get one more year under their belt. What about that? Well, here's what I think to do that is it would have to be, um, it would have to be a law. For it to make a big difference. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, you know, yeah, one hundred percent. I'm, I'm talking from a state aid, state regulatory agency, rather than shut down, um, a, an over-the-counter unit because there's too high of harvest. How about rather than exclude people from the landscape? How about we just allow those animals to get older one more year? We're, we're going, we're going halfway between what you and I both want. If, if you think there needs to be a regulatory mechanism in order to be the Band-Aid right now to increase hunter, hunter experience, hunter quality experience, then if oh, we're going to say uh, a regulatory mechanism, no, an administrative. 100% what? I agree with you. Yeah, no, fuck. That's, that fixes okay. problems. So, yeah. Okay. And, and you still have the ability to have an over-accounting unit and you're, you're arbitrary because you're restricting the type of bull that you can kill. You are restricting the harvest, you know, the take on that. So would that not be a good first step rather than just saying, okay, make everything limited? No, I think so. And I, I think as I say that there should be some limited because they just fuck the fucking unit is, is hammered, right? Some of it needs to be limited, just mismanagement. And and that has nothing to do with social media or, or anything else. That just right. has to do, right. Chris and I walked around the woods for a month and there ain't no fucking elk here, right? That portion is separate. Right. Exactly. Yeah, no, no, I would I would and agree then, agree with that. Yeah, 100%. And then Chris goes back to, okay, I'm walking around the woods and there's no fucking elk here because all the willows are 10 feet tall and decadent and this entire area needs to burn or this entire area needs a habitat improvement project. So how about... We go, we, you know, you could sit there and we could say, we go to the Fed, you know, the, the, the forest service, we say, okay, well, the forest service needs to do a better job. Dude, the forest service can't even freaking handle maintenance, let alone freaking. Yeah. They don't have enough money. Yeah. They need more money. Right. So here we go. It's like, okay, if you want, this is where, if the Western public land hunter says, I want free access, I I demand access. I'm going to suck on the teeth of the, of the, the federal welfare of making public land accessible to me. If we're going to.
You want, me to, you want me to just jump in? All right, we're back. Sorry about that. I ran out of Skype credit. That happens. Chris knows where we were at, so go ahead, Chris. <laughs> All right. So it cut out. What I was talking about is, you know, we, it, for there are people. Okay, so we're talking about the you know limited. You're trying to whatever. We're talking about for those people where I left off was, you know, for the for the Western public land hunter that sits there and says, I, I want to have free access. I don't want to be restricted on the landscape. I want to be able to hunt every year. I want to be able to access the public lands every year. It's my land. It's, 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 I have a right to the landscape. Okay, fine. If that's the case, then why do we not see if, if and especially if the Western public land hunter is going, especially now with a, with a newer generation of hunters and the newer, younger generation of people out there being influenced by some of these sportsmen's organizations, quote unquote, sportsmen's organizations saying that we need to stand on the North American model of wildlife conservation, blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. Again, the, that the North American model of wildlife conservation is a user pay, user benefit, U- user pay. And we stand on the, on that pedestal of moral righteousness that hunters are paying for conservation. But I think we can all see that we're not paying for habitat shit, like really. So what you and I were talking about on the phone that day was the fact that, you know, you, and you brought this up with John Pincha on your, your, your uh, discussion, like antlers, shed hunting, like, a, 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 an antler falls on the ground and, and it, you know, people want to go pick it up. Now the state is going to make the argument, well, that is an animal product and we can, we can set a season for shed hunting or we, whatever we want to do. But you brought up the, like, why don't, why don't you have to pay to go up and do shed hunting? And what I snowballed off of was like, okay, well we can take the idea of shed hunting because they, I'm sorry, national forests, I'm sorry, national parks hold that a shed antler, is a forest product. It came from it, it was it came from originated on and was shed and fell back onto federal public land. Therefore, in a national park, no, you can't go over and pick up that shed. Now, the Forest Service has not made that rule yet that you can't do that. But if I want to go get firewood for my home, I can't just go on the national forest and just start cutting shit down, even if it's dead. I can't go into a beetle kill blowdown area and just start cutting firewood. Even though it's dead, down, woody material that's doing nothing, quote unquote, I, I, don't, I don't have the regulatory authority and the right or the privilege to just go in there and do it. What do I need to do? I need to go to the Forest Service and first and foremost ask if they even have a firewood cutting policy in this particular area. If they do, I need to follow the rules for access to that firewood resource, and then I need to pay. I need to pay for a permit. It's, it's a cheap permit, but I still need to pay to remove a forest product from the landscape. If I want to go down and cut a Christmas tree down, I can't just go into the, the national forest and cut down a tree. I, even though I might go into an Aspen stand and we have pine encroachment in that Aspen stand and the amount of pine or fir trees that are, that are, that are in, they're growing in those, Aspen sands are literally choking out and killing the aspen and the, the pine and fir tree encroachment needs to be controlled. I still don't even, even though I could be doing some ecological benefit on the landscape, I still cannot go in and cut a tree down. And if I do, I need to make sure I'm within the regulatory structure around the forest service management plan. And then I still need to pay for access to that forest product. So if we're going to sit there and we, we're going to we're, we're going to look back on the the the, the beautiful unbelievable wisdom of uh, 
Pittman, Robertson, Dingle, and Johnson, and, and those people before us that set, a, set apart or set forth the North American model of wildlife conservation. Why do we not see a movement of sportsmen these days if we're going to bitch and complain that our public lands are getting overrun with people and they are not as enjoyable, they're not as productive as, and I'm going to make the argument again, go back to my argument of the carrying capacity of sportsmen. If we're going to bitch and complain that our population of animals is not what it could be or used to be, and we want more to encourage more use, and I can argue consumptive use, but a, a parallel and an extent or an extension of the argument can be made. This would benefit all users. If, if, if somebody wants to be a leaf peeper and go out there and take pictures of, of aspen trees in the fall and there's elk screaming all over, would that not be a value added to that experience on the landscape? I think it would. So where is, where is the cultural shift and mature maturation and vision of the Western public land hunter that says, I've got to pay $700 to even have a chance at, at going and hunting for five days to maybe take an elk. Why do I not have a fee that I have to pay to the Forest Service that goes straight to the Forest Service? And quite honestly, I would make the argument that you set the damn thing up exactly like Pittman, Robertson, Dingle, Johnson, where that fund is not going into the general fund of the agency. It's, it's not going to the general federal federal uh, general fund. It's going to an earmarked fund for that forest. Now, we can have an argument whether it has to be forest service, forest uh Forest specific means you've got Pike National Forest, Arapaho, Roosevelt, uh, <clears throat> Tonto, uh, Kaibab. You, you pick your national forest, right? In Colorado, I think there's what, 14, or I don't remember how many there are. Yeah, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of different forests. So I don't know if it's a one fee and it goes for everything, or like a filming permit. And this, I, I freaking hate these things too. So this is where I'm conflicted. Again, I'm not offering answers. I'm just wrap, trying to wrap my head around solutions here. I hate the freaking idea that, you know, me with an iPhone and a small handheld camera, a GoPro, if I want to film it and I, and I want to use it for my business and I want to put it on, you know, monetize a video on you on YouTube, I've got to go to the forest service and get a commercial use permit and well, pay thousands of dollars in some cases. That seems egregious to me. Yeah. And I mean, but, this is, this is far off the social media thing, which is good. Cause we need to get off that subject anyway. It could, ish, it, ish, ish. Uh, I, I will argue. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, what, what I'm about to say. Yeah, no, what I'm about to say. Oh. Yeah, no, I get okay. what you No, I think that um, when you go to buy a, a hunting license, right, there is a portion of, you know, you got to pay it. There's a duck stamp, all kinds of other shit. I don't, I don't think that stamp. habitat stamp. Uh, yeah, habitat stamp. I don't think it's a horrible idea to, when I was talking about price increases, I left that very general, right? I just said price increase. That 30 to $50 if your tag was 50 and that goes to the state that there's another 30 to 50, maybe a, a you know, equal match, right? $50 for in-state 50 goes to, you know, you have another 50 that goes to the forest service and there's more to it than just uh, more problems to the forest service than, than just um, 
habitat issues. When I say that, meaning trail crews, right? There's no more trail crews to speak of. So the trails are all fucked up. A lot of different ones. I was on a trail crew when I was younger. Um, you know, you look at also, you know, how everything's funded and everything else. You you look at, you have hotshot crews, uh, you have smoke jumpers, you have all these wild, like, you know, firefighters. There is a, there, there is, um, a, a actual benefit when you look at different things on the forest service side of things far above just hunting. Um, and, and they need the funding. So with what I'm saying is I don't think for a push for that, it would be too big of an ask. And when I, when I, when I say too big of an ask, if I really like being out in the outdoors and you talk about, like you said, that welfare mentality, I, I don't think that that um, it's too much of a ask to ask for another 50 or or $100 to help the Forest Service out because they fucking need it badly. And, and I'm not – okay, <clears throat> so this is where I will gut myself in this discussion and say, uh, hey, I understand that there are some people that their economic footprint, they're on vapors, okay, that they, they are <clears> – they any added cost to – getting into the field is, is, is a potential additional impediment. And I understand that hundred percent. However, if we were able, and again, and I'm going to, I'm going to get to the forest service regulatory side here in a second. If we were able to move the needle on functioning habitats and better productivity of habitats, then I would argue the money that the, the additional money that is a hardship financially to some people, then translate into more efficient use on the landscape. And this, I think you touched on this before. <clears throat> if we had more critters on the landscape, would we have to spend seven days in the field or two weeks in the field trying to get it done? Or could we get it done? Could well, we fill a tag in three days? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I was going to hit that in a little bit. But we can hit that now. If you just run well, numbers, let, let right? Me, oh, pa- go ahead. Yeah, pa- pa- pause a minute. Because I, I will also recognize, and this is where a bunch of people are screaming on their phones right now, they're saying, well, just th- – and I'm this guy, okay? I'm the guy that says just throwing money at a problem does not mean you're going to fix the problem, all right? So I understand. There's some issues within the federal system that would have to be – this would have to be a larger conversation. But why aren't sportsmen leading this? And why aren't sportsmen's organizations leading this, number one? Number two, if it was set up like the Pittman-Robertson-Dingle-Johnson, where it was an earmarked fund that could not be used for anything else but creating product, you know, younger, more productive habitats. It can't go to trails. It can't go to campgrounds. It can't go to blah, 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 blah. Fine. I think that helps some of it. So I'm not lost on the fact that there are, there's a series of broken things in the federal agencies I'm not a big federal guy anyway. I, I'm not a big federal top-down type of guy anyway. But, again, something needs to happen on our western landscapes for productivity of habitats and the long-term health of the ecosystem and, I think, the long-term survival of the hunting way of life, especially out west. Okay, so you go ahead, Aaron. Go. So one of the things I brought up to to Chris before, and, and, and we all get stuck in our own, you know, we'll hear a five-minute conversation or we'll listen to a five-minute conversation, we hear 30 seconds of it and hyper-focus on that. Generally, that's right. negative shit that you're hyper-focused on. What, what right. you know, increased price, fuck you, Snyder. And it's like, okay, well, hold on. Like, like listen to everything I have to say. If you run the numbers, right, uh, one of the beauties of some of these higher draw units or limited tag units is that, you know, you, you got to have a lot better chance killing an elk, right? And so... 
if you look at it in the sense, if you asked me, and, and Chris has known me a long time, I was on a row, you know, they weren't all giant elk by any stretch, but one of the units we talked about, I think three years in a row, I killed a bull and a cow each year in the same unit. So good, good hunting. Um, and we're leaving trophy potential out of here, right? We're just going to say a decent elk and, and, and call it that. It, rewind, ask me 10 years ago, Aaron, how long would it take you to go into a public land area in Colorado, kill an elk? I'd say five days. And that's proven. That's generally what it took me. And that was any elk, right? Just an elk. But some of those were small bulls, cows, whatever. Okay, now you ask me today, how long would it take you? I would say if I was lucky, two weeks could take the whole month. So what I was bringing up to that, if I was an accountant, right? I'm a bean counter. If we added an extra $200 to a $50 elk tag for an in-state hunter, 250 bucks, an out-of-state hunter, we'll talk about that in a different conversation, but adding that, knowing now that I can legitimately in two weekends without taking any time off or a day or two, take an elk. In comparison to now, I have to take maybe two weeks off. If what we're talking about from that price increase increases well, everything, your general experience, right? But numbers of animals, right? You would actually be saving money unless you just want to take time off to be in the woods, which is free, basically. You can go hike whenever you want. And so that was one of the arguments I had with, some, not arguments, I had with someone else I was talking with, including Chris, was if you're just looking out to go out there and try to get an animal on the ground in a very short period of time because you are financially strapped, you actually have a lot better chance of doing it with what we're talking about if you can increase the numbers by charging more. It's an argument to be made. I'm not saying it's right. Mathematically, though, it does make sense if you just run numbers. And Chris, I'll ask you, 10 and 15 years ago in Colorado, what were your chances on an over-the-counter tag to kill a an, an elk? For where I was hunting in my skill set, I would say it was high. Um, if, if I did not self-regulate on the type of animal I wanted to kill, it would have been pretty much I could have killed an elk almost every year within a week. Within a, within, within a seven-day hunt window, I could have killed an elk every pretty much probably eight or nine, probably nine times out of ten years. Yes. Okay. And most of those years or every three, you killed a very good elk or decent elk. An elk of age. Right. Right. That was that that was just my point. And when I Sure. Knowing sure. now, you know, and everybody, not everybody, most people listening know my story, right? I didn't have a lot of money until recently I started to have some money. And so I can afford a landowner tag now. I can put some money into hunts. Not a ton. I'm not going on a doll sheep hunt. But I paid for a landowner tag the last couple of years and I had a limited entry tag that I drew three years ago. Um, I would pay a large amount of money to be able to do that. And when I say that, meaning when people are listening to this, they'll hear, oh, you're a rich man sport type of a thing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact I can't afford it now. Not everyone can. And, and this isn't a socialist type of conversation where everyone's equal because we're not all equal. Some people just flat fucking work harder than others. I'm not saying I did. I'm just saying we can't drive Lamborghinis and own fucking, you know, 5,700 square foot houses. Some of us have to live in a shitty little apartment like I did. But if we can get some of that other stuff back to the lower income people 
and like I was for many, many years to where they have that great experience, it's worthwhile to take that step, which is everything Chris and I are talking about it. And quite honestly, it might save you money anyway, by what I just talked about. Right. And, and for me, the biggest important part of there, and this goes back to what, you know, the criticism of social media and those people like you, you evil bastard, going multiple states, killing a whole shit pile of animals. <clears throat> it, if we're talking about more money hitting the ground, I think there's a hell of a lot more. If you're talking about more money hitting the ground just to make things more fair or more equitable, or we're going to take more money and give it to the agency to have discretion to whatever the hell, it, you know, to get more game wardens or buy better computers or buy new trucks. I no, I don't. I no. Fuck a bunch of that. I don't think a lot of people are going to be on board with that at all. If, however, we're talking about we are going to move the needle on the productivity of the habitat. Get, get better game populations, more critters on the landscape. I think you get more movement behind that, but you're, you're still going to get people that are going to pitch and bitch and complain about it. The, the question is, is long term, how do we how do we save this lifestyle? Because I'm, I'm uh, unfortunately it, that I'm sorry, it is a lifestyle. It, it, it's a it's a choice that we have that some people believe we don't need to exercise. We don't need because honestly, Aaron, and this is the other thing, and I don't. We can go wherever you want to go with it. I, I know you've got other things, but I heard you part of your discussion with with Matt and about you know the the, the fact that you're hunting multiple states and killing a shit ton of animals. Part if I was to play devil's advocate, or if I wanted to be critical, I would say, okay, that's that's fine, Aaron. Yes, you're eating all those animals. Yes, you're sharing all those animals with neighbors, friends, employees. I mean, you're, you're, every ounce of that is getting put out on the landscape in a, in a constructive, not only legal way, but a very generous way. Um, fuck was my point? Uh, you were talking about being devil's, devil's advocate. Oh, 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 yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Jeez, man. Sorry. Um, age, age and wine. Right, right. <laughs> so the thing is, though, I could make the part of that, though, your response, though, I could say that's beside the point, that that's irrelevant. What you do with the meat is irrelevant to why you hunt. Because quite honestly, I don't think Aaron Snyder is going out on the landscape and buying multiple tags all over the place because he's like, fucking shit. Um I only have two freezers full, and that means I am not going to be able to, to make lunch for my guys at the office. Oh, fuck. I'm, I'm gonna just going to have to suck it up, and I'm going to have to go kill. I, I got I, I to suck it up and go somewhere and, and, and kill another critter to put some meat in the freezer. I don't think that's why you hunt. No, fuck because no. Otherwise, if, no, if, it's if, an ancillary benefit. Right, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so exactly. So you enjoy the hunt. You enjoy the chase. You, you enjoy the the engagement on the landscape and that intellectual battle, if you will, between you and the critter and that, that, that fundamental genetic calling that you have as a hunter. It just happens to be that you are doing great things with the meat that you're having because, and this is the other thing that the, the complaint and criticism I have of some sportsmen these days in, in these public arguments that, you, and, I, and I'm not, again, I'm going to use you, but it's a broader example. When someone criticizes going across the landscape and, and killing multiple animals and, and blah, 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 
I really don't like the argument that, oh, I, I do all these things with the meat. I don't give a shit what you do with the meat. I, I want you to make sure that you're doing the illegal thing with the meat and you're, it, the meat is being used. But that's not why you hunt. If, if you were just worried about putting meat on the, on the table for your family or for your, your employees, but based on the amount of money you're paying for tags, landowner vouchers, all the fuel, all the wear and tear and everything else, you could probably do just the same and buy fucking Wagyu beef. Well, maybe, and maybe not, come out ahead. maybe not Wagyu. That shit's expensive, but we'll just say well, beef. Okay. But, <laughs> but you, you could, you could do some fricking prime ass cuts of beef and do the exact same thing, but you're not doing that because why? Because buying the meat is not providing the same intrinsic value that you have. So I was just an aside. It was one thing that came up and it's part just kind of tangential to this conversation. We need to start from a sportsman standpoint, we need to start owning up to exactly why we hunt. Yeah, I don't give a shit about meat. Some of us, meat is part of it, but some people, I don't know. I just when, when criticisms are levied against people that go out state, state, to state, to state, to state, and, and, and hunt a lot, I'm sorry, that person is going out state, to state, to state, and hunting a lot because they love to fucking hunt. And they're go- they have the financial ability to go out there and do it and, and pursue that which gives them passion and it gives them an outlet. And I used the example in a different podcast where when I lived in Berthoud, Colorado, uh, you know, Colorado is, is a playground for hunting, but it's, you know, you're talking about the fall. And when the rest of the year, it's, you know, you got a short window, like September maybe or, or early October when I was hunting. The rest of the year, you, 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 you're, you're stuck unless you get a turkey tag, which Colorado was eh, for turkey hunting. But anyway, I, I, I was really wanting more of an outlet in which to go out and hunt. I, I felt unfulfilled. And so as soon as my neighbor offered an opportunity to get on a goosely, a, a waterfowl lease up by Fort Collins, and he was like, yeah, it's just 250 bucks a year. I was like, holy crap. I jumped headfirst into that damn thing. Never once in my life pretty much have, have you know, goose hunted. But it gave me an opportunity. I went all in. Layout blinds, freaking decoys. We were, I, bought a, I got another buddy of mine in on it. We were digging pits and, and like awesome. I mean, we went all the fuck, well, way in, like all in on the waterfall stuff. And it was freaking awesome. I hate Canada goose. I hate water. I don't like eating them. I had an ethical outlet to dispose of the carcass because I was taking those carcasses to the Rocky Mountain Raptor program and letting the Raptor program use it to feed injured hawks and eagles they were trying to re- to rehabilitate. And the eight in the, the the Division of Wildlife allowed for that donation, and the and the organization was readily accepting of that donation. So that's how I disposed of the carcasses. I wanted nothing to do with the meat. I wanted to get out there and actually just hunt. I live now in a spot where I have access to thousands of acres of good waterfowl habitat. Do you think I pulled the freaking decoys out once? Like, I, I'm literally thinking about selling all my waterfowl shit because I don't give a shit about waterfowl hunting. The only reason why I gave a shit about waterfowl hunting in Colorado because it was the outlet. I needed it to be able to hunt. I had that was it's part of my genetic. That's who I am, and I think we need to start owning that from a hunting community and owning that it it is a lifestyle. It is not a lifestyle that many that other people of society value, and if we're going to be out on the landscape at either either 
advocating for this lifestyle, engaging public lands, you know, out there, whether it's with non-hunters, non-consumptive users, et, et cetera. We're going to have to start having a very, a viscerally real understanding of who we are in the landscape, why, what we do, and what the hell are we actually doing on the landscape, and what we, what are we not? So yeah, and I mean, uh, so with that, and I mean, you bring up uh, good points like with the, the waterfowl, and yeah, I just like to be outdoors. So right, you you enjoy hunting. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, honestly, if if tomorrow somebody said you can't hunt, but you can go travel and do all the same shit, taking photos, I would be just fine. I just like being outdoors. I like, you know, because with the camera, you still got to do the same dumb shit to get cool photos and everything a little bit different. Nothing's hitting the ground. But and I'm not saying I'm renouncing hunting. Right. I'm just saying. I like no. I, I like hunting. I like hunting. I like being outdoors. I like fishing. Um, which neither I'll here. Put, I'll. I'll, I'll... I was going to say, I'll, I'll push back on that. I'll push back on that a little bit because <clears throat> there is something about actually walking up and putting your hands on that animal. I've done it there's a lot. There's, is what I'm, some, I, I didn't right. want to get to this point because it sounds very arrogant. I have done it so much no, now. But, photography would be enough. Okay. So, but, but you do find yourself taking a lot of hunters, don't you? Oh, I would still take them. I just wouldn't be killing myself. Right. <laughs> yeah, I so would be photographing still, their adventure. So, <laughs> Okay, but you're still on the hunt. You're still engaged, and you still want to share it. You still have that visceral. And don't get me wrong. I'm the same way. I, I talked about this as well, that I'm getting to the point now where I don't even give a shit of whether I kill anything. You know, I, honestly, I, I really enjoy growing critters. I enjoy the habitat side of things. And so um, I still take people, and I still go with people, and I still have fun. I, I, I killed <clears throat> two does for my own personal freezer, and it was, it was fun. So um, I don't. I'm getting to the point in my life where I don't need to kill. That's my elk season. I mean, I haven't killed an elk in a couple of years. Every single year I pass numerous animals and I get them on video and I'm like, yep. You know, Danny Simonson went with me last year and he's like, what the freaking hell dude? Like, why did you not shoot that elk? And I'm like, ah, it was fun to call him in and watch it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, this, but go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. This is how fucked up the world is as I know it right now. I thought at one point recently that it would be an amazing experience if I step back from hunting and I did a program where you can, if, uh, you know, you, you know, you, you figure out schedules or whatever. And I, from August 15th to the end of October, November, whatever, um, you know, I would go on a hunt with you and I would help you and whatever, obviously shit I know about, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going to be taking it. I'm not, we're not going after Ibex, right. Or whatever. But I mean, for the most part, I'm going to head in, I'm going to photograph it. I'm going to help you. I'm going to get the adventure. I'm going to get to tutor and help uh, or, or tutor and teach and uh, you d- document it, right? Like, Hey, people will be able to learn from this. And when I say document, I mean film, right? Like I was thinking about this, like film, people could watch, right? And so then immediately it goes to, fuck, I can't handle that type of abuse, right? <laughs> people will bitch. All right. And for and when I say this, I, I get nothing out of this. I'm not, and I'm, I'm not saying that to make myself, you know, say, I got, I would get nothing. I'm, I'm saying it's like, I, I'm not getting to kill anything. I am doing it just to show people the experience. I get to photograph it. I get to teach and, and then document, right? Show everybody like, this is what happened. This is what he learned. This was his triumphs. And this is, his, you know, this is where he stumbled. And then I'm like, well, fuck. 
We're in the same fucking boat I am now. I can't even help people, right? right? Like, <laughs> shit, I'll just get bitched okay. at for fucking doing that. So it's kind of a no-win. Yeah, and, and the funny part about it is, is at least, I mean, you're doing that now, and you don't have any regulatory you know, oversight over you. If you tried to do that, um, especially in Colorado, you'd have to have a, you, you guarantee you'd have to have a guide and outfitter's license if you're going to do it, because otherwise people would bitch and complain. You'd have to have a special use well, I, from the forest. And, or, I, so I, I checked in on it. My, my point is, is I would not need a guide. I wouldn't need a guide and outfitter license. If I don't make well, money, you know, you don't, you, what's that? If you don't make money, you don't have to have a guide and outfitter license. Right. But you, do you really, do you really think that, the, that the out certain outfitters around the area that you'd be operating wouldn't bitch a fit? And do you think for a second that social media wouldn't claim that you're making money and wouldn't, do you, do you think for a second that game wardens and regulatory officials wouldn't be out there going, wait a minute, what the hell? You'd have so many freaking eyes down the back of your fucking neck. It would be, it would just be worth it. For, uh, dude, Which what I, you're talking what I, about. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead, go ahead. But but again, what I brought up in the beginning of this conversation three minutes ago was the shit show that I currently live in. And you just described right. it all like I'm talking about. And again, I'm not trying to so, sound like a savior. I'm like I'm talking about I'm a financial point in my life that in and, and a, and a point in my life to where I want to help more than I am. And that I would be donating my own time, right? I guess we would get publicity if they wore Kafaru packs or something, right? So being honest, you know, or whatever, we would document right, or I'd, right, get, right, I'd right. get content from that. But it would just be to, to, to help, right? Just to get like new, you know, there would be parameters, right? You, you got to be a relatively green or new onset hunter. You have, you know, there's that kind of shit to promote hunting. And then I think, well, fuck and Christ, I'm going to end up on another list for helping. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. so <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this is where, okay. And this is where I go back to, we don't have to keep circling. You know, this is where you have the ability to operate a little bit better on private land, you know, to where, Oh fuck. You think you, you, there is zero you, issues in yeah. the Davis mountains. No one gives a fuck about anything. Cause that's all our land. No problems. Yeah, right. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. You, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, no, that, absolutely. I mean, that's because the, the number of people that would just p absolutely pitch a fit about, especially if you're on public land, especially if you're doing it in over the counter units, especially like, if goddamn it's a goat or sheep. Hunt. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, again, I'm not, I, I wasn't trying to make myself sound whatever, like, the, the, you know, like I'm trying, you know, whatever, I, you know, I'm trying to like, oh, I would do this, this and this. I was, this was just a thought. And you and I have been talking a while of something I had kind of, man, this would be cool, right? I do these seminars, I do whatever. You can enter a drawing, you know, maybe pay five bucks to enter the drawing to, you know, to cover, you know, whatever fuel and shit, but like, I, you know, just spitballing. And then like, I got done and I, I, I you know, with my thoughts and my notes of all this. And I was like, yeah, this is still going to look really fucking bad. I'm still going to be in some people's eyes, which doesn't matter, right? Like, fuck it, whatever. But it, it's kind of the world we live in now to where we talk about um, the social, you have the social media, the YouTube, the what, you know, all of these different things. That's what John and I were talking about. It's not fucking going away ever, like not no. for a long time. Okay, regulating. Who's the regulator? We brought that up. The, the Rob dude or whatever. Like, obviously, he wrote his book, and I suck. And, and Levi and Rennell and Rogan, we all suck. Well, okay, well, then we go to another person's book. 
okay, well, they like new onset hunters promoting hunting, showing it's okay to not, not, I guess the new word is harvest, right? Even though I don't have a fuck you harvest an elk, you kill it or a deer, but whatever that, 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 okay. Those are the good people. Now the ones that the bad people are bitching about or, or however, what side of the fence you're on the, the new onset hunter is actually the good person now you know, in someone else's eyes. So who regulates all this? It's quite confusing. And obviously I step over different lines all the time because I either kill too much, right? Or I post too many photos or whatever. So yesterday I started my new path of starting a photography page to where nobody complain about that unless they just take shitty photos. Because no matter where you are in, in, in the outdoors or whatever, like you're going to eventually get you know, hate. And and I don't really worry about that. But what I do worry about is animal numbers and people's experiences. I want people to be able to see what I saw when I was younger, what you saw when you were younger. That's my main concern. That's what I worry about. I really don't give a fuck who doesn't like me, but I really would like someone coming from Kansas, heading out West, watch Primos videos, which are totally all on fucking private land, but watch Primos videos. And he thinks that's what's going to happen on public and actually have a realistic fucking chance of even seeing elk, let alone shooting one. And that is going away no matter what anybody says, no matter whose fault it is, it is dwindling and it's dwindling in many different areas. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if, if it's not going away from a strict stand, it's being diminished. Yeah, di- diminished. Yep. And But to, to your point, though, Aaron, and I don't know how long you want to keep – I mean, I'll talk as long as you want to talk, and I know everybody loves listening to our seven-hour mar- marathons, but um, you, you kill me when, when you want to kill it. Um, but you, 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 you brought up a couple times, and you said, you know, who regulates? Who makes the rules? Who, 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 who regulates that? I think bottom line, it it has to come down to a self-regulatory type of deal. You have to look at yourself and your own value set and say, okay, how am I, what, what am I, what, what am I put forth? What am I putting forth on the landscape? And am I, am, am I articulating my value set? Well, number one, number two, does my value set draw, you know, um, does it, how do, I don't know. I don't know how I want to say it. It, it, when when someone who doesn't live in this lifestyle and doesn't understand me, if they look at what I do, are they going to be able to relate to what I'm doing and connect with it? Or is it going to push them away? And I say that because you, you kept saying, you know, who regulates? I say self-regulate because I think that's all we can do. Now, and again, most Western public lands hunters have been drummed over the head by all these advocacy groups and hunting groups that, you know, hunting is conservation and, and you know, hashtag public landowner. And, and I stand on the model of, of wildlife, you know, North American model of wildlife conservation. Well, guess what? That was self-imposed. Now we can have a discussion on whether it was self-imposed or whether it was imposed upon all the other hunters and everybody got on board with it. But regardless, theoretically, the belief is that hunters got behind an idea to put an end to unregulated market hunting, put an end to just this, this tragedy of the commons and just raping and pillaging the landscape and looking forward to saying, okay, we are going to turn over. We're going to abdicate. We're going to turn over our responsibility or or opportunity. We're, We're going to give up some of what we're doing now, whether it was a right or whether it was a privilege or whether, whatever, I don't care how you look at it, but we're going to, we are going to give over the authority of managing wildlife to the state, individual states, and we will pay those states 
to manage our activity on our behalf for the long run. That was a self-regulatory mechanism. Okay, so it can happen. Like, like I think we can provide examples where self-regulation, and likewise, I remember back in the, well, no, even today, the number of, of, of posts that I get off of Instagram I've saved that people send me, you know, people that just believe, you know, just get a bullet in them. You know, whether it's an elk, a deer, or caribou, coyotes, or whatever, just, just, just get a bullet in them and then hit them, slow them down, hit them again, hit them, you know. Some of that stuff is, okay, a bad, uh, an accidental bad shot was made initially. Therefore, now I have to do everything I need to do in order to, to put that animal down quickly and humanely. That's one thing. It's another thing to show, see these people where they're like, they don't give a shit. Just, just shoot the damn thing and slow it down or go after this animal in a very over and egregious man, uh, uh, egregious way. Why? Because the individual engaging in that activity just gets a visceral enjoyment in it, period. End of discussion. It's a, you can watch the, what they post. You can watch, you can listen to what they say. You can take into account the body language and the entire messaging and the entire body of what they are and what they portray. They just enjoy that type of engagement on the landscape. Some, there's a lot of people that do not. And so it, it, it's going, I don't think we can, we can, I don't think we can go the model of the federal government needs to have a top down or the states have to do this. I think it's going to have to be individually within each of us go, okay, what the freaking hell am I, what am I, why am I, why, why am I out here doing this? Having an honest discussion, say this, this is what I believe, and this is what I want to do. It, 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 one of my criticisms was some people coming out here going, "Oh, you know, it's, it was a tough year. We didn't find the bucks, but so we went on doe patrol. We we killed a bunch of does. Why the fuck did you kill a bunch of does? Because number one, you didn't. There's not a lot of does out here that need to be shot. Number one. Number two, if we're going to talk about doe patrol, then we need to have a conversation about what does we're actually shooting. You're going out there and shooting the biggest biggest ass doe you can because it, it you pat yourself on the back. Meanwhile, that's the last doe that you really should be taking off the landscape because that is the per- that, that is the individual animal that was responsible for recruitment of new deer into the into the population. So, if we're going to come out and we're going to use our hunting as a social media platform, we better do better at understanding what the freaking hell it is that we're actually doing. I don't know if it makes sense. Anyway. Yeah, no, it does. And I, I, I mean that there's, there's good context to that. And we, we talked about it earlier, meaning like where, where I go to, to, you know, to whack a bunch of does. And that's exactly what I'm on as doe patrol is there's too many does, right? You have to have some common sense about that. And when I say there's too many does, that's not my, my personal opinion. That's obviously what the right. landowner sees and the biologist sees. Now I go to a right. place like where I was just at in Arizona or, um, uh, well, whatever there, 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 there's multiple places where there's just, there's not enough, there's not enough dose. Um, regular, I mean, I agree everything you said, regulating that, right. Having common sense, uh, about what you're, what you're doing. And, and, and definitely that is one of the bigger problems. And I would agree with you or Matt or any, you know, uh, Rob or whatever his name is. Um, he, there are people that have to show a dead animal to, to feel, you know, it, or they become, irrelevant in in the industry regulating that is going to be difficult unless it's self-regulated because it is legal that's the biggest problem and what i was leading up to is the states also need to do a lot better job uh at times um 
on their management programs with that kind of stuff because, uh, again, there are certain places you 100% should go whack a shitload of those. But there are other places that you definitely need to have some, you know, wherewithal and and not. And, you know, leaving leaving social media out, I will say there's some people that I know that they don't it doesn't mean shit to do with social media. They just want to go shoot a bunch of shit. They like they like hunting and they want the meat and it's like they're not starving for it. They don't have to have it. But, yeah, I mean, they're 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 putting some animals on the ground and uh it wouldn't matter for social media or not, and that's always going to be there. And the reason why I bring that up is obviously it's pretty hard to look at this black and white. There's there's too much shit involved in all of this, or you know, because it gets fairly confusing and convoluted. So let's look at totally different, but out west, Oregon and Washington, right? Very two very fucked up states when it comes to hunting. Mismanagement mismanagement of predators is a big issue, right? Too much tag allocation, big issue. I would say social media is a very small problem compared to actually how the state is mismanaging, right? And it's mismanaged because of the, again, this is, I'm leading up to strength in numbers here. We get outvoted, right? We do. We don't have a strong enough voice. And so when I see people, you know, oh, whoever says we need more hunters uh, is full of shit. Well, you know what? Why the fuck are we losing all of our rights? I would say it's because there's not enough people to vote. We lose. Would you disagree with that? I think it's, I, I, I agree with that, but I think it also is because when the non-hunting public views some of what the hunting public, so you're going to have the anti-hunter in a public policy type of deal. You're going to have the pro-hunting side, you're going to have the anti-hunting side, and then you're going to have that neutral middle, middle that has not made up a mind. They don't have the same values on either side of the spectrum, probably. But they're going to look at the situation from a public policy standpoint. If the debate starts to rage between the hunting side and the non-hunting side, the, the independent middle is going to look at the evidence presented from both sides, and they are going to either be swayed one way or another based on what they see, hear, and feel, experience, and more importantly, feel. So I, my response to your question is, I think we lose because our numbers. I think we lose more because our messaging and what we show and what we do is bullshit because we can show, and this is going to be the topic of my next personal podcast, really framing what I'm getting at and why I'm critical of the, uh, why I'm engaging in these discussions. Because the problem is the animal activists or the anti-hunter side has way more examples of egregious bullshit to show than the hunting side has to show of righteousness. And I think we lose because of numbers. And I think we lose more because of what we do to our own community. Yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, especially, and I'm a big, uh, I'm a firm believer in houndsmen in uh, in hound hunting and, and predator hunting. Uh, some, some of the problem is uh, definitely what we show, but also, you know, everybody loves the Coke bear, right? Like, I mean, you know, I can kill a two-year-old doe and no one seems to give a shit. I shoot a black bear 
fuck my life. You, you think I slept with my sister, right? Like it's not good. Like, um, right. and, and even though, as you know, bears are a huge issue with calf elk, um, you know, in, in how big of an issue compared to mountain lions or whatever else. But at one time there was definitely people that would had stated elk or bears were that black bears were the number one killer of calf elk. And right. In, cer- in, in certain in areas, at least one, yeah, at least one published study I know of that was literally the issue. I think there's numerous studies or, or research investigations that have showed that repeatedly at this point. Right. So I can shoot a defenseless <laughs> doe, no problem. Right. I can go slaughter turkeys wholesale, catch fish. No one gives a shit. I shoot something that is a major problem for the ungulate population because of public perception that is really bad. I don't think that has as much to do with just hunters. That is public perception. You got a teddy bear, you got the Coke bears, you got all this shit. But the reality is, is as bears are, are a predator, um, you know, the, the perception is going to be hard to change with, with hound hunting in, 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 and I, I, I bring back the strength of numbers thing is like when we lost um, bear baiting and we're losing more and more back in the day, spring bear baiting um, or spring bear season in general in Colorado, we lost by 1% and it's documented now and people will say it. There were hunters that voted against it because they were like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't go spring bear hunting anyway. I don't care and voted to get rid of it. Literally like you can, this is proven asinine right because once it's taken it's hard to get it back and so you know whether that's social media i would agree like there's some pretty you know i, I don't know like trapping's the same way i'm not a big trapper but i I'm, i like trapping probably don't need to show the animal in the trap with its fucking foot caught and you know whatever a bridger um it's a bad outlook and then people are like we shouldn't be ashamed of what we do i get that but, you know, there's some shit you probably just don't want to show because it is now social media and it goes in front of everyone. And so, I mean, I get it. It's 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 weird. And I, I try on my page, I try to like on the grip and grins or whatever, which I, I, I for, in some people's eyes, I should go to hell uh, for the grip and grins. But, you know, you don't you don't win the Stanley Cup and not stand behind the motherfucker. Right. I mean, it's just it's ingrained like you go around, you know, back in the day, it was photo albums. Right. It, it, it hunting camp. Now we have social media. It's a whole different animal. Right. Uh, it, no, I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent on what you're saying. Um, Cause that's the thing is you, you're again, what you're posting and what, and this is again, goes back to what initially I think Renella and others have a problem with. There's, there is a jealousy, I think standpoint to it, uh, a selfishness to it that, you know, you're damaging my ability to enjoy the landscape the way I see fit. Okay. Number one, but number two, from a long, t- from a, a broader standpoint, um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about social media provides a snapshot it provides a very, a very, I guess, limited context of what is actually occurring. And so like you're saying, that's been one of my biggest criticisms of the trapping industry is I, it's, I, do I want to see trapping go away? Hell no. It, it needs to be preserved in the landscape, but without context, it is a grotesque and ugly optic. And what makes it worse 
is when you show what on the surface appears to be a, a ugly and grotesque optic of, you know, an animal spinning around, you know, like a coyote freaking the freaking hell out again on a, on a leg hole trap, yanking against the train. You see the big, you know, circle of death, you know, the big freaking area that that animal for the past 20, you know, in some places, you only have to check those traps once every 24 hours or more, more or, or longer where that animal could have been on that in that leg hole trap for 23 hours just struggling to get away and it's just dug a hole in the dirt and it's just sitting there spinning and spinning and spinning as the person walks up to that animal to dispatch it that's a bad optic already to be putting on social media without any context for any the non-hunter to see but if you're going to talk to me if you're going to show a piece of video where you're bringing your three-year-old daughter up to that animal and they're giggling and we, we, and this is fun and we and happy. And you're just, you're utterly callous. You, you're showing outwardly to the world that you are utterly callous to the, the, the situation going on in that trap set. That is, that's even worse where this is the thing. And, and this goes back to um, what we've talked about. Do we, and I, and I think, I don't know. Do we have an individual ethical responsibility to be sensitive to the non-hunting community? Or have we abdicated that responsibility? We've just given it over to the state, and the state says it's legal. Therefore, I have a right, and fuck you if you don't like it. Because I literally – so talking with Jim Huntsman, Huntsman podcast, you know, I push back in on him a couple times because he, he gets riled up from an anti-hunting standpoint. He, he can't stay. He, he freaking hates them. And he just goes off. You start going and I'm like, okay, hold on a minute. Like you, you feel as though you have this right to do these things and you, you have a right to this way of life and you have a right to do, okay, that's fine. And the, the state of, of whatever gives you the, the, allows you to do this legally. The question is just because it's legal, A, should it be done? And then B, is there an ethical individual responsibility as a, as a, as a member of this community on the landscape to, to consider others outside of ourselves and the optics in which we get? Let's take your Arizona hunt for a minute. You and I talked about the fact that you felt sorry about this freaking poor deer that like freaking how many people were all, de- you know, bombing in after and just freaking just driving this poor animal it was just you, you can play you bitch and complain about a high fence hunt but i mean was that animal in a high fence situation no was it absolutely persecuted to the point where it was creating stress on that animal excessively i, I would say based on what you saw and what you witnessed probably yes right so, oh yeah, yeah. Where, where is our personal? Where is our personal ethic to not only ourselves and our our personal our sportsman community, but do we have a personal ethic on the landscape for those that are outside of our community? Yeah, I mean, it's it's with <laughs> with everything we're uh, talking about. It's uh, it's kind of like uh, some of this shit is like, hey, Chris, what happens when you die? You have no fucking idea. You're only guessing, right? So, I don't know. And with with some of this stuff, as far as like, uh, do you do you promote um, 
predator hunting? Do you, you know what I mean? Do you like with, with Jim and, and I, I, I follow Jim and I, I don't know him, but I, I mean, I know who he is and I follow him. Like I, with all of this is the negative positive, right? What's best, what's worse. Do we hide from it? Right. Do we make a stance? I don't think anybody knows like the, the, I think the one true answer would be, yeah, if it was all gone and no one else could see it, it would be better, I, I would say, because there's no ammo at that point. I, you know what I mean? Like there's no. Right. It, but that's not going to happen. I mean, not for a while. And then the other part is, is like, OK, well, look how much money that uh, hunters put into, you know, whatever, conservation, wildlife, everything else. It's, you know, it's billions. I don't think anti-hunters don't give a flying fuck nor wagnall how much money we put. They could give two shits, like literally. Correct. They would just tell you. Correct. Yeah, all the Forest Service, all the state game wardens can just go out of fucking just live in poverty. We don't give a shit. You're a cocksucker because you kill an animal. It's bad. And I don't – what's crazy is I get far less hate from anti-hunters than I do from the own community because we eat our own. But, uh, you know – I, I being in the position I'm in with photography and different people I know um, that are f- far different optics than I have, you know, far left leaning, you know, I don't hate them for it. Right. I don't understand them, but I hear conversations, especially on the photography side of things, conversations where they know I'm an, a, hunt, a hunter. And, and occasionally I get one that's just a fucking way left wacko, right? Just like you get way right wackos that, that just fucking hates me because I'm a hunter. Other ones are just open for conversation. And so a lot of so, a lot of the the outlooks and perspectives I have are based on that because they are anti-hunters. I have had conversations with them. And I'll, I'll bring up a prime example, which we're drifting here, but fuck it, right? What is, okay, the long distance shooting. Is it potentially unethical? Of course, you can't hit the animal, whatever, right? And all of that stuff is true between you, me, and people that know what they're doing. Does an anti-hunter even fucking know what a long-distance shot is? No, they have no idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. Most most of most of them know exactly as an not a K N O W. Most of them is just an N O. They, they it for them it's did you kill the animal cleanly or not? Yes or no? Right. Oh, and well, for most of them, they could even give a shit about that. You killed the animal. That's the bottom line. Oh, then, oh yeah. If you if you lean on the anti more, if you lean farther on the anti hunting side, of course, it, it's just death by the hand of man. Periodly, yeah, or period. But yes, for those people that are neutral, they're going to look at a picture. Whether you shot it at a thousand yards or whether you shot it at a hundred yards, they're going to okay. Well, and, we, yeah, you you shot an animal and. And I want to talk about this before we get off or we can keep talking. I don't care when you're talking about the optic, right, of of um, my, my page and other pages. That optic, I agree with you from the hunting side of thing, right? If hunters are watching my page, am, am I just killing too much or whatever? On the non-hunting side of things, and I'm not saying this is for everyone, but different anti-hunters or left-leaning friends of mine that – follow my page, some out of curiosity, some to learn, some to tell me to piss off. They see all sides of things, right? They see occasionally when I post cooking something, they see wildlife photography. They, they see I have a love for the outdoors and it is intriguing to them. And I'm, I'm saying this because what I present to them with my, my words in my page is vital because if I'm a fucking moron when I talk about it, they will immediately go to all hunters are stupid, right? All hunters are bloodthirsty or whatever. 
having that conversation with them and being loaded, not for an argument, but having real live, like thought uh, provoking uh, conversation with them is important. Meaning I'll ask, uh, you know, the first thing is, do you eat meat, right? Are you vegan? Okay. Well, I don't want to get into this huge battle about ve- you know, eat being a vegan, but I can promise you uh, one pivot uses a shitload of water to grow tofu, right? Like there, there's a lot that goes on. A lot of we, uh, you know, obviously mice and things like that get get crushed when they're making, you know, what you, what you prefer to eat. But why do you hate hunting? Animal cruelty, right? That's that's the number one thing. An animal is dying or being wounded. Well, we, ha- you know, obviously we have been living off protein for quite some time. The the this the. <laughs> What you present them, right, not necessarily an argument, could at that point in time change not only them and their friend and their friend and their friend for the outlook you gave them, you know, could could help immensely or could tremendously hurt hunting. And I only say this because the spotted owl thing way back in the day in the 80s when I was in Oregon, right? Spotted owls crushed, crushed logging where I was from, crushed my whole community. You know, and then you would see, oh, I love seeing spotted owls fried and save a logger, uh, ki- you know, kill a spotted oh, owl. Yeah. You know, not not oh, yeah. real critical fucking thinking, right? Like, you know, not good. Was there a, yeah, right. a, a good outcome to that? You know, probably not, but like you, you like wolves. Wolves are coming to Colorado. Is that correct or have I missed something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I would say at this point, with the new with the new management plan put forth, egregiously so. And there is no, and I've read every bit of documentation that I can on this. They are making it to where they are listed under as a canine, which means they can never be hunted. Yeah, exactly, and that that was the latest. The latest. Well, let me rephrase that. I I don't I don't know. Uh, I need to go back. I want to go back through and read it again and really tease it out because there's animal activist groups that are critical of the plan claiming that it does not put that stipulation in the, in the plan well enough. They want the the animal activist groups, the anti-hunting groups are trying to put forth that people need to get a hold of the agency and have the agency designate the wolf as a non-game, uh, as a non-game animal, list it under uh, non-game critters, so that way it's never listed as either a destructive pest uh, uh, on the landscape for cattle or whatever, and it's also not considered a game animal. It would be considered like uh, a warbler or. Um, yeah, well, I'll just, you you can never, any no management plan ever, no management plan. Right. Right. As, and that's, that's legit because it's a, it would be a legal designation that if it gets in under the wire now, it would be exceedingly difficult to change later. And this was my whole issue when I was arguing with hunters that, that wanted wolves, right. Was I could give a shit if wolves come to Colorado, truly. As long as there's a management plan, right? I get it. Like, who am I to say I am? I'm the one that should is all knowing whether they should or should not be here. A limited amount. Do I want them there? No. But I am not one to. Say, I am not smart enough. I can't see the future to say that four breeding pairs is good or bad or, or or whatever. What I do know is there needs to be a management plan in place because the ungulate species is already suffering to a certain degree. Again, strength in numbers. 
we got fucked up with that. We, I, I don't even know how all of that, like, tra- I, you know what I mean? I didn't follow it all the way along. Yeah. I know I, I, I wrote, uh, you know, obviously what, anytime I could, I did what I could to my two cents from being in Canada, uh, different States, obviously Alaska, whatever that, that had wolves. It didn't really matter. Right. And so at a certain point it's like, was that social media's fault? Well, I would say, um, you know, the how for wildlife.org, um, that, that, you know, is, is working on spreading the word. I would say if we didn't have social media, that that they do a lot of good things, right. To spread the word without social media, we wouldn't have them. I mean, we still lost, but they have done a lot of, done a lot of other things that have been very vital to, to winning or, or, or not losing ground. So without squirreling down this too much, Wolves are coming to Colorado. There's overcrowding, right? Social media sucks. Uh, I'm an asshole. Uh, Steve Rinella needs to jump off a cliff, um, and I can list Cameron needs to go run into a building, and Rogan needs to, I don't know, do something else because we're all horrible for social media. Or excuse me, horrible for hunting. There's wolves coming, and there is a large amount of left-leaning individuals in Colorado. It's social media. After I listed all of that, worse for trying to help Colorado in the position it's in or better in the hunting side of things. Are you asking or are you stating? I'm asking. I'm curious. Like you and I have talked with all I, of that. Again, all things, all qualifications being considered equal, I, I am going to say that social media hurts us. It, it just flat it just flat out hurts us. It, it, we, we, and the problem is is to, to your point though with what you just said about the wolf issue, it, anybody that's listened to me in any other platform that I have, you know damn well what I'm, what I'm pissed off about the hunting community with the wolf issue in Colorado. I, I, I think we had zero leadership from the sportsman side of things. Again, I'm not a, I'm not a member of the state. I, I, I don't, I'm not a citizen of the state of Colorado anymore, so I'm, I'm limited on what I can really say here. So it's up to the people who live in Colorado. So I, I've gone on record harshly about my thoughts on what the hell going on with a, with a wolf issue. But the problem is, is I, it, again, I'm going to go back to this is where I do agree with Stephen or, or excuse me, Matt on, a, on some things and the fact that we hunting is selfish, all right? And that you were talking about the non-hunter in just a minute ago about their perception of you and the conversations that you, I'm not talking about the non-hunter, I'm talking about the non-hunter. And when they engage you and they discuss you, you know, they can have an in, in, uh, initial reaction to what they see on your, your page, but then they have a conversation with you through your photography or whatever, and, and they are neutral or they can be swayed either way, and, and it's based on the conversation and what you portray. The, the thing is, is with them, they, they don't have a selfish interest in hunting. All they have is their own interest on the landscape and in their world, and they have either a neutral value for it, or at the at the worst, they have an emotional reaction to it. Okay, the the hunting community, I think, why we eat our own so badly is because we each individually have a selfish interest in it. When they look, when the hunting industry looks at Aaron Snyder, and they look at you killed X number of animals this past year, part of there in the back of the brain, I would I would be. I would bet strong money. Part of the impetus between the or uh, behind the angst for that is people look at that and be like, "Motherfucker, I want to be that. I want to have had that experience selfishly. I want to have killed that animal selfishly. I wanted that. I want, and he's taking for me, or it's not fair, or but it becomes a selfish thing. 
And so this is where, again, I, I, I am not optimistic on the front of social media because the selfish interest without a stronger, under, my opinion, with, and this goes back to my criticism before, and we were talking about a land ethic, and we we're talking about a conservation ethic. Without a stronger, selfish ethic that is more in line with at least, even if it's not respect for, even if it's not a, an agreement with, if it's just, even if it can be just even stronger land ethic for the habitats, the, the landscapes that we're on, and then an empathy for differing opinions without an intrinsic selfish ethic in ourselves that ends up being manifested in social media, I don't think we're going to win long term. I think if we stay within the same silos that we're in, if we get caught up, if we continue down the what I would consider an erosion of our community on the social media platform, on the, on the through social media into daily or our, our national dialogue, I think without a change individually, it's not going to manifest itself on social media. And social media is going to be the, the sword of Damocles that lies over our head is willing, that is going to chop our heads off at any moment. I, 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 I don't know. I said what he said. No, no. I mean, I don't, uh, as you know, I'm working my, in, in my life, my personal life on, on hiding from everyone. Right. So I'm trying to get off of social media. So, um, but the, the thing is that, uh, and we should probably wrap this up pretty soon, but now are we to the point to where we are too far gone to get rid of it? Because if we disappear totally, it would do more damage or are we not too far gone and without social media or hunting, not social media in general, hunting and social media. I'm not talking about like whatever. I'm still going to post photos on social media, getting rid of the right. hunting aspect on social media. But there's so much more to that in the sense of the marketing side of things, which is what people complain about, right? Or some people complain about in the sense of, you know, people killing for the gram and whatever, but it is a very powerful marketing tool. How much right. will sales potentially go down um, on bow sale? Like, it's a great marketing tool when uh, Elite or Hoyt or Matthews or whoever releases a bow, right? Nothing to do with killing, just releasing a bow. Um, but it is hunting, so that would be stuck in the same platform or category as what we're talking about, or arrows or broadheads or whatever. And then let's take a look at without social media, will let's list uh, some some known people. Corey Jacobson, Gritty Bowman, Ryan Lampers, myself, Go Hunt, Hunting Fool, Muley Crazy. I don't fucking list them all. How much will that damage all of the employees that all these people have or their families' livelihoods without it? I, I think it's catastrophic and unquantifiable. Do you not Correct. think so? But, uh, no, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I'm not – and just so everybody's clear, I want – I'm not, I don't want to see our footprint on social media diminished. I want to see how we manifest ourselves on a landscape presented better. So to your point, for those people that have um, 
made their living living with just slaughtering shit out of animals and putting them on the ground and gripping grins and, and all that. And you look at the sponsors and the money that's generated and, and everything surrounding that, whether, you know, it's a bow company or a clothing company or whatever that it's tax themselves because they want that, that market share and they want the, the attention that that channel, that individual, that brand or whatever brings. I can, I turn around and I go, okay, well, let's point back again, where we go back to the beginning and we see the change in the ethic of not all, but a portion, a large portion, I think, of the community around whitetail hunting in the Midwest and East and South. It's not so, there is a segment in there that is still a grip and grin. There is a segment in there that still just lay a bunch of shit down. The thing is, though, that momentum also carries with it these days the demonstration and the articulation of a different land ethic a different conservation ethic. I think you could still do the same thing for some of the Western public land personalities, public land hunting brands, et cetera. I think you could still have the same social media presence. I think you still have the same brand uh, loyalty. I think you could still have the same uh, brand advertising powerhouse, you know, uh, engine, but you could just, but, but there could be a different dialogue within the underlying portion of whatever that brand is. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, um, what I am hoping yeah. for me personally, uh, to kind of parallel what you're saying is I'm hoping I can get to a point where teaching and photography will still help my employees that work for me that, that obviously I want to take care of and still motivate people that are motivated by me. Um, I'll still be there for you shit talkers to talk shit. It'll just be under a different way. That will be enough because uh, when I say that, it's not not that I, I'm not poo-pooing on hunting at all. I just would like to get to a point to where I am literally just a good, a spear of good influence and in, in, uh, in teaching and not in crosshairs on any side of the fence, meaning anti-hunters, neutral hunters, current hunters, shit talkers, and everything in the middle. I'm just on here to hopefully teach people some stuff and show cool photos because I could give a fuck if I post a dead animal or not. It really doesn't do me much good, right? It's done me more harm in right. some ways, right? But obviously it's helped me in the industry. I'm not going to take that away, but... The reality is, if I never post another hunting photo again, does it really mean I lost my skill set? No, probably not, right? I mean, right. I just chose to not post right. a photo. But perception, right? Oh, he's had right. a bad year. He doesn't care, whatever. But I'm hoping just by teaching and going and on hunts and helping people that eventually, as I kind of extract myself off this, is I am just teaching you know, what I've been able to learn and be no matter in anyone's eyes, a positive light to hunting, no matter what that is going to be hard, but I'm hoping I can get to that point. Me personally. Right. And, and one of the things that you, you just sparked me that you just said there, <clears throat> some are going to be critical and say, yeah, yeah, Aaron, but you, you, you this is you and Chris Rowe, this is you talking about it now that you've, now that you've, built some in some way shape or form you've built your sprint your your brand some way shape or form you have um um developed yourself in the landscape where people listen to you people follow you people you know you're an educator you you are accomplished and people recognize that you're accomplished 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We are, quote unquote, established. And it's one thing for the, quote unquote, old guards, you know, older guys that are established in this industry to look back and be critical on those guys and gals that are trying to make a name for themselves in the industry. That's a fair criticism. That's a fair criticism. But what I'm what I hope it, and I and I don't know if I'm being hypocritical. I hope I'm not. I'm trying not to be. And I'm trying I to guarantee in someone's eyes that. that doesn't like you, they will make it that one, way. One, no matter what. So fuck it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> but my point being is, is I want people that are that are trying to develop their brand and trying to develop their space. That they're, they're trying to figure out their place in this sphere, in this world, in this community, in this 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 lifestyle. And they want to be someone who's either sponsored, you know, or it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're trying to make a name for themselves in this space. You can do so. I, I want, I, I hope, I want to believe that the, the community of sportsmen is getting better in that. We no longer have to demonstrate killing for killing's sake to be able to get likes, to be able to get follows, to be able to get, you know, sponsorships or whatever. I would hope that whatever someone is bringing to that is providing external value, external worth, not worth to you, but external, like other people liking you, other people following you, other people paying you, other people's advertising with you, external validation for who you are. I would hope that your brand can be more than just a raping and pillaging of public lands and just the utilization of public lands for the utilization's sake and provide something, something deeper. I know I'm guilty of not being that person always in my life. So I'm not, I'm, I know I was not that person back at maybe when I was younger. I'm, I'm trying to be that person now. I'm just saying I, what I'm seeing is a trajectory of the Western public land hunter as of now. If we don't see a change in how we express ourselves individually, I think we're going to lose it. And so I, I, just, I don't know. I'm, I'm sounding like a broken record. Maybe we're getting tired. Um, we've been going for a while. I mean, there's so many other things I want to talk to you about, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've got five different things that we, I wrote down for me. We, we could probably save them for another podcast, but no, we can, I don't care. We can do one, whatever in the next, uh, tomorrow, next day, day after. I think this one, we should probably wrap up on, on specifically what we're, we're talking about. But I, I think that, uh, if we take anything away, what you just said, obviously, but, the, the the fix all to all of this is is somewhat unknown. I do think that if you're a um, a Matt Ranella and a, and a Rob Shaw, uh, the 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 overcrowding and um, people like me are bad. Um, some of what they say is correct, and I would not take that. And I I did that on the podcast with Matt. I would agree. But there's also some other things that need to be looked at that Chris has touched on and others have touched on. It's not just social media is the devil. It's how you are presented on social media. It's how you, and also the amount of welfare baby, um, some of the different concerts. Anyway, the the amount of money and the buy-in on our lands that we hunt needs to be increased. We need to put more effort, all of us, including me, all of us. I need to do a better job of 
doing more for the lands we have out west. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it goes on and on. But, I mean, hopefully people take for this what it's worth. It's like I said in the beginning, two guys shooting the shit, talking about world's problems and hunting and how to fix those. Because it is going to go away if it's going down the route we keep going on. And, and maybe we're, maybe we're wrong, you know. what I mean, maybe maybe it's just our limited. Maybe we're looking through a, a paper towel tube, and we're, we've got a narrow focus, and we're not seeing the bigger picture. Maybe we're missing something. But I would I would like to, I would extend, and this is what I've said on others, and I've always said on mine. And I, I will extend this, and I, I said it in the beginning. <clears throat> if if you have a criticism for what I'm saying, by all means, voice it. But but don't just come at me with emotion. Like you didn't like it because it hurt your feelings. I don't give a shit. If, if if I said something that resonates negatively with you, all I would ask you to do is ask yourself, why did it resonate negatively to you? And chew on it, figure out what you can digest, and whatever can't be digested, spit it out. Take a look at it, and is there something in there that you can articulate back to me that says, I, did, I didn't like this because you said that, and this is how I see it, blah, blah. Can you articulate a rebuttal? If you can articulate a rebuttal, please share it. Because if I'm wrong, I want to I want to be right. If if I missed something and you are you bring a different perspective to the table, and we can elevate the conversation in a better direction because of your input, holy frick, please provide it. But for those people that are like you know, and there's I've already gotten the feedback from some of the other previous podcasts that I did that I, I don't like I don't like how Chris presents. I, I don't like how he how he brings it up, and I, I don't like how. So in other words, you didn't have an actual rebuttal to what I was saying. It just made you fucking uncomfortable and you didn't know how to deal with that. Okay. If, if that's the case, mission accomplished. I, 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 I want, and, I, and same thing with what Matt did. I, he freaking made a shit ton of people really uncomfortable. But guess what we got out of it? A freaking shit ton of really good conversations and a, and a different layer of, of discussion. I hope we can do that everywhere not just you aaron me some of these other guys i hope this is this becomes the norm no i think it's it's better all the way around and and i, I i've said that many times on the the matt subject and and uh and, he, and i made jokes about it i think he I, I he made a comment about putting a fire extinguisher in my ass or something and so when he asked me to do the podcast <laughs> he, he wanted to, yeah he, he wanted to squirt it up your ass he didn't want to he, shove the whole fire extinguisher he just yeah. wanted to squirt it up there. well when he did that when he messaged me to do the podcast i you know jokingly i said okay on, on one condition you try to do that and i'll do the podcast and he was like no 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 i only talk shit online you know funny right we were shit talking right, right, but right, you know right, yeah right, I, I, right. but i mm, I was like, man, I don't think it's going to be a bad podcast. I don't think there's going to be any yelling or screaming. I was like, I, I agree with some things. And I, I think that's important uh, that that when you when you talk about this, and I read comments on certain things that people say, whether it be me or you or Matt or, you know, whoever, when they are like thought-provoking comments, that when they are one side, that person's perspective comment, I love that, right? Even if it's a comment I don't agree with, or even if it's one I think that's kind of stupid, as long as it makes me think about it. Like Chris said, that's what you want. And so it made it me look like a good heart. I already knew I was going to try to get off social media. I mean, every anybody listen has known that far before Matt's podcast, but it did make me think of what what Rob Shaw had posted. I think that's his name. Um anyway, the the list and and what Matt had said. Am I doing a bad job? Right? Am am I and I thought, well, I'm doing a good job, I think, for hunters for the most part. 
part teaching and, you know, whatever, but the broader picture, am I doing a bad job? And I'm like, well, and so, you know, you and I talked like maybe each one of us need to look in the mirror take a step back and maybe shift. But, um, but either way, I think we've been on here close to five hours, so we should probably get off because uh, I need to go home. <laughs> right, right. I, I, I've got to go feed horses. I got, yeah, it, absolutely. I mean, this is the thing. This is why I think people love it, and this is why I enjoy talking with you, man, because any, any more of these days, I'm, I'm finding myself bored with the typical conversation. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm finding myself gravitating to these things that absolutely make me wrestle with the very fabric of what I freaking believe in my value sets and, and how I think and frame things. Well, so think, I think about there's a lot of people that enjoy it. Oh, there is. And think about, and we should talk about this on the next podcast. When I talk to Chris, I'm in the middle of the Four Corners area Indian Reservation driving in nothingness. And I said, Chris, I have worked my whole fucking life to get where I'm at. And I'm not happy right now. What is wrong? Right. And, and when I was saying that, not my personal life, my personal life's awesome. My wife's awesome. I've got a good core crew of friends around me. You know what I mean? Not that. I've right. worked my entire life to, to be a spear of influence, to help people, to be in the outdoor industry, be in the woods all the time and to hunt. And it sounds horrible for me to say, I, and I said that because I'm not whining. It's better than swinging a hammer or roofing in fucking Arizona in August. But man, I, internally, my soul is not fulfilled right now. And, you know, no homo, right? But I'm like, dude, there's got there's got to be something I can do to not only make the world better or the hunting community better, and but me feel better about it. And it's not putting animals on the ground. That's not, I mean, I, I do that and I get enjoyment out of it. But I got to do something else. I got, I've got to make some type of a change or make a change in the outdoor community better than what I'm doing now. Cause I'm just not as happy as I once was. And whether that's stress from work, your stress or, you know, whatever, we both were kind of in agreement of like, what the fuck? This is weird. And I'm not the guy and neither is Chris that is, I'm not whining about, Oh fuck. I hate my life. Whatever. I'm just saying it is a weird position to be in as a, you know, working on fifties adult to say, man, I did everything I wanted to and I've led an epic life, but man, my soul's not fulfilled. That's fucking weird to say, which should be our next right. beginning of our next topic. <laughs> well, then then I, then I tell you what, stop. Let's just stop the conversation there and then let's figure out what our schedules look like and let's just pick it up there because I think it, uh, that is an entirely different conversation altogether as well. Yeah, sounds that sounds no, I, good. I, I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate, I appreciate you, brother. Man, I really do. We have been friends for a long time, and I definitely appreciate that, and have never had uh, any issues, which is hard to say for somebody that's been friends for over a decade. So, man, uh, I appreciate everybody tuning in, and uh, may have to break this bitch into two f- series one and two <laughs> for this one alone. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening, and please comment, uh, good or bad, but don't be a fucking cocksucker when you do it. Be a nice person when you comment. But thank you for listening in all right brother